Members, if you would take your seats, we will go on and get started with today's budget work session. Madam Clerk, if you would accommodate us with the evacuation procedures. Yes, ma'am. The evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And adhering to council's rules of procedure, everyone in attendance should be seated at this time. Thank you, Madam Clark. The first uh, item of business this morning will be an overview of the Performance Management Office. Mr. Brown, good morning. Good morning, Madam Vice President, members of City Council. Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. If I may give you a very brief overview of the Performance Management Office that is proposed in 19 and 20 in this upcoming budget. Um, very briefly, if you recall, uh, the mayor entered into office in 2017 with an ambitious policy agenda um, and undertook a performance review of all city agencies and a first step in ensuring a strategy and ensuring that the government of the city is more efficient and effective. The intent is to instill for the long term a culture of success by setting and achieving organizational goals, aligning the resources or the budget in a manner that is consistent with organizational priorities, having, um, having and being responsive to the concerns and needs of our residents, and being, in, being a satisfied place for all employees to work. So what exactly will this unit do? Uh, the Performance Management Office within the Department of Budget and Strategic Planning is not a new office, but rather an extension or an expansion of the existing strategic planning cost center program within the budget office. This unit will assist the offices of the mayor and the CEO in ensuring that the mayor's policy goals or one Richmond um, and his vision for improving city government are enacted across all agencies. It will serve as a coordinating link in ensuring the implementation and the sustainability of all organizational priorities, improved processes, successful performance outcomes, and strategic resource allocation. And again, it will function as an enhancement of an already existing role within the Department of Budget and Strategic Planning. And it will do this by providing four or five core functions. It will coordinate strategic planning in addition to coordinating policy and, in, and internal reform and implementation. It will implement performance-based budgeting, which I understand is a priority of both city council as well as the administration. Um, that is also an audit finding that we are working on and we feel that this, this unit will um, satisfy that audit requirement. Another function will be assessing organizational challenges with internal services and finally leading the implementation of additional internal reforms identified by the performance review and ongoing assessments. Um, they're the only resources that are provided to this um, existing unit is the funding of an existing vacancy that has not been funded in several years as well as the transfer of an existing part-time position from the mayor's office to the budget office. There are no new operating dollars that are proposed in this unit. 
Um, if I may say that this unit, again, will be based within the budget office. It will work directly with the mayor and the CAO to develop and track progress on a comprehensive strategic plan encompassing all agencies aimed at realizing one Richmond, again, is laid out in the performance review responses. The plan involves both, both policy and programmatic initiatives, and a key role of this unit will be to not only track performance and implementation of priorities, but to identify challenges in real time and introduce a common quality control standard across all agencies. And by providing an additional analytic and management resource to the mayor and to the CEO, the administration believes that this unit will significantly strengthen internal functions of both specific agencies as well as city government as a whole. And essentially that is what the office will be doing. No new resources to the city other than funding an existing position and the transfer of an existing position from the mayor's office to the budget office. No new operating dollars. And we are excited about getting started and we know that, they, that these are, some of these are priorities of, are of city council as well, particularly the performance-based budgeting and developing strategic plans at the citywide level and at the agency level. And so we are already um, hoping to work with city council and planning on that. Here to answer any questions that I can. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Council members, are there questions for Mr. Brown? Mr. Agilesto. Thank you. Um, so it's a new office that will be housed within the budget uh, yes, sir. department. And one, one thing that I'm curious about is the recommendation of the audits and how do we get those implemented and overseen. Clearly, the city auditor and his staff make uh, those recommendations. They go to the audit committee, uh, and many of them have, have languished um, with the implementation. Is it your belief, then, that this new office will, will help to facilitate the oversight at the administration for implementation? I see that only if it's a function that is primarily associated with, with the performance review. As an example, in the audit that was for the budget office, one of the audit recommendations was to move more towards a performance-based budgeting. Um, not only is that going to be a, a, a primary function of this unit, um, but it also will help to resolve that audit finding. If there are findings within the performance review that have a correlation to findings within, um, or if there are findings within the performance review that are linked to some of the functions within this office in terms of performance measures, or developing performance-based budgeting on those findings, or if it relates to ensuring um, or improving citizen or resident satisfaction, um, then I can see the office focusing on that and assisting that office in trying to help resolve that audit finding. Um, timely and hopefully within available resources. So I, don't, I do not see this um, office overseeing the entire, all of the audits. Um, my understanding is that the department heads and at the DCAO level, they are looking at all of those audit recommendations within those offices, um, but I can see us having a role in that, particularly as it relates to um, certain things that deal with um, enhancing things within the performance re review or if it relates to a performance-based budget. And, and that's from the audit standpoint. And then how does it relate to individual employee uh, performance review? Well, if you recall several years ago, um, the city had a, 
a larger strategic plan. And one of the outcomes of the plan that we were trying to reach was to bring the performance all the way down to the employee level. You start at the citywide level with citywide goals and objectives. And if you recall, those were the focus areas. And you had individual focus areas that focused on initiatives. And all those initiatives were linked to the goals of the focus areas and to the goals and the priorities of, of the city. The next point was going down to the departmental level, which we have done um, a few years ago, was to develop measures and initiatives and targets at the departmental level, again, linked to all those goals um, within the focus areas. The final step would be to go down to the employee level and then link that to their performance evaluations. Um, we have not gotten there yet. Uh, my thought is that, um, assuming the city council approves this budget in the budget office, is that we will develop a plan that would seek to get to that level. I will say that it will take time, but that is the ultimate goal because you want to hold the, your employees accountable um, to the goals of the organization. Um, number one, for the employees so that they can understand exactly what they will be um, evaluated against. But you want to make sure that they are doing things that fall in line within the priorities of the city. So it was something that we were looking at a few years ago. Um, we're hoping that we can get, get there again, but that is one of the, one of the last steps. Um, it will take some time because one of the functions of this unit will be to work with this mayor um, and hopefully city council to understand what the priorities are and to come up with a strategic plan and begin to bring that down within the organization. So I do see that as a step in the process. Um, I see that as a later step, but I do see that as a step, as a very significant and a key step in that process. Okay. That's a very helpful uh, future vision. The last question that I have, and I know it goes back to other questions that my colleagues have also asked um, more pointedly towards economic and community development, and that is <clears throat> having uh, review and compliance of performance measures related with contracts. Sure. Uh, is it your expectation that this new office will also facilitate in the oversight of contracts to make sure that they're compliant with the performance measures, or is that still within the department that is administrating the contract, or is this helping with third-party review? It's the middle piece that um, you said. Still, uh, still the, it's still primarily the agency's responsibility to manage their Contracts, and we can assist them with the performance measures, but still the agency's responsibility to manage those contracts. Our role will be to assist them if they have any performance measures, making sure they come up with the right measures and ensuring that they are tracking it and that they are coming up with the results in a timely manner for reporting purposes. But in terms of the oversight of the contract, um, that falls with the agency. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Trammell. Thank you. Um, I didn't know we were going to go over this today. I did not know this was on the agenda to go over this. Yeah, when we uh, ended last week's uh, session, uh, we did not cover this component, and we agreed to add it to uh, today's budget work session. Right. Because I fully don't understand this, Jay, because it's going to be like you're going to hire another person for about $70,000 to oversee... Oversee. Yes, to oversee a performance management unit within the city of Richmond, which will focus on strategic planning, performance-based budgeting, and ensuring the implementation of the city's performance review. And so if, if I may, Councilwoman Tremble, um, we did provide some information at the last session in response to some questions 
hopefully that may answer some of those questions for you. If not, I have some information that I can give you um, that can explain this a little bit more in detail for you. Okay, because I'm just concerned because I guess department heads are in charge of their employees that work in like social service, police department, fire department, all of that. Is this person going to oversee them too, all of that? or No, ma'am. Um, I will oversee the person who will be the lead over that unit. This person who will be the lead over that unit will be working with city agencies, not overseeing those agencies. Well, to me, that would be like another, la another layer of, I don't know, like, like them trying to oversee the department heads or um, the CEO or whatever. I mean, to me... I don't know. It looks like it's another layer of government, which, and then you said work with the mayor and hopefully city council. Well, I would hope that this person would definitely work with city council mm -hmm. because, I mean, we have a lot, I mean, we have many, many, many great employees. And, I, and to me, I think I don't want to see this one person that would have the authority over top of um, the department heads or, say, like Bobby Vinson or Anthony McLean, any of them, because, like I said, I don't, I don't think that would be fair. I can assure you that this person will not oversee any departments. That but that person would be working closely with the mayor, and if that person had an issue with somebody, then that person could go back and tell the mayor that he or she's got a, a problem with that person, and the next thing you know, that person's in the mayor's office. I will say that, again, I, I am the director of the department, and that person will have to go through me. Well, why can't you just do it instead of us hiring somebody else for another $70,000? If I had a couple more hands and arms and feet. Huh? <laughs> if I had a couple more hands and arms and feet. But I do assure you, um, Councilman Tremble, um, this is, again, this is, a, this is an existing unit. We have two staff that, have, that are already here that have been here for years. And this is just funding an existing vacancy that has not been funded. And so we're going to work with every single office to help um, come up with many of the things that some of your colleagues have um, recommended already in a resolution in terms of a, a performance-based budgeting, which is an audit, um, developing a strategic plan, and implementing many of the things that I believe um, some of the goals and priorities that both the administration and council share. And in order for us to get there, uh, we just needed the, the resource for one and a half positions. And I assure you again, this person will not lead, oversee, manage, direct any department. I can assure you that. I'm still not happy with, I'm not, I'm not happy with this position. Okay. I'm not. Because to me, I think you, you're doing, I mean, I've known you a long time, and you've always did a great job, and, you know, it, that's something I think that you could continue to do and handle instead of having somebody else come in that would, I would feel that would still be over, that would somehow or another could go around you and be able to do what he or she wanted to do. I just, I'm just not happy. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with, with, with the, I just, I want more information. And like I said, right now, I just, I can't support this. I will definitely send you as much information as you need starting today, if that will help, Councilwoman Jerome. All right, thank you, Jay. Sure. Thank, thank you, you, Mr. Brown. If you would send that information Absolutely. to all council members, uh, the mm -hmm. responses as well as the uh, summary document, uh, we would appreciate that. I will do that now. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Thank you. Ms. Brown. Um, yes, so now we will be going into reviewing the um, next set of general fund amendment increase proposals. Um, the first item is item number 21, which was a 
a proposed amendment from last work session. Um, it was made by Councilwoman Larson to add 50000 to the uh, budget for private security camera initiative program. Um, in addition to this, the administration um, did request that we provide you with a um, response statement that was received by the chief of police, which is included in your folders. Um, and with that, I will hand it over to Councilwoman Larson. Yes, Councilwoman Larson. Um, I have gotten a, a lot of feedback about this proposal. Um, I have talked to the chief several times about it, and um, his feeling is it's a positive program. We just lead, need a little more time to figure out the logistics of it. So at this point, I'm going to withdraw what's on the table and instead put forward um, when the time is up, a text amendment with a small allocation of money to have the administration study it for the next year and come up with a proposal for fiscal year 20. Okay. Questions, comments? I do have a question. Um, does it require funding to um, do the research? Uh, the chief indicated that he had secured some information, but not sufficient to be able to decide to support this. Does it require funding, or is this simply something that can be? Um, I was just, just going to put a, a small amount of money um, so that if overtime was needed for staff to pull together a program, then the funds could be used for that. Um, and I, I'd just like to add one more thing. I, over the past week, since this was announced, I have received a lot of really positive feedback from residents and businesses um, who think this is a positive program. So I do think it's worth um, pumping the brakes on it a little bit, slowing it down, um, researching it some more, taking it to the Public Safety Committee, and and working on it for the next year so that we have a solid program to unveil um, for fiscal year 20. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Ms. Um, Gray. My only comment is I support the idea and the concept. I, I think it's needed, especially in the downtown neighborhoods where we have a lot of activity and things are reverting back to um, crime. But... I don't understand the need to fund a study because this is what we do in our, I mean, we have policy analysts, we have people who are full-time who do this all the time, so I don't understand the need to put money in the budget to study something that is already being done in other localities that we could potentially just pull from those resources to get the information needed. Okay. Other comments? Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you. I'd like to thank my colleague for, um, for putting this off right now. And I agree with my colleague Kim because um, I know that we do have a lot of resources in our office that we can use. And also I know that the police chief has been working hard on this to get the information that we needed. And I think with me being able to bring it back to my public safety meeting, you know, each month or whatever, just to get an update on it and see where we are. By next year, when we get to the budget, I think the chief and his office or and our staff will be able to work together and get us all the information. And I've had a lot of calls, too, from the citizens in my district and other 
district's concerns about who would get paid, how would we select them, um, if they, if someone had an issue with that person having a camera, would they, and you know, would they be considered a snitch? Um, what would happen? If would we be reliable for them if they were attacked or if something happened to their house? Because I know that I had that happen in my district back in some years ago where the person was shot and killed because he worked very, very closely with the police. Okay. So the, the so questions and things. With that, that I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, were you done? I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to thank her for, you know, for putting this off right now and for saying that we could bring it back to my public safety meeting and continue to work with the chief and his staff and our staff to, to you know, get more information on this and make sure that nobody would be put in harm's way of any way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Larson, with the comments um, thus far, are you still inclined relative to putting funding in for a study or what's been recommended is uh, our public safety, specifically our police as well as our staff working on this to uh, do the research? So um, my understanding process-wise is I would withdraw what's in front of us right now and resubmit as a text amendment, and then we would discuss it again at that point. Is that correct or no? Yes, but I was just wanting, even in advance of that, if those comments uh, would, uh, you know, negate the need for a text amendment or if you would intend to go forward, in which case you would put a text amendment in and we would then opine, I guess, decision just one um, point of clarification. Um, if you still intend to put a small dollar amount, um, it would be to make a recommendation to reduce this 50000 to whatever amount you would um, like to propose as a change. And then, depending if that gets forward, then a text amendment can it be attached to that funding. Um, but unless you're just trying to say that you want to tag 5000 from the police's budget for this purpose, but not necessarily increase it. So that's kind of the two options. Okay. Would not the other option just before we be simply putting in a cart request so that this could be done by staff? Right. That could be done as well. I'm sorry, I, I missed that. We could simply put in a cart request as well for that, the research on this item to be done in conjunction with our police chief and working with public safety committee okay. uh, with staff in our... Okay. I'll, I'll circle back with the chief and then readdress it. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Brown, next item. Yes, the next item is item number 22, which is a proposed amendment by Councilman Addison to increase the non-departmental budget by 10000 to provide funding for the Sister Cities Commission. Mr. Addison. Uh, thank you, uh, Vice Chair Newbill. So um, I, as a member that serves on the Sister Cities Commission, uh, it is in their interest to have budget available as they look to host um, our sister cities from around the world especially this year, we're doing some celebrations and hosting um, several delegations from international um, countries that we've partnered with, uh, Richmond upon Thames um, in England, Saitama, Japan, and uh, I think we're working with a project as well with Segu 
Mali, and I think with that, having a budget for them to allow for supporting of those initiatives, we do a lot of partnerships with VCU and the international office. They do a lot of cultural um, events as well, and we are looking to put a um, post in the Kanawaha Plaza this year, this summer, to put arrows that show all the sister cities we have partnerships with around the world um, as part of a bigger launch as well later this year. They also do things with Little League Baseball, they provide a teacher exchange. We have uh, teachers that, from the Richmond region that, and Richmond Public Schools that we trade with Japan mostly for the most part. And with that, this organization needs um, some funding in our budget to support these outreach marketing um, events and supporting the ability of being a good host for these events. So that's what this money is for. Thank you. Council members, any questions or comments? Um, Ms. Brown, I'd like to be added as a patron on this paper. Um, I believe, and I thank Ms. Addison for putting this in, that we've not begun to realize the potential in terms of our work internationally, especially in terms of economic development potential uh, across the world. So would like to, Ms. Addison, hopefully this year have us be more focused uh, in that regard. Ms. Gray. I'd like to be added Me too. as well. And okay. I know that this is a 25-year anniversary for the Saitama japan sister cities relationship. And I do think that um, as a region and as a city, we benefit from those shared experiences and exchanges. Thank you. Ms. Brown. Um, all those who are in favor of moving this amendment forward, please raise your hand. The amendment passes. Uh, the next item is item number 23, which is a proposed amendment by Councilman Addison to provide funding for the Asian American Business Assistance Center in the amount of 18712 So uh, we, this is an entity that we have funded in the past, the Asian American Business Assistance Center. Uh, they did not receive funding uh, in, uh, let me say, there was not a recommendation for funding uh, in the current budget. The last funding they received was in the amount of $18,712. And this allows for us to be the kind of inclusive city that we are uh, wanting to uh, uh, certainly um, develop and certainly the Asian American Business Assistance Center works with the Asian American um, businesses and other uh, entities to have them be a part of the vibrancy of our city and our community. And so we just simply ask for your support uh, of their continued funding and continued engagement and involvement in the economic growth and development of our city through uh, a fairly uh, small investment. Ms. Gray. I think I know the answer to this, but I wanted to be certain that they are um, assisting anyone regardless of their ethnic or national origin, ethnic background. I believe that is true, but certainly um, as their work, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice here, but uh, I believe that is true, but certainly um, their uh, focus has been Asian American, but 
Right. Um, I do not believe that they would exclude anyone. Okay. Thank you. And with our, our prior work with Milan, who was also a part of our staff at some point, I'm pretty confident that that's true. If there are no further questions, uh, all members who are in favor of moving this amendment forward, please raise your hand. Okay. That amendment passes. Um, the next item is item. Mr. Amell. Excuse me. Can I wait one minute, please? I get Charles is trying to help me with something. Relative to this item? I have a. I was looking for that. We don't have a hard copy of that, so yeah, I could I so where I could put some notes. And I was looking for something that's been added. And Megan said that it has been. Is that? Did you find it? Thank you, Madam President. We found it. I didn't hear you, Ms. Trammell. Did you get uh, your question answered? I think mine, I think Megan just said mine's in there on 26. Thank you. Yes, Ms. Trammell, I believe you're um, looking for item number 26, which is your proposed amendment for the economic revitalization of South Richmond Task Force. And that item is in here. We just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm sorry. We haven't gotten to it, is what we're, she's saying. It's like number, let's see. It's number, item number 26. 26. Mm-hmm. And we're at 23. Okay, Ms. Brown? No. This, it's, not 20, it's not 26. I'm looking at 26. It's a joint Trammell-Jones non-departmental advisory task force for the economic revitalization of South Richmond, uh, 17,500. Does Ms. Tr- Trammell have this doc? Yes, everybody should have the document. It's been in their packets. This is economic development. This is something different from that. That's hard. This is the lady... She's with the um, Virginia Asian Chamber. That's the one we just voted. You just voted. Okay, well, so she got that. I right, thank you, thank you, because she's texting me. I right, thank you. Want you want the record to reflect that you? Yes, I do. Supported it as well. Yes. Okay. I'm trying to read the text and trying to read that because she's very. She was very, very concerned. She got left out, but she's. But it's up there. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Miss Larson. Just one second before, is this pertinent to item number 23? It's just about all these non-departmental, I just have a question. Okay. Okay. So as we're moving through all these different um, groups that are coming before us for money, um, I'm wondering if we have any information that they had applied and not 
received a grant from the city or did they miss the window to apply? And if they were rejected, what is the justification that the administration's giving for not awarding them a grant? And then, because I think that's important information for us to consider if we are reconsidering folks who have already been rejected. And I I just want to, for the record, again, reiterate my concern about the, the way we go through these. We have a long list of groups that do positive work in our community. But I have a lot of heartburn about a, a, a process where we, we talk about the group for three minutes and then make an, uh, an approval to ultimately award them tens of thousands of dollars. I just philosophically have a lot of issue with it. Okay. Thank you. Um, any other comment? I just agree with that, and um, I do wonder if the patrons know the answer for those specific budget amendments and whether or not there was a um, application submitted and what the um, rejection or reduction in funding, um, what the justification for that was from the administration, because I think that, that does help inform the process. I hear you. And then uh, just as we are discussing process, so there are entities that uh, made application, did not get included. There are entities that are being added that made no application. So will our process also address that as well? Well, I'd like to know. I'm just asking. I'm putting, if we're going to do process, Right. I'd like to know who didn't apply and if there's some reasoning behind why they didn't. If they've been in existence, then this has been a, it's been a, a bumpy process, but it's been a process in place for quite a while. So, I, you know, for an existing community provider that's gotten funding in the past, I, I have a hard time understanding why they wouldn't know about the process and that an application is required to be able to request that funding. I hear you. Um, With that, I will just, um, because there was, though that entity is not included as a recommended entity in here who thought that we were still on the biennial year process, but they're not in here. So there were some folks who um, at least indicated they thought we were doing something different. I'm not excusing that. I'm just simply saying. All right, so if we will go back to um, item, um, if we're going back to item, I guess, 22. Mr. Addison, did you want to comment? And I don't know um, if an application was um, put in. I know in past years when I've served, I have actually put in the request for funding. That might be, um, I'm not sure in this instance. You know, I, 
Vice Chair, we've, we've mentioned this the past two budgets, how this process for non-departmental funding requests seems to be either inconsistent or non-inclusive, and we've discussed the funding for which the Sister Cities Commission needing to have council injection into the budget, and I was confused about why weren't they applying as a whole, and I feel like there needs to be a consistent process in which we do look at supporting the application of these grants funding for all the people who receive funds from the city so we can understand exactly what they're asking for, what, they need, what the funding is used to support, and the outcomes of that. We just heard a proposal um, in this budget to support performance-based budgeting and performance you know, operations of our government. And I feel like with how large our non-departmental budget is, you know, if we don't understand exactly where these funds are going to or what the purpose is and who they're serving and what the outcomes are, I don't feel like we're making the fully vetted decisions. And I think we need to look at ways in which to modernize and improve that. I know I'm not alone in thinking that this is not a simple, clean process. It seems to be pretty um, loose. And then we make decisions based upon feelings and emotions, which is fine. That's what we do. But I think in the, in the spirit of what we need to look at, we can't fix it right now. But I do think we need to find a way to really make this process a little bit more streamlined and competitive and that we know exactly what we're supporting beyond just that. And I'd like to also make sure we know that as grants such as Richmond Sister Cities, also the Asian and American Business um, Assistance Center, that these organizations know that we want their support. We want them to be part of this process. And it seems like if they have to go through this channel that maybe they're not being heard. And I think that's good information. We don't know if they applied or not. So I think that would be an interesting result to look into to improve this for next year. Mr. Brown is coming forward. Jay Brown again, Budget Director. Um, if I may, um, hearing some of the comments, um, of course, we have no control over who applies or who doesn't apply or who applies late. Um, but I will, again, um, reiterate, if I may, that this is the mayor budget. We did have limited resources. Um, and the proposal that is in front of you um, is what the recommendations are. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Ms. Gray. So um, we had legislation to look at that process because a lot, of, a lot of the things that we're funding are not city functions. They're not things that benefit the city as a whole or they're not taking place of a function that, that we and department levels can't fulfill. So I do think that it's important to have a process that reviews those applications because if it's not augmenting our jobs and what we're supposed to be doing, why are we paying for it when we've got so many, so many needs that aren't being met that we are supposed to be meeting with schools, with infrastructure, with everything? So um, if there's a problem with the application process that folks want to share, you know, if they've gotten funded in the past but they didn't know they needed to apply now because they the applications were for two years, that would be important. I think if, as the application process changed this year, maybe those folks should have gotten an email or a letter informing them or even a, you know, copy of the application to say, please make sure you submit this by such and such date. I don't know if that happened or not, but we can't, from our vantage point, understand where the gaps are within departments and 
what these functions will do to augment our city business. So I think it's really shooting in the dark when we're trying to fund people off, off the fly. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Emmel, did you have a comment? Okay. And so the organizations that are being proposed for funding here are, uh, in, at least starting in these instances, are not new organizations to the city, and we are familiar with their work. I don't have the answer in terms of um, their submittal of application, but these are not uh, unknown entities. Uh, again, I'll go back, and I hear the, the and I don't want to uh, at all not acknowledge your, Ms. Larson and Ms. Gray, uh, comment relative to process. Uh, I hear that, and I think we do have some refining to do. Um, in this instance, however, the entities that are before us are not new to the city. They have been funded by the city before, and they have provided um, uh, certainly valuable services. And yes, um, Again, that does not uh, mitigate the need for a process. But the sister cities, again, they've been funded. I don't know that they knew. And like I said, when I served on that body, I submitted the funding requests for them. And so uh, with Mr. Addison transitioning, I don't have the answer there. Um, Asian American uh, business assistance, I believe they did submit. Uh, and they have been working in our community, um, et cetera. So we do need to decision how we will proceed uh, from this point with these entities this year. Okay, that's great, and then I'll come back, Mr. Larson, and then I'll go to anyone else, and we'll acknowledge our president has joined us as well. And, 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 we'll I, and I don't want to belabor this, but in looking at the overview of this process, there are certain requirements and stipulations, quarterly reports, things of that nature, that if an entity wasn't meeting the financial guidelines or wasn't meeting the goals that they stated, I wouldn't know that. And I wouldn't know from, from here, even if they got funded in the past, if, if that's still what is needed in that area or that community. And so it's really impossible to make a sound judgment on why they didn't get funded if they applied or why they didn't apply. If it is um, the desire of folks to um, go through each of these, especially in the instance where, in all of these instances, to ascertain uh, whether or not an application was submitted to, and the mayor, of course, certainly can, even if an application is submitted, can still submit as he deems um, feasible for uh, the overall organization to fund or not fund. But we can go back and get that information for each of these uh, and uh, make that available for a subsequent discussion. Mr. Amell. You know, I don't... Uh, Charles has got my phone now calling the lady with the um, – we want, I want to make sure that it's the Virginia Asian American Business Association Assistance Center. I want to make sure that's the right person because she was told, and I have it on the text, that we were not going to make any decisions until April the 26th. That's why she did not get her stuff in. And I know – and, and it's me, not on here. Hi? 
Let me just be clear. She did not get her what in her application, her what? All all her paperwork. So then um, I think Megan's been helping me with it to make sure that she was in here, you know, on this. I think many of us have had conversations with Asian American uh, Association, Ms. Trammell, yourself, Ms. Gray, myself, uh, and, uh, and others. That's why they're in here. Okay, we, we Charles just talked to her, and she said it is the... That's, that's their legal name. That's their legal name. Right. So, but anyway, I think that what we need to do, and I've asked this for the past 16 years, is to try to get an update with these organizations that we give the money to. And as Kim said, sometimes we don't know, you know, how the money's being spent, what it's going to. I know that... When I always supported um, Hilda Woodby before she passed away, she had battered women and children over there in my district on Belt Boulevard. And I would always get something if it was maybe every two or three months or even get invited to come over there to see what her progress was with the funding, that, even though it was a little bit of funding, but still she put that money to good use for those women and for those children. And, I mean, it looks like even the boards and the commission, sometimes we don't get updates on it. I know Abatina Carter-Walker always communicates with me and gives me an update. And, but there's a lot, of, a lot of organizations, and this right here that all, I mean, maybe some of us council members know, but not all of us know. And I think that we need to start getting reports or something because it's taxpayers' money, and when they see this going out, they're like, well, how come? And, and reports typically go back to the um, agencies that the MOAs are forged with. But I do want to, so we can, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just losing my voice. I do want to, so we can move on, make a decision. It sounds as if um, at least there has been articulated a desire to, A, know if these entities submitted an application, B, if they did, uh, if they have received funding in the past, what's been the performance uh, those kinds of things. Is that the, I need to get, is that the sentiment of the body that we would get that information for these entities? Can I hear from other folks? And I'll come to be back to you, Ms. Gray and Ms. Larson. That is not the sentiment of the body, if I. Okay. Questions were raised about uh, several of these items, uh, whether or not entities submitted an application, uh, whether or not entities had uh, funding in the past, uh, what has been the performance uh, relative to uh, what was agreed to. And so there has been articulated a desire to have a process that allows us to take a look at some of that before proceeding to decision whether or not uh, we want to uh, recommend any of these non-departmentals for funding. And so I'm asking if that is something. So, so Madam Vice, let, let me just under, understand. Are we talking about just these specific just, ones? Just, the, just these before us. I'm sorry, let me be clear. Just the ones before us. Okay, because then they're, in theory, going to go through a different level of scrutiny than all of the other ones? Because I'm assuming that the same process was or was not followed. Um, I mean, and I, I think I'm on record for how I feel about uh, non-departmental spending. I think I, I spoke on that ad nauseum in the last budget cycle. But I'm just trying to understand. 
singling out these versus the others, or, or and just just trying to understand the process. When you say okay, okay, are there questions or comments? Okay, Madam Vice President. Yeah, I think uh, what we're uh, looking at here, and I think that. Mr. President, can you speak into your mic, please? I'm sorry. Here we go. Is that better? Thank you. Um, I don't think that Ms. Gray's question is unreasonable. What I'm concerned about, as Mr. Jones indicated, that this seems to be getting into the weeds more than we did on other fundings. And what I was told by the administration when I inquired as to a group that had applied that no new groups were being funded. Now, is that in the original budget? Is that not accurate? Because I'm pretty sure that's what I was told uh, straight up, that, uh, that when I inquired about a group that had not been funded in the past, the blanket answer I got was we were funding no new groups. So is that not an accurate statement, uh, Mr. Brown, or uh, – oh, I know. Well, Good morning again. Um, Mr. President, yes. I'm not aware of who may have made that statement to you, um, but again, if I can reiterate, um, there was a process um, for the recommendations – I'm, um, but I'm not, I'm not sure who, who made that statement to you, sir. I can assure you that it came from the top of the house. Good morning. Pre President Hilbert, Selena Cuffey, Glen I'm not aware of that response because, as you know. I didn't know. You and I didn't speak about it. Yeah. I'm not, not aware of that process as it relates to no new projects were omitted or not included. So. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. Is there a question? Yes. yes. Go Let ahead. I'm sorry, Ms. Robertson. Then I guess I'm I'm on now. <laughs> so please go ahead. You are live and well, Mr. President. Um, good morning to everyone. Um, I think the, the challenge that we, uh, the discussion that we're having is that we have a proposed budget from the mayor. There may have been uh, agencies and department groups that we feel need to be funded to pr continue to provide services that we feel are valuable. And it's like any other amendment that we put on the table to the mayor's budget to address the concerns that we have that we feel have not been adequately addressed in the proposed budget that's before us. And so the amendments that are before us for the non-departmental are certainly altruists. Uh, they are legitimate amendments, and they are altruists as to whether or not we want to support them or not. And I think that uh, we would treat them like any other amendment that has come before the body. I'm Ms. Gray. So I don't know what 
um, process is accurate, whether no new proposals came forward. I do know there are some that fall under economic and community development here that have performance agreements that we don't have information about. There are some, you know, um, that we continuously need to be checking against to determine if we're going to continue to fund those projects and whether they're meeting um, the laid out goals and guidelines and performance measures. There's some that may be brand new that didn't know about the application process. That would be helpful to know to inform the process. But if there are things here that are um, what we believe are are needed and they just decided not to go through that process because they could politically link up with someone and, and get in the budget, I think that that's problematic because it's not serving us as a body to be thrown these things at the last hour without having all the information in front of us. So, yes, we are separate. We make different decisions. Maybe, you know, if someone didn't get fully funded, they can make their case to us and say, hey, I applied, I went through all the hoops I was supposed to go through, and this is why I need the funding. And we make a different decision on that. But to just not have all the, all the information as to why something didn't make it in this phase. Well, maybe they didn't meet the reporting requirements. Maybe they didn't meet the performance requirement. How do we know that? And why do we continue to fund it if the administration has come back and said it's, it shouldn't be in the budget? So, I mean, that's, that's important for us to know because it could come back and make us look very incompetent in our, our decision-making if we're continuing to fund things that are not serving our citizens. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Mr. Uh, Ms. Larson and then Mr. Jones. Um, so I feel the same way as Councilmember Gray about this. And it, it, the legislation that was before us, and I put that forward, it was to create a commission, then would vet the applications and award the money in buckets. Talk to the... what. So that legislation has been continued for six months because at the time I talked to the administration, they had told me they were re redoing their application process for the grants this year. Um, more of a, a, a harder look at the applicants um, and the history and the successes and the failures and awarding based on that. So that's where these questions are coming from, at least from my perspective, is... Um, you know, I've talked to you all several times since then. Just want to know, because here we are, which I told you that I really detest this part of the, of the process. And again, this is no, this is not about these particular entities up in front of us. I know a lot of these groups do amazing work. It is about the way we are making decision about ta taxpayer dollars being allocated. And this part of it makes me extremely uncomfortable because we don't have the information. We're awarding money, and 
I don't see any sort of accountability after the money is awarded. If I may, Mr. President, and I just want to be clear, yes. council can legislate a process, but that does not supersede what the charter says with the mayor proposing a budget to city council. So he has a process in place as it relates to the applications that were submitted and made those recommendations in the budget that was presented to city council on March 6th. Council can still have a legislative process for your own review of what the mayor has presented. But from what I understand, and the city attorney can correct me, by charter, his task is to submit the budget to city council. Once it comes before city council, council can make any change it desires as the elected body. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Mr. Jones? Yes, Mr. President. Again, I've spoken ad nauseum about my challenges with non-departmental funding as a whole. Um, we do have the authority, I understand, to make any amendments, regardless of what the mayor proposes. We can make it based upon what we choose to do simply by putting forth an amendment that we're doing right now, that process. If we give up that right, then we might as well just accept the mayor's budget in total because everything we're doing at this point are our amendments. So whether it be CIP, whether it would be general budget, this, as I understand, is a process by which we engage in the mayor's budget. And so if it is um, the, and I need glasses, my gosh. <laughs> if, let me Mine go back to something help. closer. <laughs> it is okay. Thank you for telling me that and helping me, Ellen. <laughs> so if it is providing funding for the Asian American Business Assistance Center and the patron is uh, Mr. Addison and Ms. Newbill, they share that amendment with us. We choose through the process that we have selected to move it forward in our amendment process. And so, and again, everyone knows where, how I feel about non-departmental spending. Everyone does. But again, if this is the process, then let's go through the process. Um, because again, everyone has their rationale I'm assuming from the patron side of why they are adding these amendments. And so I'd just like to move through these. If they have merit, Mr. President, if we could move it forward. If not, it, it just it just waits until the next next cycle, if any. And then at another date, we can discuss the legislation that uh, my colleague has out to see how we look at uh, 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 handling non-departmental spending. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Um, any further comments on this? I mean, I my remarks earlier here. I uh, stand by those, and but I also I hear what Miss Gray is saying. However, um, I just don't know, you know, why we wouldn't accept the mayor's budget and just move on down the road. I don't understand what you're saying. I, so, yes, may Ms. I Gray. clarify? I'm not saying we shouldn't amend and add if we feel it's important to do that. I'm saying we need more information to be able to make those decisions. Did they apply? 
was there a valid reason why they were rejected if they did? If they didn't apply, is there a valid reason why they didn't apply? Those are the kind of, and if they were rejected, is there a valid reason on the part of the administration as to why they were rejected? Did they not meet certain requirements of the performance? So, you know, those are just things. If they, if they did all the things they were supposed to do and they still didn't get funded and we see it as a valuable service or thing, economic driver to the city, then we fund it. But if, if, they, if they're just saying, right. I'm going to ignore the process and just go to my council person, that to me is problematic. Well... Okay, I but I also would like to know if several of you heard that no new entities were going to be funded. That that's what I heard. Was that the process? Because that's not what's being said today. No, so, it's not. So if that was told to us and we shared that with... I'm not sure what was told to anybody else. I know what was told to me. If that was told to you and other council members that have nodded in agreement... And you went back and relayed that to an entity. I then, did. Then, yeah, that's something I think that's a mitigating issue that we need to consider as to why they didn't apply. But Well, this just blatantly, organization did apply. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please oh, go ahead. Okay. So they applied, and then you were told they weren't taking on any new. Yes, ma'am. So to me, that's critical information to the decision we make here. So well, I'm not saying we don't do this. I'm saying I would like more information on why they weren't funded through the process. Well, if I were the administration, I think I'd have a pretty good reason as to why groups were funded and where they weren't. And so that's, that's what I'm not understanding is that the administration, by putting a group in the budget, said that they were worthy, that they were in compliance, I'm assuming, with all past funding and that their merited funding and these other groups didn't. I mean, I, so, so I don't know. I think that's self-evident. But well, no, it isn't. Say I'm, I'm the balloon queen and my balloons are going to make everybody happy in the city. And I get a uh, grant to give out balloons. And I never send one financial report into the city. But my balloons are fabulous. And they're making everybody happy everywhere. And it's great, and you know it because you've seen everybody with my balloons. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and say, I didn't get funded. And you put me in, back in this process, but the person who's administering this knows that I don't put my financial reports in. So they have reason not to support my balloon grant. So I'm trying to be as, as far off from anybody here. So I'm not, it's not picking on any particular entity or project, I'm just trying to make an example of why perhaps someone may not be getting funded, that we would it'd be important for us to have that information before we say, yeah, well, she's great. I've seen her everywhere. She needs to get funded. Did you get a So I guess what I'm asking is, that if somebody didn't submit an application, okay, that's pretty easy one. That's why they didn't get in the budget. Number two, if they did submit something, but they weren't 
financially in compliance with the structure of what had happened in the past, then that's another reason. But I'm assuming that all these groups that got in passed those two tests. That may be a bad assumption on my part, but uh, I think that's reasonable to assume that. So um, I guess I'm, I'm still perplexed as to what you're your question is regarding the administration submissions. Now, I, there's a whole list here of administration, excuse me, council members that are asking for requests to be funded. So do you want us, the council members, to tell you who made a request, or are you requesting that information from the administration? I think as the patron, the information about whether or not someone applied and perhaps there was there inquiry, any inquiry made into why they were rejected? Because there may be some justification on the part of the administration for that rejection. That's all I'm asking. Okay, well, I can tell you I got that for the two submissions that I made. I don't right. know. That's all I need to know. Okay. I mean, I, but if there's a, a deal that went down and... They didn't meet the criteria to, to continue to get a grant. You know, maybe economic community development said no more. I'd like to know that. Okay, so you're asking council members to give you that answer for things that they proposed. And you're assuming, as I did, that the administration went through this vetting process. That's what they told us they were going to do with the new process, that they were going to take the applications and the respective departments would review them and determine if it was a gap that or a, a, the project was fulfilling a need or a function that we couldn't do and, and fund it or not and determine how much they were going to fund it. That's the process that was shared with us. Okay. And I hear that. I don't hear and I don't know. It seems like to me that that's the way that anyone would go through a budget. But let's just say that doesn't appear to me that there was there was that level, I guess, of of scrutiny on every line item in the budget that we're. I mean, the department came with you know I'm assuming a lot more money than they ended up getting funded. So just just as an example, say there are ten people who are doing great things with breastfeeding in certain communities. I don't know who's doing what where, but the person who's coordinating the breastfeeding efforts for the city would know that. They should. And so an application on, I'm going to go to Mosby and educate people about breastfeeding, and they know we have, oh, we already have three other providers doing that, or we have a new initiative and we're getting a state grant, and we're going to hire someone to do that. I don't know that. It's great. Breastfeeding is wonderful. People should know more about it. It's, it's a worthy cause. But how do I know that this person or applicant should be receiving a grant from the city for that? I don't. Okay. Well, so. I, okay, I hear what you're saying. I guess... Uh, did we get before I arrived a uh, a uh, ironclad statement from the administration that they went through these items and that these are the ones that were chosen and et cetera? 
Okay, we started with our amendments, and that's what... Which is what we've done in the past. Right, that's what we said we were going to do this year. We started with the cuts last year, and then we didn't have enough money to fund our priorities, so that's why we ended up where we were at 5 o'clock in the morning. So we're going about it differently this year to say these are the things that we would like to get funded. And then, you know, and then we can talk about cutting something else. So I'm, I'm just not sure. Well, I guess we can put this out to the body. Do we want to come back to this conversation or do we want to plow ahead with what we have? Right. We do have a process that we agreed to. If, if somebody doesn't want to vote for something, then just vote no. Yes, Ms. Ms. Larson. I mean, my whole point of bringing it up was really to just express my opinion about this, these items. Again, not these specific items, but the, the grants that are awarded and the way we put them back in the budget. I'm fine to move forward. We voted on a process. We've been following it. So far, so good. But I do think that um, this is something that is different than when we allocate money for the police department or, you know, our city council office or departments like that, that we work with every day and we see the, the fruits of what's happening as opposed to something that is outside the city government. So okay. I, I'm not, I'm, I am personally not trying to stop it, but I, you know, I may not be able to support a lot of the things up there because I feel like I don't have the information needed. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, we were on line item. Does anyone have any further comments? We were on line item 22, is that correct? Okay, so we're on. Okay. So did we have, okay, so I'm sorry. So we're on item 23. And did we have a consensus to fund that item or no? I think we did. Okay, yes, Mr. Jones. I'm just going with consensus. Oh, okay. So do we have consensus to move item number 23 forward? I see one, two hands, three. One, two, three, four. Wait a minute. Five. Okay. We'll move that one forward. Item uh, 24. Item 24 is um, a request for continued funding of the East End Teen Center. They engage young people during the summer uh, for at least six weeks. It's a pretty intensive um, writing uh, and uh, general uh, community Excuse me. Uh, it's a, a youth writing institute as well as um, general community um, uh, exploration, um, whether they're visiting the museums or they're visiting um, the park systems or they're visiting our natural resource inventory, all of which feed into uh, the writing institute. They produce annually a youth. Uh, it usually culminates in terms of a book that they uh, are able to share their poetry, their stories, and it coincides with um, 
our preparation of our young people for um, SOLs, and uh, at least 25 uh, youth participate each summer. And um, we are in need of more, not less, opportunities to engage our young people uh, during uh, the school year, but equally as important during the summer. And it's certainly in an opportunity that allows them to increase and improve their skills in the area of reading, writing, and would ask for our support again uh, for this entity. Okay. Any discussion on this item? Any uh Okay, looks like there's no discussion. We have consensus to move forward with this item. People can indicate that by raising their hand. I have a question. I'm sorry, I was at. I just had a question. Do you know if they they applied for a grant in this year? It is my understanding that they did. I have not looked at an application um, per se, but I have each year for the last several years, seeing the work that they do, the young people that they serve, the impact in terms of their growth and development in this area um, consistently. So. Okay. Does that answer your question? Ms. Gray? Okay. Any other questions, comments? We uh, have a consensus on this one then, if people could indicate by raising their hand. Okay, we've got one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we'll move together ahead with this one. Number um, 25, uh, Dr. Newbill. So Richmond Community of Cary works closely with the Richmond Public Schools. Uh, They focus on the what I refer to as the other set of SOLs that we're wanting to make sure that our youth um, get their arms around. We, um, and what I call the other set of SOLs, certainly the standards of learning, but the standards of living, respect, caring, responsibility, trust, family, relationships, conflict resolution, all of which are important uh, um, Qualities for all of our children to um, be able to receive support, nurturing, mentoring in. And so this program has um, been in place within our schools now for several years. Uh, They, um, again, work closely with um, RPS. They are working um, in the schools in the city of Richmond, and this would allow them to continue that work. Yes, uh, Ms. Trammell. President, I was going to ask, um, is it for all the schools? They, it is their goal to move to all of the schools. Um, not all of them as of yet. And if I don't have all of the, the list of them here, but I can certainly get them. But it is their goal to have uh, Richmond Community of Caring programming across the city uh, in all of our schools. Uh, It is just a matter of having the financial capacity to do so. And again, um, 
standards of learning are critical, but standards of living equally as critical uh, for our youth. And again, the, the areas, um, as I said, uh, respect, caring, responsibility, trust, family, conflict resolution, working with family, working with community, community service, the value and importance of it, et cetera. I was wondering if it was like elementary or high school. Elementary especially, Mm -hmm. starting at the front end. Do you know how many, you really don't know how many offhand right now? I can get that information for you, Ms. Trammell. Um, It was my impression that most folks were familiar with Richmond Community of Caring, Mm -hmm. but um, I can get that information. I think it's a good program. I was just wondering because I know that. I I just, you know, wanted to know. I'm, I'm glad it is to elementary children. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Any other questions? All right. Uh, community of, uh, of Caring, uh, $40,000. Uh, do we have a consensus on uh, moving forward with that? We've got one, two, three, four, five. Um, so we'll move ahead with that one, number 26, either... Uh, Ms. Trammell or Mr. Jones and or both, please. Uh, Can we come back to mine? Yes, I'm sorry. We were at yours, number 26. Is that okay, Michael? Because I left my notes in the car and Rick's going to get them. Oh, okay. Mr. Jones. Or would you like me to speak to her or do you want to wait on the notes? You're fine? Um, No, you can. And then I'm just waiting. I mean, whatever the the, the pleasure of my colleague. We just started the task force, and I know that um, we're going to need, like, maybe some money for materials and things like that to get information out. And there's another list, too. And the study. And the study on it. And the group we met the other day, we had, like, 20 people there. And it was a great meeting talking about bringing in jobs, talking about the Port of Richmond, talking about um, all the development, not only on the Jefferson Davis corridor, but also on Commerce Road with the Allegheny warehouses and the, the company that came in from California. And, and Ms. President, my, my notes simply say this, this yes. similar thing. Provide funding for advisory task force for the economic revitalization of Southside for items such as consultants, mapping, uh, and meeting cost. Uh, so, I, we did form this group, and they need a little funding. Yes, we to, do uh, to get off the ground. Uh, so, yes, uh, Dr. Newbill. Thank Ms. Trammell. Did you say it's for supplies and materials? Well, like um, you know, like or to get staff, out, would like to get out different things, like like newsletters or something like that. To, okay. Thank and you. working with um, SunTrust Bank and some of those. Um, and Rick Gregory. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, <coughs> pardon, Ms. Robertson. Hi. One question, Mr. President. Is this task force being staffed by our office, by Blue Ollie's office? The cl- yes, Steve Taylor is the policy analyst on that task force. And also, um, the um, the city clerk is there. She 
She was there with us the other day, and also the administration, they sent a lot of staff there to answer questions. But um, I know that Selena Coffey Glenn is definitely in support of it because, like I said, she has made sure that at every meeting we've had staff there from economic development, I mean, just all over. Code enforcement, Lee Downey's been there, Mark Olinger, um, Jane, I can't remember last, Ferrari. She's been there with us. All right. Let's see. Okay, do we have a consensus on uh, this group that we, that we formed? Uh, yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, great. Uh, Mr. Jones, the... Uh, New Warwick Townhomes, LLC. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, this is to simply fulfill grant funding for Warwick Townhomes Affordable Housing Project in the 9th District. Uh, and it was at the request last year of the administration um, because it did not, they, they wanted to know if I would co-patron a paper and just make sure that uh, the funding and the project that has begun will continue. The project provided much needed affordable housing. It was 40 plus, actually right at 40 units. Uh, in the district. Uh, the land, from what they say, undeveloped, would have provided uh, the city with $26,000 uh, $26, in real estate tax revenues over a 15-year period, but developed will now provide the city uh, with uh, $604,000 uh, in, in taxes. In year one, FY16, uh, 30000 has been paid um, and then FY17, FY18, 30000 was budgeted. FY19, uh, the amount was to move to 45000 uh, and that's simply pending city council uh, adoption for FY19 and FY20. Uh, and so that's what we're seeking. That's what uh, uh, we had discussed this time, really towards the end of the cycle last year. And so... That's why we are seeking to put that in to FY19 uh, and forward, FY19 and FY20. Okay, thank you, Mr. Jones. Questions? So, um, Gray? just in reading this um, ordinance, it was for 150000 over a five-year period, which would be the 30. Um, but there are specific measurements, performance measures, and I'm wondering if there's anyone here from the administration to answer um, whether or not these performance measures have been met that, that are spelled out in this 2014 ordinance for this particular project. And if so, why didn't we fund it at the level that we promised. Uh, Lee Downey, DCA for Planning and Economic Development. I'll have to get back to you with those answers. I, I'm not prepared just with the answers here, but I will get back immediately with you. So is, so is this something that we can get information Turned around pretty, I mean, like 
And, and Ms. Is President, I do have an email trail. Today? I'll get it as quickly as possible. Okay. There is an email trail from ECD uh, on that would catch uh, Lee up to speed and answer any other questions. Okay. Awesome. But, and, and with all due respect, I think we need to meet what we spelled out or what prior counsel spelled out by ordinance, but to change it to a different amount, I think would need to be publicly discussed and voted on in a new ordinance or an amendment. And that, that's fine. Yeah. However needs to, to be moved forward, that's fine. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Agilasto. Yeah, thank you. Um, and when we do get a report back from um, ECD, it would be very helpful because I hear Mr. Jones saying that $30,000 has been paid out in several fiscal years already. Is construction begun on this project? Because I'm looking at the assessor records, and the assessor records for this parcel are still just saying that it has $50,000 worth of assessed value. And that, that shows you the efficacy of our office. It, that first phase is done. The first phase is done? Yes, sir. And how long ago was it completed? This is before I even got on council. And this is at the 6220 Old Warwick Road? Yes, sir. Okay. So I don't know if, any, if Mr. McKeithen is here, if we can notify the assessor's office so that they can go back, because clearly their records means that he hasn't been billed for those in, improved values and taxes, which from the information that we have available publicly, it shows that maybe he's not compliant with the performance agreement, which I'm hearing from you is actually contrary to the reality. So, um, you know, I, we heard from our assessor, he needed more employees to get out there and do this, and, and this is one example. So um, we asked the administration to help us make, make the assessor whole. Thank you. Right. So let's see. We're gonna gonna hear later on this one, but we yeah, want to. Mr. President, I, I am willing to just put this on hold until we get the rest of the information to please council. Right. Thank you, uh, Ms. Robertson. Next uh, item here: uh, uh, home funding. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, this is a request for an additional amendment to be added to the budget for $30,000 for housing opportunities made equal to continue the work that they have done uh, from a previous um, contract with the city in 2015. I sent you a copy of the proposal uh, from home. Um, what we found from the investment of about $30,000 in uh, 2015, that there was huge disparities in the city of Richmond as it relates to lending practices and what were being done, it predominantly uh, the disparities in African-American neighborhoods. Um, the results of this study also um, proceeded with home actually uh, doing a lot more research beyond what we contracted with them, but the study results was the materials that they used to confront uh, several of, of Richmond's local lenders um, and was awarded additional funding to home 
with proof of the disparity and the discrimination that has taken place in our cities as it relates to our lending institutions and specifically on African-American communities. To continue this work that has been done without breaking the cycle, I have requested if HOME would continue this effort. The proposal that you have before you breaks down the analysis that they will continue to do to look farther into the foreclosures that have been done in the city of Richmond, going down to the <clears throat> latitude analysis by census tracts to determine what those indicators were. They are also going to work with the assessor's office that is working on the tax abatement program and the impact that that is having on our neighborhoods. Um, in addition to that, they are really going to be looking specifically at loan applications and what's happening in those communities. What's happened, there's a cycle that has continually gone on uh, with the lending institution. Um, they uh, make extremely bad loans in specific neighborhoods, which cause uh, um, uh, negative uh, property values, foreclosures follows, and then the industry steps in and starts flipping properties for little of no values and sets up an opportunity for gentrification and other types of um, illegal lending practices in our neighborhood. So what this amendment does is give housing opportunities an additional, give them $30,000 to complete this work. They have made a commitment in the proposal that's before you that they would begin the work in July of this year. Uh, for the 30000 they would need 10000 for mobilization um, they would not request the other 10 until they have gotten through uh, the majority of the work in October, and they would not get the last 10 until after they've submitted council with a report. Uh, yes, thank you, Ms. Robertson. Uh, Ms. Larson. Um, thank you. So uh, with the – did they – do a report for council in 2015, and then um, that report, what has council done with it, if anything? So the report that they presented to us, which was quite an extensive report, and I'll be more than happy to make sure that you have that, um, the information that was collected from that report significantly drive our decisions as it relates to housing and housing affordability policies. A lot of the policies that you've seen come before the council as it relates to uh, use of funds, the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, uh, a lot of those policies as it relates to inclusion of housing affordability and our development strategies and so forth is the res has been the results. But in addition to that, they use this report to also go to the lending institution, and out of that effort, they were able to prove that some of the local bankers that we work with every day, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and their discrimination practices in the city of Richmond, and were ultimately awarded a grant 
to begin the process of providing more counseling, not only with residents that are interested in buying houses and so forth, but also with the lending institutions to make sure that discrimination in Richmond does not continue. So for, I think it was roughly around $30,000 then too, we ended up with an additional almost, uh, I want to say they were awarded close to, I'm confusing them with, with the poverty initiative, whether it was $4 million over a five-year period of time for this type of counseling and mandatory services that has to be done through the lending institution. And so this, this study will dig deeper, deeper into our overall policies and all of our housing policies to make sure that sustainability, uh, economic inclusion, uh, fair lending practices and so forth, policy, policies can be uh, created out of the results of this study that they're going to do for the second phase for us. Um, okay. I'm definitely interested in looking at the first study and then seeing what has happened since that came out and aligning policies that have come out of that report. Um, wouldn't this be something that we can fund through our our housing trust? Uh, I mean, this seems like question? definitely the the type of work that I've seen in the the list of of you know projects that have been done. Some of them are you know brick and mortar, but some of them are more research and analysis and, and that sort of thing. So, Yes, Ms. Uh, Ms. Robertson, do you want to answer that question? I mean, I, you know, I, I think can we can, we can talk about different sources. End, but. We can talk about different sources of funding for everything that's in the budget as to where funding could come from. Um, I think the return on the investment that we make with um, – with these types of studies that HOME has done for us, not only affect Richmond, they have national implications as it relates to the work that they've done to ensure that, uh, that we, we have a watchdog that really watches our lending in institutions. And, and Richmond has highly been dis, uh, negatively impacted by these changes. Um, I would hope that we could find uh, the funding in the budget, in the non-departmental budget, um, so that we can begin this work July 18th. And uh, we have a completion date. The work will be done within a year. Uh, funding will only be awarded as work is completed. Okay. Just hey, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. Ms., uh, can I just do a quick follow-up? Yes, and then Ms. Gray. Okay. So I think HOME does great work. I just, if we already have a mechanism to fund them with, I think I'd be more comfortable funding them through that mechanism. If we already have a mechanism to fund them with through our housing trust. We've always funded them out of this budget. We've never funded them out of HOME budget, the housing. Okay. If they're eligible to receive this funding through our housing trust I, it to me it makes sense to fund it through that since there's already a, that's 
that we created it to fund things like this. That's my understanding. Um, and just one other thing, you mentioned the impact of this beyond City of Richmond. I wonder if it's worth reaching out to some of the other localities to see if they would help financially assist in the in funding this project if they can benefit from it as well, which I think they would be able to. I'll do a follow-up. This, If you look at the proposal, this is specifically as it relates to Richmond and it's specifically as it relates to the disparity that takes place in Richmond. We don't have these same types of disparities in the region as a whole, that we would ask people to fund something specifically for Richmond. Um, this organization serves the region, and I'm sure that, you know, that there are works, that, and when they do their analysis, a lot of times it includes work, comparison of what happens in African-American cities uh, in the city of Richmond, African-American communities versus what happens in others, but also what happens to African-American families anywhere that they go to buy the discrimination that takes place. So that's where the, the impact on a larger basis take place, and we use that to see how these patterns continue to exist. Um, and so the work that we need to do right now... Um, when our neighborhoods are gentrified, when we go through a process where the market has intentionally, deliberately and intentionally, put bad mortgages in communities for the purpose of ultimately seeing foreclosures happen and after foreclosures opportunities for the private sector to come in and gentrify neighborhoods as we're experiencing all over the city, with that gentrification, the census data directly impact federal fundings that comes to the city. They are tremendously reduced and cut because of the level of um, increase in values that we are experiencing. And so populations are continually being negatively impacted from all angles. And I think we fail to recognize a lot of that. And that's the reason why this study out of the departmental, non-departmental for $30,000 is important. The Affordable Housing Trust Fund is a competitive grant process, and this work that we need to get done in our city is something that we should obligate ourselves and commit ourselves just based on the records that we've already have and that has been proven that there is significant discrimination and disparities in the city of Richmond. Thank you. Ms. Gray. Um, a couple of points. And, and I understand that HOME was the recipient of a massive settlement as a result of um, the research that they had done on foreclosures. And I think they will continue to do that research. So for us to to pay for that. I think it's a service. I mean, they do get lots of funding from the city through CDBG funds and other initiatives. Um, the other piece of this that um, we have discussed is the tax abatement program that 
um, we need to afford our tax assessor the time to get the study that he's planning to do underway to do that analysis. Uh, because if they're analyzing things that we are currently doing, but we're moving in a different direction as a result of, of that study and analysis, then the information provided in this proposed study may not be as relevant. Um, there are other things in here that the equitable analysis of the city's tax delinquent sales process. We just started a new process by which we are um, auctioning multiple properties off to affordable housing nonprofits. I, I don't believe there have been many projects that have gotten completed yet, um, but they've acquired them. So I think there's more time that's needed to see how successful or or not that program is. So I think the timeliness of it, maybe it would be useful to have an analysis after we get the information from the tax assessor on where those abatements need to go away or be augmented. I don't, I don't know, but I think that this is overlapping with some of the things that we're working to get done, and it's a little... Um, it would give us information that I think would be stale by the time the other changes go into place. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Are there any other comments? Um, Ms. Robertson, uh, I think, makes a, an excellent point on these items relative to uh, Home is a Fair Housing Organization and the Affordable Housing Trust Fund should be putting hard dollars into uh, projects. Um, I mean, I don't know here, maybe people uh, weren't as ensconced in the housing market, but uh, we saw it 10 years ago when the collapse happened. It, it, uh, a rising tide may uh, help all, you know, rise all boats, but, uh, but boy, in a downturn, the disparity is dramatic. And the housing values, the loss of housing values in uh, predominantly African-American neighborhoods was dramatically worse than in uh, predominantly white neighborhoods. Uh, and the sad thing is that the people at the top of the income uh, uh, pyramid just mailed in their keys and said, take it. And about a few years later, they got another mortgage for another, uh, you know, high six-figure house. But the wealth that was wiped out of these communities is really sad. Uh, folks got into a home, and then they were besieged by predatory lenders who refinanced their original mortgage, who, uh, who put on second mortgages in excess of 100,000, excuse me, in excess of 100% of the loan value, these folks were targeted uh, by where they lived, but also they were known because of the programs that had supported them. So uh, it's just really, I think it was stark what happened. And the, uh, the greatest wealth producer for the average American is the equity in their home. And uh, we got to prevent that from happening again. You know, there might be, you know, I know people who can't find a $300,000 house in this city. Uh, and that's sad. 
but, you know, that can't go on forever. We can't go to 400 in a year. That's going to stop at some point. So when the music stops again, I don't want the, uh, and it will, uh, the uh, folks that are in majority-minority neighborhoods to get left holding the bag. So I'm going to support this, uh, this item. Is there any other comments, discussions about it? Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I might have um, missed out on, I might have missed what you were trying to say or whatever, but it's, it's been white people that have lost their homes to, to foreclosure. Um, I know last year I had some that were calling me, African Americans, that still did not get to help. And it's just not in, I mean, it's all over the city. It's in, you know, it's in areas that I'm not going to even mention right now that people lost their home. And I found out by by other neighbors calling me, telling me that, you know, they are losing their home. They can't afford it. And they, they don't know where to get the help. And then some of them were too proud to even call to try to get the help because they did not know if it would make the newspaper or if we would be here one day discussing it. And they did not want their, their issues or their, their problems to be put out in the public. So it's, it's, just, it's just not, it's, it's all, like I said, it's, it's every, it can be any neighborhood, any neighborhood. It can be, you know, like I said, um, people just reached out to me last year and they did not get the help and they lost their homes. And that, and I, I said we got all these agencies, but when they called, they didn't get return phone calls or they, they didn't know how to fill out the, the proper paperwork and then it was, it was lost in the system. Okay. So I just think that there needs to be more training, more information to get out to help everybody, even people that you would not even believe are in that predicament right now as we're speaking that, in the, that might be in the process of losing their home. And they could be a $3,000 hertz, and it could be a $20,000 hertz. Because when the market dropped a couple of years ago, people, it, they still have not fully recovered, and still have, some of them have not found jobs. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Uh, Mr. Yes, uh, Vice President Newbill. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, Councilman Robertson, um, and this is just a side question. Will they, um, in their analysis of uh, housing market analysis across the city, will they, um, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what's happening to my voice and the mic and everything, but in their housing market analysis, they'll look at existing studies like the market value analysis that was done and attempt to overlay that so we can have even more information about and down to the, did you say they were going to the census track block, neighborhood block, what, what level again? I'm sorry. Um. They said that they would do parcel level analysis. Okay. Okay. And I gave you all a copy of the proposal. I know you just received it, but I recognize that, and hopefully you take the time to read it. But yes, there will be parcel analysis. Okay. Thank you. And uh, I would, uh, I, I don't want to be redundant in this, but for all of the reasons that you mentioned, I think it is important to have a study done of all of our neighborhoods, uh, housing market analysis, um, 
overlaying with the market value analysis that's been done and all the other efforts so that we can have some tools in our toolkit to address what we're seeing across our city. Um, and so I'll be supporting this uh, proposed and I, I just want to be clear. Um, this is across the city. This is not separate, you know, any one neighborhood. This is for any neighborhoods and all neighborhoods that have been impacted by um, uh, the disparities in mortgage lendings and foreclosures. So it is citywide. And it's not restricted to any particular um, ethnic group, uh, but more specifically to the lending practices and people that have been victims of foreclosures and those kinds of things. Mr. President, is there some kind of guarantee that we can get, um, I guess, more information out to the citizens or more training or to show them? Because when they, they get something like this, and I know because I took it over there to that person, and she was like, I don't understand it. Can you fill out? I can't. I can't get your personal information and put on this form with these papers or whatever. And then because I'm not, you know. But anyway, they. It's hard for them, especially for maybe an elderly or even even a young person to say, this is this is. I mean, because it's not, it's more it's more than this. It's like this, like that. And then they want all this other information for them. And then, it, and then they don't get the calls. They, nobody follows up with them. And then the next thing you know, you see their house for gone. And I know it was, it was every, I know at least five of them last year. And they were in areas that you would not, not even think that that could happen. I mean, some of the houses you're looking in, you saw the furniture still in the house where they, where it was, the bank then locked them out. Okay. That's what I'm, I'm just, I mean, I don't want to see no one lose their home or, and, I, and it looks like if you maybe miss two payments to banks, they need their money. They want their money. And to them, it's just another house with a lockbox on it that, with no trespassing signs on it. Now it is the property of the bank. I have one in my neighborhood. Thank you. Sarah, any further comments? Do we want, um, we have consensus on this item. Uh, okay, we've got a majority here. Uh, let's move on here to the next page, number 29, Ms. Robertson. Uh, environmental code violation relief, uh, 500,000. Okay. Um. This paper works in concert with uh, uh, an amendment that was put in earlier in regards to increasing the level of code enforcement uh, personnel we need to hire. Um, it specifically deals with uh, code violations in regards to environmental code. Specific, more specifically, um, it is somewhat of a companionship uh, paper that we recognized last year when we made the decision that we wanted to um, change up the way that we were doing leaf collections, and we recognized that 
this could cause a severe hardship on some of our residents. And so we put a half a million dollars in the budget to uh, supplement the cost of uh, doing leaf collection. And, you know, based on the results of that uh, $500,000 that we put in the budget, uh, we've seen that several of our citizens felt that they needed that supplement from the city in order for them to collect their leaves. Um, I know that Ms. Lawson was uh, the patron of that, and I also recognize the fact that uh, for the most part, the majority of those uh, citizens that needed that uh, financial support and assistance uh, in the first year of the leaf collection came out of the fourth and fourth district pri- primarily, and, and a lot large number from the first district as well. I want to see us do a better job in cleaning up our neighborhoods, and I know that in many of our neighborhoods there's huge, huge level of blight. Um, but we also have, unlike the leaf program, we don't have any pre-qualification. Anyone can make application and get the supplementary support from the city to cover the costs. What I'm suggesting is that we we do more code enforcement, but we also provide an opportunity where we provide uh, for those residents that uh, are seniors or those with disabilities and those that are with proven hardship, um, that we provide this supplement so that we can start cleaning up neighborhoods and blight in a lot of our neighborhoods, the people just can't afford to do it. Uh, I mean, you know, we can talk about the free dumps sites where we can take it to. Um, and I would hope that we would find that we can also look at this to work in conjunction with the Department of Community Wealth Building as an opportunity to spearhead our social enterprise initiative and get some people back in that actually would do this work would be uh, a part of the effort. So um, I believe that just like with the LEAF program, without adding the supplement, we probably would have had more people in those areas that needed the supplement uh, in violation. Um, When we be more aggressive with that code enforcement, there would be people in violation as well because they simply can't afford to clean up their places. And uh, this would be a workforce initiative, but it also will provide supplement for those families that are seniors disabled, uh, do not have the financial means by which to uh, take care of those violations, and it will be by an application process. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Gray, and then uh, Ms. Larson. Um, just even with all that explanation, I don't understand what this is asking to do? Are we going to hand cash grants out to people? Is there going to be some kind of process? And who's going to administer that? Are we talking about hiring handymen to, to abate the environmental violations? And is, so is, it, is this to pay for more employees? I mean, what are we, what is this contemplating, the half a million dollars? So this... Um And who would qualify? Mr. President. Um, 
There will be an application process um, that will work in, cons- in concert with this for residents that know that they have uh, environmental issues. Um, just like with the LEAF program, we didn't add, for the 500,000, we didn't add any additional staff. Those works were contracted with the private sector. Um, to actually get the work done. Uh, so the supplement, um, uh, the residents paid $35 or something like 30. that? $30. $30, but the actual cost could have been anywhere upwards of 100 to $150 to, to get that done. Uh, so I'm, I see that model serving as the same model, basically, except that um, it does have a pre-qualification attached to it. So in other words, we're not just cleaning up everybody's blight, uh, but for those families that have hardship, um, there will be opportunities that we can take advantage of this, and also we see this as a workforce development opportunity for the city. But no, it will not add staff. I'm not asking that we hire additional staff people. Yes, uh, uh, Ms. Larson, and then uh, I'd like for the city attorney to possibly weigh in on this. Uh, Ms. Larson. And then, I'm sorry, Ms. Trammell. So um, during the, the fall, um, I worked with Paul Manning of our um, – I'm sorry, I forget the name of the department that he manages, but on the neighbor-to-neighbor program, and I don't know if other folks set similar programs up in their district, but um, Paul and I worked together to come up with a list of people in my district that get the backdoor service, um, the trash pickup service. So through that process, we identified folks um, who did, and then he reached out to them, um, and we actually went out on a Saturday morning, and I raked a lot of leaves. Um, so I feel like we, at least in in my area, I personally worked with Paul. He was great um, and extremely responsive to people who called our office, said the the $30 is too much of a hardship, what are my options? He, we had this event. I think we got 30 volunteers or something out to, to work on a couple different houses. Um, and he organized some events outside of that one um, to pr- provide the support needed to, to, for leaf collection. So I don't know if this is just for leaf collection or for other things, but regarding leaf collection, I felt like um, the neighbor-to-neighbor program at least provided support to some folks in in my office who reached out and said this $30 fee is a hardship, and we did have an answer and a program to support um, helping them clean up their yard under the new leaf program. Uh, Ms. Trammell, 
Thank you, Mr. President. There's um, a couple things I want to say about this. The letters that go out to the citizens, that, has, that needs to be changed. When you give the citizens like 48 hours to clean up or to move their vehicles or whatever, I, that's, I mean, when it's a holiday or whatever, you wouldn't believe how many calls I get with people crying on the phone, seniors and all that, because it scares the hell out of them. When they see that letter, and I meant to bring it in because I got one, but anyway, 48 hours to move your car because it doesn't have a tag. Um, it doesn't matter if it's rental property, if it's your property, or whatever. That needs to, we got to, if you gave them like maybe, and I know that code enforcement works with them when they go out there and they talk to them or, or the citizens will call in and when they can finally get somebody on the phone, they tell them, well, I'll work with you if you show me that you're doing something to clean up your, your stuff, your mess. But sometimes they're like 80 years old and it's kind of hard for them to try to find somebody to help them. But eventually, they know they got to get it done because if they don't, they end up in court, which that happens. And um, but I'm just saying that I, I want to do everything I can to help code enforcement. But I don't think this right here would be to help code enforcement because I don't. Also, how are you going to pick so many seniors like I have in my district? I have a lot of seniors, and a lot of seniors and people that are disabled too. I would like to take that money and put it to elder homes to help them help the seniors fix up their homes. Because I know a lot of times if the roof has collapsed or the porch has collapsed, code enforcement, and it's only given by, by complaints or whatever or the forms that the people fill out, they go over there and they, they can declare it unsafe, which it is when the, when the porch has fallen in or the roof has fallen in. So I would like to see that money go to an organization that would help our seniors and our veterans. Because as Kristen said, I know Paul Manning um, does a lot to help the seniors. Um, he's helped me in my district. And I know that um, even the sheriff said that once she gets her team together, she's going to come out there and help. We just have to give her the locations that, that needs to be cleaned up. So I would like maybe, I, I, I know that, I know where you're going with this, but I just, I just think that $500,000 could be used somewhere to help our seniors that, that need a roof or need windows or need heat, needs air, something like that. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Trammell, any other comments? Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. City Attorney. <laughs> um, Mr. President, I... First, I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting uh, that I'm not even considering uh, whether this is a good idea or not a good idea. As I view the question to me, it's can the city do this? There are some similarities between what's proposed here and the leaf collection uh, program and the way that was in substance subsidized. But there are also some very significant differences between the two, in particular the way that this uh, is targeted to a certain uh, segment of the population in a way that's not expressly authorized by state law. So can we do this directly? Probably not. 
can we accomplish the goal? Probably so using a grant process with a nonprofit organization. I'll just read from the code. Uh, who furnishes services to beautify and maintain communities or to prevent neighborhood deterioration. So we could do it if we can identify an organization that's willing to accept the grant and then administer it in accordance with the standards that we create. Thank you. Mr. Robertson. Uh, Mr. President, uh, I'd like to do a follow-up because I, I, th I do think there is a similarity as it relates to the uh, funds that are in the general fund budget to support uh, residents as far as leaf collection up to $150 per resident, and there's no limitation and there's no pre-qualification. If the only reason why we can't do this is because it has limitations, uh, it would seems like it would be reversed, that if we were going to put general funds in the budget to, to supplement residents and getting uh, what they are obligated to get done. Um, in one program, we have no pre-qualification. We just do it. Um, so if that is the only provision that eliminates us from having the ability to do this is by restricting it to people that need versus having it for anyone, whether they have uh, demonstrated needs or inability or not, um, then, you know, I would, I would, it is significant enough to me that families that really have need and we know that they have need, and if we're willing to supplement getting the mission, the goal, and the objective of the city done by cleaning up, you know, dressing. You know, if I, seniors have, like you said, they've got these cars and all kinds of things in their backyard, and we want to do code enforcement. We want to make those things happen. And I don't have, uh, you know, I don't see that it has to be limited to the environmental code. Uh, there are other provisions and ways that we do have funding that is available to support. Um, here again, it's pre-qualification. Uh, it's not just for anyone that elder homes provide services and need more money to provide more services for housing uh, code violations. But if that is, if I'm understanding the attorney, that we could do this without any pre-qualification. We only get into trouble when we have a pre-qualification by categories of seniors or those with disabilities and so forth. Mr. Jackson. And then Ms. Gray. That, that is, uh, one difference, but there's there's also there as I said there are some similarities. There are also some differences. Um, another of the important differences is that the leaf collection program is something that is done um, in the city right of way. Its purpose is to clean the city right of way. It's part in part. Uh, it's to clean. Uh, the CSO areas in accordance with consent decree. This proposal, as I understand it, involves either abating or either abating a violation of city law that occurs purely on private property uh, or uh, compensating someone or whose 
whose violation is abated by city forces, as happens from time to time. Um, so in the first case, the case of leaf, leaf collection, there's no violation of law involved. In this case, there's a violation of law involved. So it, as I said, there are fundamental differences between the two concepts. There are similarities, but there are some very fundamental differences. And I think from the standpoint of, of what the law permits localities to do, and when I say what the law permits us to do, I mean what the General Assembly says we can do, whether it's a good idea, bad idea, or something in between. What they have allowed us to do, the best way to accomplish this proposal would be through a grant process so that it could be administered uh, by a nonprofit entity. Uh, Ms. Gray. Um, Mr. Jackson just said what I was going to say about the difference. The glaring difference to me is that this contemplates <coughs> us abating issues on private property um, or paying a third party to do so um, on behalf of the homeowner. Um, I do think that in concept, I'm totally with you because I understand what it's like to get a code violation and not have the means to abate it and, to, and the fear of losing one's home or being condemned. Um, what we know is that there aren't enough with between project homes and elder homes and all the pro providers, there aren't enough resources to help everyone right now. Um, I know that there is an effort on the part of economic and community development and their partnership with the Office of Volunteerism and Paul Manning. Um, I've tested that. I've had a few people come to me with, with you know, a 92-year-old woman who had serious code violations. They are working to help her with those abatements. They've assisted her in making the request for extensions. Um, I've had an 80-year-old gentleman, and they are working with him. So to the extent of what we can do as city council, I think it's limited. But if we want to increase the capacity for a nonprofit, I think that would be a whole nother conversation. I just don't think that we should be in the business of trying to abate issues on private property, especially when we aren't necessarily on top of all of our public um, challenges that we have to, with grass cutting and everything else that we have to do. So I'm with you in concept, I just not with the way in which you want to accomplish helping those seniors and, and disadvantaged folks. Any other? Uh, Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I'd like to know, um, when we go out there to help the seniors like Elder Homes and Senior Connections and all that, is there something that they have to sign? Because I know that at one of my meetings last year, someone said that we gave a lot of, well, we didn't give the money, but we did a lot of work to some seniors or some houses, and then the next thing you know, they were put on the market to be sold. And they were kind of upset because they said that 
we had that we I guess we had provided them city services to get their house back up into code because of um, code enforcement had got on them, and then they were not able to keep their house because they had to they had to leave. So do we get that money back? Do they keep them? How how does that work? Because I told them at one of my meetings this year I would bring someone there to explain how that works. Because to me, that's not fair if you go in and spend $30,000 to fix up somebody's home, then the next thing you know, within six months, it's on the market, and they're not there in that house. Okay. Are you saying that they sold the house or that they were foreclosed upon or both? I don't know. I I know they're not there, and I know we did the work. I know taxpayers' money went into that that home. So they were asking me, do they have to sign a waiver to stay in that house five years or three years? Or, or uh-huh. I mean, because they didn't think it was fair when there are so many other people that, uh-huh. you know, need need that kind of service or need something like okay. windows, floors, heat. Uh-huh. And these were all homeowners, not renters. Is that correct? They're supposed to be homeowners. I think right. that's what it says. You have to be a homeowner for them to come in your home and fix it up. All right. Right. But the problem is, do they do they have to sign something that they stay, or do they get it fixed and then they're gone? Okay, Ms. Robertson. Mr. President, um, I hear you hear everyone's concerns, and I agree. Uh, we haven't worked out all the details in program administration and so forth, but I think that we all would recognize the fact that we do have. You know, we want to increase our code enforcement. Uh, we do not want to cause adverse hardship on people because of it. Um, like we did last year with the LEAF program, we did not want to cause adverse hardship. We put a half a million dollars in the budget to assist people, irregardless, no restrictions on qualification, and we're putting general funds dollars in the budget to make that a reality. Uh, I've had conversation with Elder Homes. I need to work out some final details, but I think if the issue of a nonprofit is what stands between us making this happen, um, I think that uh, I, if you give me some time, I will certainly – I want to make sure that I'm not obligating them to more than they can do, but um, they have a track record of helping seniors. They have a track record of helping families with disabilities and families of low income meet critical housing code violations as well, well as environmental um, violations. Um, they are a credible nonprofit organization, and I will, uh, I will support us using Elder Homes as a resource to implement this program and make this happen. Uh, um, and, and hopefully it will be done in a way that we can actually avoid someone having been issued a citation that we, they will know that they are in violation of these initiatives, uh, in violation of the code, and they can make applications to get, these, get this work done, and Elder Homes could work with them in making that a reality. Um, I just think that if the city can find it within their means to support um, other residents in the city that need help, need support um, with things that we have as responsibilities for them to get done that in order for us to be effective with that code, increasing our fo- code enforcement initiatives, 
a supplement of this, of this size is necessary. Thank you, Ms. Robertson. We are uh, almost at the 25th minute of this one. Um, so do we have uh, consensus on this one? With the modification? Uh, yes, with the, uh, yes, Dr. Newville. You were asking if we had consensus, but it would be consensus relative to the modification uh, that uh, Councilwoman Robertson mentioned, exploring the possibility of working with the nonprofit elder homes. But, okay, that, that, that sounds is that, good. I'm just being clear. Let me add here, I think, because Ms. Robertson had indicated that she hadn't spoken to them about this, that we come back with, uh, should this item be approved, that we come back with some documentation from the organization that they indeed can uh, expend these funds within the fiscal year. All right, great. Uh, okay, with those two provisos, uh, we have consensus on this. Okay, one, two. Okay, I'm afraid that one didn't pass. Okay, I'm next up here. Um, the Dream Academy, I just gave uh, folks a, uh, a two-pager uh, front and back here on uh, this organization. This is uh, uh, the Dream Academy is going to act as the fiscal agent. Uh, this is an engagement of public housing uh, residents as well as other uh, socioeconomically distressed neighborhoods. Uh, and I had the amount on this wrong, so let me change that to 250 from 300. Um, yes, 250. Um, shows you a list of the funding and the organizations that uh, with whom they'll be working. Uh, you know, I think what happened uh, uh, last December was a reminder that folks are being left behind. They don't have heat on. And so um, that's, a, that's a problem. Uh, and folks within this organization told me uh, that things were going on in public housing. Uh, the, right before it came out with the settlement with uh, legal uh, justice services uh, or legal aid uh, about the overcharging of uh, for electricity, something that seemed a little far-fetched until a couple of days later, uh, we see an article in the paper to that, to that effect. So you're charging folks for electricity, but yet they don't have heat. Uh, these are, I have a public housing community in my district, the largest one in the city, uh, in Gilpin Court, and they are uh, scattered about, uh, they consist of 5% of the city's population, uh, and uh, they need a voice. So we can continue to have people uh, come down to City Hall and uh, talk about how we aren't listening to them and how their communities are being underserved, or we can bring somebody uh, in the tent and help them uh, to solve these problems as well. For any questions, comments on this one? Yes, Dr. Newbill. So just uh, points of clarification. Um, this is focused primarily on Gilpin Court, is that correct? There will be some uh, citywide uh, 
uh, efforts. There is, um, uh, there did say that there was uh, uh, a primary emphasis on Gilpin Court. I'm totally open to when we get to the uh, to the facilitation agreement or to the agreement uh, with the city that 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 be expanded. Uh, this is what was presented to me. I didn't tell them to to necessarily do it this way. Uh, so this is the way it was presented to me. Okay. But I certainly am open to all communities being addressed. I think they wanted to to focus their efforts in order to make a change in this community and then move on to others. But like I said, I'm totally open to other areas being addressed. Okay, then just a couple of other questions. Um, what is the level of interface with the Office of Community Wealth Building, um, ROI, Richmond Opportunities, that have some of these um, um, items um, identified, some of these strategies identified as a part of their work and scope of work? And then the Richmond Tenant Organization membership um, uh, attended last council session, and I, I don't... Uh, I had what's um, the level of engagement there as well? I think that they've talked with. Uh, uh, well, I encourage them to talk with them. I'm not sure that they. Uh, I can't tell you as I'm sitting here right now whether they were able to make contact either with someone in the administration about uh, OCWB, Mr. Gordon uh, himself, um, and I'm. I can't say uh, uh, about the RTO communication uh, either, as I said here, but I certainly can follow up on those items. I do think that this fits hand in glove with what the Office of Community Wealth Building does. Um, I think just from a, uh, a practical standpoint, I wanted to add this to the non-departmental budget and not necessarily disrupt what was going on uh, within that uh, uh, Office of Community Wealth Building sticking it in their budget, uh, but letting them work with this, this group. So like I said, I'd be willing to flesh this out a little more uh, as need be. Right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that uh, what's also mentioned here is residents of Gilpin Court primarily and Mosby Court, and so didn't have a sense of um, maybe there is a conversation with Ms. Robertson, but certainly not with myself. Okay. And I've not heard anything back in terms of uh, tenant feedback on it. And I'm not saying this is uh, would not be a good program. I'm just there are a lot of uh, connections uh, with existing entities, and we have limited dollars. And wanting to make sure that you know if somebody is already doing that piece, then that's just. Uh, memorandum of agreement of working versus having to do dollars there. We might be able to do something else that's not picked up. But why? Uh, so it's just. Let me propose this then. Let me propose that we put this in the budget, and if other my adders are not uh, done to your satisfaction on this, that we can consider it when we get to the final budget amendments. But I really uh, would like this on the table right now as opposed to us rejecting it and then it not being further consideration. So would that be, and I've, um, and this was not, uh, I think I may have mentioned this before, but they did not make uh, an application uh, 
to the city. I think that was December, early December. That was a deadline. This came uh, together uh, in a more solid fashion after the the heating crisis. So to work more collaboratively with uh, the Dream Academy being the the fiscal agent. So any other? Yes, uh certainly. I'm sorry, you were. No, I was just getting clear. So you're um, wanting to get uh, consensus, and then you're saying that you would have further conversation relative to connectivity with yes, city. And I, okay. And I will encourage this group to make outreach to every council member to make sure that everybody's questions are answered. Okay. Do we any further comments, concerns, questions? Is there a consensus on this item? Stragilasto, thank you. Yes, Mr. Jones, I'm sorry. Just real quick. Um, um, leaders of New South, Faith Leaders Movement, Faith Leaders Moving Forward, can you speak to any of those or those two particular organizations? I'm sorry, which ones? Oh, are we discussing this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Number? You're on the back side of, okay. of the sheet that you handed me. Oh, I'm sorry, the leaders uh, that I don't, not right in front of me, I don't have that, but I can certainly provide that. Okay, okay. All right. Yes, we're in the midst of taking consensus on this. Yes, Mr. Addison. Thank you, uh, President Hilbert. Um, in, in looking over this request, I think what we're you're looking to, to attempt to fund here is um, definitely a need in the community. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, it's a lot of money for one thing. And two, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a, a bigger workforce development kind of strategy needed to look at because I'm looking at the website and what they provide is certified nursing assistant training, pharmacy technician training, GED support. And I know that we fund other programs that do that and we have other partners in the community that do that without our funding. And I'm just wondering, you know, how is this going to support the needs of our community further than what we're already looking to do? How does this fit into to the questions that Vice Chair Nubo were mentioning? How does this fit into the Community Wealth Building Office? You know, we have an opportunity here with um, pre- preparing people for the future, regardless of what their past might have been entailing. And I think this is noble in what, we're, what they're tr- approaching to do, but I just want to make sure we're not being redundant and we're mm-hmm. not overstretching ourselves with funding for programs that we might be already funding in other capacities. And also knowing what other funding they're receiving, because it seems like they're, if they're doing these types of work, that they have partnerships in alignment with organizations to hire the people that they graduate. Um, the last thing we want to do is saturate a market with people with trainings that there's no jobs for them to fill. And I know that these are needs in, in our community, but I also know that there are hospitals that are training nursing assistants and certification programs in this exact space that this would be competing with. And I just want to make sure that we are understanding holistically what this funding is going to. Not that it's not important, but I feel like there's a much bigger conversation around what is our strategy, what is our need, um, what are the jobs available, how we're making sure people are finding these programs to do exactly what this is trying to do when we have a lot of other players doing this exact type of work. So that's just my concern because I feel like this is a lot of money um, that is going to something that I don't think I have a lot of information to make that decision on. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm asking, I guess, for uh, 
a placeholder, if you will, if we're going to come back to this and make sure that everyone's questions are are answered. I'm sorry, I don't have all of that information. Let me finally add that this is one of two of my budget amendments in the entire budget. I understand. Thank you. Um, and I guess to that, is there a way to signify that? <laughs> These, as we approve things for potential re- discussions, so we can proceed with that, so that we can keep track tally of what's going on like uh, that. Ms. Brown, can we do that? Okay. I mean, you can put a little mark beside this one. I will certainly bring it up here because I want uh, this organization to be following up with every council member. Uh, so we have a consensus for this one. Uh, Mr. Agilasto was there. Uh, okay. With the condition. Exactly. Right. Mr. President, my, yes. my only question, and 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 just my cause for pause, are just the different organizations underneath. So it's not just okay, it's Kenfolk, it's not just Dream Academy, you know, but it's all these other organizations that that are listed and kind of broken yes. out. And I'm sorry if I if if this is already addressed and I missed that. That's. Because again, that, that that's my only concern. Who's heading those organizations? Mm-hmm. Are they underneath this one umbrella, and how they all kind of factor in there? Um, and so, kind of thinking, should these be individually addressed, or you know, just corporate, uh, corporately? And again, uh, how, however you, however it's presented, mm-hmm. is presented as, as a patron. Right. But that that that's my only looks, you know question with okay. Okay. You know, I, I think it does need to be collaborative. It's a cooperation. It's an umbrella where these organizations came together to want to, to, uh, to fund or to put together a program that would be funded as one. I think when you start to pull orga- other organizations out of it, then the synergies uh, become less important. So, I mean, if we funded every one of these organizations individually and they collaborated later, that might be one way to look at it, but they did come together to ask for one uh, funding. I, I guess you're taking your chances on people collaborating if they're funded individually, whereas you've got a, uh, uh, a fiscal agent here as well as a project manager. Uh, and there's specific, uh, you know, outcomes that... That uh, that are put in here. So, are we ready to vote on this one? I think we already have started, and then there was another question. But uh, there is Miss Miss Gray. Is she? She was in, then she was out. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. We had Mr. Agilasto, myself, and uh, Dr. Newbill. Are there? So uh, it looks like this one does not pass. Uh, the uh, the next item is uh, for me the uh, alternative. Excuse me, the adult alternative program. Uh, you have a. Um, don't know how many pages here. Uh, 10, 15, uh, showing the uh, State Corporation Commission, the 501c3 designation of the organization. 
as well as support letters from Senator Kane, Congressman McEachin, Delegates Bagby and McQuinn, the RRHA, uh, and the um, Crusade for Voters, and three, I think, workforce development uh, organizations. This group is concentrated on uh, uh, ex-offender recidivism issues. Uh, They train individuals in... uh, uh, trades and they work out of the real school, which was leased to them by uh, the Richmond Public Schools. Any questions about this one? Did you hear a consensus on this one? I do have. Yes, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead. Questions uh, similar here as well as how they are coordinating uh, with other entities, uh, and you may have that information whether it's. Um, Office Community Wealth Building Service related, just to have a sense that they're coordinating with other um, organizations working with returning citizens, as well as other organizations that provide support, because certainly the workforce piece is a major piece, but housing and um, other uh, supportive components are necessary for our returning citizens to get on the trajectory to self-sufficiency and success. So just wanted to have some sense, if you have a sense of other entities they're um, coordinating with. Well, I think this is, I wouldn't say it's a, well, let's see, there's letters in here from uh, other workforce uh, development groups, J&G Workforce Development. Uh, let's see, there are... Right, if you can look through that. But, yes, they are um, uh, working uh, with other – it's all about workforce development and working with ex-offenders. Ms. uh, Larson, did you have a question? Um, Did they – do you know if they applied through the the traditional – I meant to add that, that they uh, did apply – uh, I did ask about this in uh, either December, Mr. President, November. can you speak into the mic a little I'm bit sorry. more? Let me get this right next to me here. The uh, uh, They did apply, and uh, when I inquired as to if they were going to make it, that's when uh, I was told that other that new requests would would not. Uh, would not be funded this year. That was well before the budget was finally crafted, but at that point I I didn't make any further uh, push for the organization having given that information, and I think that the non-departmentals were were worked out at at some later date. But no, they did not get funding, and that was the reason that I was told at the time you, now, whether you were told, somebody you were told else no, no new organization. So they have not received City of Richmond dollars before? No, they have not. But they have space in a city building? Well, it's a school board uh, building, the real school, the corner of Chamberlain Avenue and Azalea Avenue. So the school board did provide them space. Okay. Um, so did they submit an application to the they city? They did. Okay. Are we? Can we request the Absolutely. details of mm-hmm. why? I mean, I would prefer to have that information before I make a decision to whether 
to move it forward or not. Okay, that's fine. Does anyone, I mean, I don't know that anyone's ready to say anything today. We can come back to this item if we want to wait for that. Okay, is there consensus for waiting for that? Or I guess we're waiting for the administration to explain why they did not support this. It's what Ms. Larson is asking. I mean, I don't think that we went through the criteria of any other request. Uh, not trying to set the bar, or I'd hope we wouldn't set the bar higher for this than we did for others. Perfectly reasonable question, uh, Ms. Larson. No doubt about it. Uh, but I'm not sure uh, these other... Uh, Right, we didn't do that with others, but maybe then none of the others applied. I, I can't recall. I think some of them did. So. I mean, I'm, I'm one out of nine. I, I didn't support any of the other. So, as I stated earlier, I was going to have a lot of trouble supporting the other okay. items that we were looking at. Um, so. I would prefer to have this information in front of me if you have a consensus without it. No okay. big deal. But All that's right. that's where I am personally. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, do we have a consensus on this one? Mr. Agilasto, uh Vice President Newbill. Okay, thank you. All right, we've got a consensus on this one. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you very much. Number 33, 32, I'm sorry, Mr. Agilasto. Thank you. Um, this is uh, to continue with the Carytown Merchants Association. Uh, over uh, the series of a few years, uh, the city has helped um, provide some seed money to do essentially a clean and safe program out in Carytown. Uh, they have uh, more than doubled uh, this amount in their business contributions to uh, hiring the, the same uh, crew that is doing the downtown through Venture Richmond's program. And, and that crew pretty much comes once a week on Mondays after the busy weekend uh, to help in Carytown. Um, and this is uh, essentially an effort to continue to fund that. I will mention that they uh, they did look at the application, um, and frankly, it's become a 15-page application with a lot of questions that they didn't feel that they actually had answers to, um, and so they did not uh, complete the application process this year. However, the... Um, Every one of these non-departmental grants does require a contract with performance clauses. And so the Carytown Merchants Association has already gone through that process in the past uh, and has uh, a contract template that could be reused for this purpose. Um, one thing I'll just mention, uh, Carytown is the city's most vibrant commercial district uh, presently. And uh, due to an economic impact study that we had completed, and this is now three years outdated, uh, the merchants in Carytown are directly contributing more than $4 million of tax revenue to the city on an annual basis. And I ask for your support. 
Thank you, Ms. Agilasto. Are there questions on Dr. Newbill? Yes, Mr. Agilasto, did you indicate that this, uh, the, the funds would be utilized to procure the services through the Clean and Safe program that we already have in place? Is that? It's not, it's, it's like a replica because Venture Richmond manages the contract Fine. downtown. The vendor is the same vendor. Okay. Thank you. Any, uh, Ms. Larson. So I'm wondering if because it's a similar program just in a different part of the city, if Venture Richmond had a different pathway to get in the budget, um, because, I mean, we all know about this project and that they do that, and I was familiar that Carytown had a similar project, but I can see how an application for a nonprofit that's providing services to fill a gap that we have on the city side may not be as applicable to a merchant's association that's contracting out for uh, litter remo removal in a business district. So, um, I, I can only say that um, I had a, a meeting with Venture Richmond's staff the other day, and, and there is a desire to see whether or not there could be more um, business improvement districts established throughout the city. Um, the Carytown merchants, frankly, have evaluated that option, but because there was no process through which they could uh, affirm that they would then manage the funds that came from a bid district, it had to go out for public procurement and lowest bid wins, so some other group could end up managing their money for their business improvement district, um, that they opted against it. It doesn't mean that there couldn't be future deliberation if Venture Richmond were in a fiscal uh, position to oversee a Carytown program. Uh, but for right now, it's it's not within Venture Richmond's footprint. Um, and so this is simply going through non-departmental uh, directly to the merchants. Okay. Any other questions, comments, concerns? All right. We have a consensus on this one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Uh, Mr. Agilasto, uh, number 33. So you all might recall last year, uh, at the end of the year, we had a budget surplus, and one of the um, early papers was to make an assignment of that surplus to pay down early on the uh, pension liability through Richmond Retirement System. Uh, to date, the mayor has yet to introduce a budget amendment to go ahead and authorize the movement of the $2 million that we assigned uh, last June. And so this would essentially take that action in the FY19 budget. The money's already been essentially appropriated, assigned by the council. It just hasn't been budgeted. Okay. Thank you. Would that... I'm sorry, Ms. Larson and then uh, uh, Vice President Newbill. Um, I'd like to thank you for bringing this to our attention, and I'd also like to be a co-patron on this. Okay. 
Uh, Ms. Brown, if you can add that. Thank you. Mr. Addison. Okay. Another co-patron. Um, let's see, Dr. Newbill, did you have a question? Yes, I, I just wanted to uh, know the status from the administration in terms of that item. Um, I thought it was coming forth. Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance and Administration. Uh, the administration is in support of, of this amendment as it just basically moves the uh, funding that was outlined in the ordinance that was put forth last year uh, for the retirement. Thank you. I'd like to be a patron as well. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions on this one? Okay. Do we have a consensus? Okay. Unanimous. Congratulations. Uh, let's see. Would anyone like to, or is this up to, I can speak here, I guess, since this is all of council, to uh, increase the personnel funding for vacant positions in the city assessor's office? Okay. Uh, just want to roll with the consensus on this one, or? President Hilbert. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yes, so council received last week a memo from the city assessor indicating that if council was to provide additional funding for some vacant positions, that it could generate up to a million dollars in additional real estate revenue. Um, subsequently, after talking with the assessor, um, that amount of $121,194 um, needed for funding for vacant positions may change. Um, I believe. Yeah, he is here. The assessor is um, behind me to explain a little bit further on that. Um, what's, once he provides that information and um, subsequently a revised memo, um, we do want to talk about um, the additional million dollars would need to get the administration certification in order for council to use. Okay. Good morning. Uh, Richard McKeith and city assessor. <clears throat> As you know, last Monday I came before you and requested approximately $121,000 um, for three new positions. Um, I did that under the um, purview from my budget analyst that I already had $106,000 that I could use towards the total amount, which would have been $228,000. Um, nevertheless, I was informed on Friday by my budget analyst that I actually didn't have the $106,000 um, for that, that the $106,000 was going to go towards positions that I had recently uh, hired. And in addition to the $106,000, I would need uh, possibly another $100,000 to add to that to keep the three positions that I had recently hired funded for next year. Um, in addition to that, so now um, I would be requesting um, approximately $358,000 because to add the three new positions that I would like to get to increase the revenue for the city uh, over a million dollars, um, I would have to get 
at least $240,000 for that and then add an additional $119,000 to continue to fund the three positions that I had recently hired in our office. Um, once again, I was just informed of this on Friday by my budget analyst. So henceforth, the um, request, the new request or revised request for the $358,000. The good news is I'm quite comfortable with the fact that it will enhance and increase our revenue overall for the city somewhere at least between a million, a million and a half dollars. But um, I would definitely need to get the funding for the three positions and the funding to continue to, to have the positions that were hired already. Thank you. Okay. You want to have questions about this? I'm sorry, Dr. Newbill, do you have questions? I was just trying to get my arms around the total dollar amount for the three positions uh, for the new year and the, the total amount. The total amount for everything would be, would be 358. Okay, but yes. you also indicated the need for dollars to be able to continue for positions. Yes, to be it would be 240 for the three brand new positions. And one of them would include a commercial appraiser, which Mr. Andalesco and I talked about last week to do uh, smaller apartment units. And then um, an additional 225000 to continue to, um, 119000 I'm sorry, to continue to fund the three that I have uh, recently been able to hire who are helping us out as we speak. Thank you. All right. Uh, yes, Mr. Wack, looks like you want to say something from the administration. Wow. Uh, just as a point of clarification, the uh, fiscal year 2019 proposed budget uh, from March 6 assumes certain amount of current real estate taxes, state pilot revenue, and um, public service corporation revenue based on the assessed values we received from the assessor um, on, on December 6th. Um, at, at, at this point in time, I, I guess I, the, over 99% of the, the, the revenues that we will receive in fiscal year 2019 are based on assessments that will be sent in June. So that would be prior to the addition of any of these positions. Um, so just to give you give some context, the additional positions would have to generate about $83 million increase in uh, taxable values. Uh, um, above and beyond what, what was in, in effect as of July 1st during the course of the year to generate about a million dollars or about 125 million in, that's typically new construction uh, values that would have to be added over the course of the year for us to in, increase the collections by one to one and a half million in January and June of 2019. Okay. So, I mean, that sounds like a high bar. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Ms. Reed. Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance Administration. I was actually just going to put that in plain language. Uh, <laughs> that is that we're always eager to increase our revenues, just making sure that we have a conservative-based budget and what we will need from the uh, assessor. And we'll be working with the assessor to make sure that we can quantify what those dollars will be so that we can certify additional revenue. Okay. And I 
I think everybody wants to do that. I'm, uh, I guess I'm a little, uh, I mean, I'm totally for this, but it just seems like to me that, that these additional positions would be able to, to yeah. assess more. And right. Move. I'm looking at um, by the time we close the land book for next January, mm-hmm. um, one of these positions, once again, is a high-level um, commercial appraiser in which um, right now only have one person doing apartments, which are the hottest properties in the real estate game right now. Um, and so they're doing the larger um, apartment complexes, you know, uh, units that have 100, 100 or more units. I don't have the ability to concentrate as much on the um, complexes, complexes that have 30 units, 25 units, but they are bringing in top-tier rents. And so I would like to be able to go after this a lot more aggressively, and that one person alone will go a long way in helping to increase our revenues. Um, the two other um, lower-level positions, just in new construction, um, they can bring in $200,000 a piece just in new construction, not even touching reassessment. So I feel strongly that, you know, these positions could help help the city out a, a great deal. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I <laughs> guess my point is that, you know, with all the construction going on downtown and these buildings, hopefully we're only going to get taller. Yes. Uh, between now and then, that it seems like to me this this level of investment would return a lot more than a million dollars. That seems to me to be a conservative yeah. figure, and I'm speaking mostly to the administration. Then I, but I think that you would. I mean, you're going to provide them the documentation on this, obviously, but it. Can I say something? Yes, sir. I mean, please go right ahead. I'm sorry, sir. When, Matt, when Mr. Wack was speaking of the analysis that I gave him in December, I was using what I had in the office at that time. It wasn't even including. We, we didn't talk about budget um, as far as what my office might obtain to increase revenues. We were talking about what I had in the office at that time. <clears throat> Since then, if I can get these positions, I think that I could do more with all the new construction and all the projects going on, as well as um, increasing the assessments for commercial property, things like office buildings and being able to defend it um, versus appeals and court cases and things like that. So um, oftentimes people think of bodies and the productivity type of uh, office. You think of how many widgets or whatever you can produce, but you save a lot of money uh, assessment offices save a lot of money in defending appeals because we're now getting the large law firms who come to Richmond to appeal because we're getting the larger values and the actual savings alone can go a long way in um, producing revenue that you might have lost in the past. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that your conversation with Mr. Wack happened four months ago, and yep. things have changed since then. Yeah, when we talked four months ago, we were talking about 
the assessments increasing for the city without any budget enhancements in my office, just a spreadsheet that they asked me for to start the process of the budget for the city. But it wasn't identifying anything like if, Richie, if you got any extra positions, then what could it mean? This is, this is um, what I'm talking about now since we are talking about giving me extra resources, I can talk about possibly increasing what could happen. Okay. Give so if you had 121, um, that would do a million. I guess my question would be if you had 200 well, the, plus, would that mean 2 million? <laughs> the 121. I mean, you're, you're unique in that, well, you're not unique, but uh, you're able to generate money, whereas most of the requests up here are right. not able to do that per right. se. The 121 wasn't realistic because my budget analyst thought I had 106 already, in which I did. Okay. So the 121 would really be um, 240 and okay. adding the 119 to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, great. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Jones. I just, just one basic question. How are we quantifying all this? I mean, they're just. Pardon me? How are we quantifying all this? Is it, are these just numbers we're throwing no, out? How are we able? To I think Mr. Ritchie has has uh, has done some work on this and has extrapolated that. And I think he sat down with maybe Miss Robertson as well as Mr. Agilasto. Is that is that fair? I'm sorry, Mr. Agilasto. Mr. McKeithen is referring to you when he's speaking, so I assume that you all have discussed this. Well, we've discussed a lot of these smaller apartments. I mean, even the fact that Warwick Townhomes hasn't been reassessed, but there's construction out of the ground, just goes to the need for the assessor's office to have people in these positions. If if Warwick Townhomes is on the books for $50,000 of assessed value and there's a performance contract that says that it needs to exceed seven hundred dollars or $800,000, you know, right, right now, that's three-quarters of a million dollars. It's not being taxed. Okay. I sent a whole list of probably six apartment buildings that have all hit the market, and they're being offered for sale in excess of double their current assessments. Some of them are almost three times their assessments of $700,000, and they're being listed for over $2 million. That, to me, signals that Mr. McKeithen needs the support in his office to target this segment of the market. Okay. All right. Great. And let's see. Once again, what I did okay. in my analysis was I took um, the total uh, multifamily portfolio and multiplied it by a certain percentage of things that between discussions in our office that we were quite sure we weren't getting. And then that's how I came up with a revenue estimate because with this position, um, we'll be able to, to, to go after it every year. We might, right now, we might be able to try to get after it once every couple years, but um, in this market, you want to be able to get after it every year without digging too far into the, to the weeds. Um, that's how I came up with an estimate. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ms. Gray. So um, I agree that we need to be more um, aggressive with renovated buildings and just this morning I got a call from someone who is a small time developer flipping 
single-family homes who is challenging a $380,000 assessment because the home is listed for 485 right now, and um, they really believe that that assessed value is hurting their ability to market the property. And so I do think that, that there are um, ways that we're shooting ourselves in the foot with respect to not um, being able to get on top of these as quickly as they're coming online as newly renovated or, or new construction projects. So um, I, I support the added staff. Um, I would like to um, see the additional revenue that, that's produced and, and maybe in a performance measure aspect we can track it to make sure that the investment we're making in the assessor's personnel is yielding the results that we are seeking to, to get. Okay. Thank you. And Dr. Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I, I certainly support the um, uh, funding for uh, the staff, as you've indicated. My question comes back to the revenue projection, and uh, both in terms of new construction and supplement. When you were before us before, it uh, seems as if we'd gone to 0.5%, and this seems to be a drop back. And maybe I'm just mishearing it, but I'm a little congested, so with coal and whatnot. So just trying to get a sense of when we would have a more definitive revenue projection, but because it was sounding with the new staff that it was going to be more significant than 1.5. Yes, uh, I think that question was for Mr. McKeithen, but then... Or were you directing that question it, to Ms. Reed? And this, or this is, this is oh. Lenora Reed again. I'd like to provide an answer in regards to the projections. Uh, we are in line with Mr. McKeithen, and he's speaking my language when he speaks of revenue enhancement. Um, I love that. I love the thought. However, what we're going to need from Mr. McKeithen are numbers associated with a change in assessment in order to make the calculation to certify new revenue. And so we'll have our finance director work with Mr. McKeachin as he worked through and chart through these revenue enhancements. And once he provides additional assessment numbers, we can do that calculation and tell you what revenue that's going to gleam because it's just a mathematical problem. Um, that we'll be solving. And so the information, I heard Mr. McKeithen say that he received, that he provided uh, a few months ago was based on the best information at the time, but now he has additional information that speaks to revenue enhancements. So we'll have to get with him. So before we could certify additional revenue, we need the new assessment numbers. Thank you. And I will, uh, Ms. Trammell. Thank you, Mr. President. So, Lenore, are you saying that we can't do this right now? Uh, yes, ma'am. I'm saying that we cannot do this at this moment. I'm not saying we can't do this today because okay. it is a mathematical issue, but we have not received additional assessment numbers. We've only received words, and when you produce a budget, you need to have that documentation as support as to how you came up with that calculation for your revenue projections. Right, thank you, because I definitely support this. So we'll thank definitely you. be working with Mr. McKeithen on that. Thank you. Well, okay, I think we've, well, we have, D I'm just, sorry, just one Mr. question. Jones. 
does the addition of these three FTEs, does it get us to that? Or is there something that we should be doing currently to address that issue? The addition of the three FTEs um, will get you, from our perspective, additional revenue. Um, I don't know what you can do right now, um, short of us continuing to track the market. Um, the new FTEs are going to be put in assi- new assignments that um, need to be covered throughout the city. As I said, I don't currently have anybody paying as much attention to smaller apartments um, because I just don't have the staffing. Um, just paying attention to them every year. They get to them like maybe every other year or um, but it's the larger apartment complexes that we focus on the most. So these additional FTEs will um, address the revenue increase once I'm able to bring them on board and get them to work. So, so is that a yes or a no? Because, again, my, my, and, and my, my basic question is, with what Ms. Lenora just stated, how do we get there? You get there by giving me the funding so I can hire the people, that is a, if that's a yes. So without the 121, we're not able to achieve what Ms. Reed is speaking of? Without the new positions, you won't. I don't want to say you won't, but it'll be very hard for anything to change in this expanding market. I'm already to my limit personnel-wise um, day in and day out. I need new positions to get, possibly get you more revenue. That's just, but, but, but again, and, and I hear you on that. One, It seems as if one issue is getting new revenue. I get that. Okay. But that's not what I hear the administration saying. There, I just hear apples and, and oranges discussion. Apples, new revenue, certifying it, or that, that, that's the other side. And so can someone clear this up for me? Ms. Reed. Lenore Reed, uh, I'll try to provide some clarification to my comments uh, that I made. And one is I am in agreement with Mr. McKeithen in that he's looking for revenue enhancements. And uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm always looking for revenue enhancements. With that being said, um, whether it comes with the new positions or whatever way that Mr. McKeithen decides he can get revenue enhancements, the administration can only certify additional revenue if we have the supporting documentation that supports the mathematical calculation from assessed value to revenue generation. And what we have at the time is what was provided by Mr. McKeithen prior to his assessment of being able to have revenue enhancement. And so what we're asking is additional information from Mr. McKeithen that changes the assessment uh, values that we use to do the calculation to get to the number that we provide in the projected revenues in the budget. And so let me be clear, Mr. McKeithen has indicated that he'll be working with the administration, correct, to um, have a more current 
set of numbers that allows the administration to then look and discern if they can certify additional funding. But it's contingent upon him, and he is planning to do just that, revisit the numbers. and I'll be making those calculations with the assumption that you're going to give it to me. Right. You already have what I think is going to be without it. Right. Okay. I'm still confused. If we don't do this, you're saying that you can't deliver on what they need? If I don't get the three new positions... I'll only be able to support what I've given them already, which will not include any additional, additional revenue. All right. Council President. Yes, Mr. You know, I, I know we've talked about this issue for 24 minutes now. This is a simple mathematical equation. Give the man three staff members who can go out there and do the assessments. They will bring in more revenue than it costs for their salaries. It's a simple equation. The question that we're stumbling on is how much additional revenue. For this discussion right now, this is about increasing the assessor's budget. If you don't increase his budget, there's no additional revenue that could even be on the table as a result of the three employees. So I just I ask you all not to belabor this. We will get a revised revenue number from the administration and from the assessor at a future date, but it doesn't have to be tied to this. We know it will be substantially more. Thank you. Thank you for that succinct uh, analysis, Mr. Agilasto. We're at 24 minutes. Um, We've tried to say here in our process we were going to do three. So uh, can we – I think that's the bottom line. We increase this and how much it's going to increase revenues. I think I heard at a minimum a million. Uh, so that's a pretty good return on investment. Any uh, – we have consensus on this one? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. We are good. Uh, let's see. Is this our session supposed to end at noon? Are we done with what we'd anticipated getting done? Ms. Brown? No, sir. So um, I did have a quick um, couple items that I needed to follow up with council on, on amendments that were previously, um, I guess, agreed to or received consensus. One of those was um, during the first amendment session day. Um, there were two amendments that received consensus. Um, one was for 350000 for planning and development um, to provide additional staffing and for uh, abatement remediation. And then there was an, also an amendment for 200000 um, also for planning and development for funding of a CAPS manager and for additional operating funds for the CAPS program. And so... And so I just wanted to get clarification from the body if both of these amendments are to be separate and remain the same or if they are to be somehow combined into one amendment. Does everyone understand the question? Yes, sir, Mr. President. Uh, And I've spoken with uh, uh, my colleague on this. Um, I'm fine with combining them. I mean, it... we, 
we're trying to approach the same problem and meet in the middle there. So it, it makes sense to just simply combine them and just move forward. Okay. And so I don't, I don't have any problems with that unless Mr. Agilis. Objection was, to that, no. uh, Ms. Larson. Um, and I thought there was a brief discussion during the time we moved those forward if there were redundancies in the proposals because they're, they're both there to support CAPS. So, um, you know, I would like to see the program improved. I don't know if we need $550,000 to do that based on what what you all have researched and looked at and everything. So I, I'm not, maybe, maybe we do. I, I would just like, if you all agree to combine it, I would love to see what the, if we could have some efficiencies, because maybe you were double funding things. Yes, and I think that's what we are trying to get clarification on of whether it's going to be a combined amendment for 550000 or if it's going to be either one or the other, the 200000 or the three fifty. Okay, Ms. Gray. So everything looks good until we have to figure out how we're paying for it. Um, but seriously, <laughs> what do we have to cut to, to achieve it? Um, we just went through a prolonged conversation about what the 358000 will do to increase revenue for the city and specifically what it pays for is positions. So I really would like to know what the 550000 would pay for versus the 300000 versus the two hundred. The 200000 um, is just to provide um, additional code enforcement personnel. And, uh, or I'm sorry, the 200000 is for a CAPS manager and then 100000 for additional operating funds for the CAPS program. The $350,000 amendment is providing an increased funding for enforcement personnel in the amount of 200000 and then providing 150 for abatement. And, and I, I get that piece of it. Okay. What I'm saying is... That one person, what what will that one person be able to accomplish, that new personnel versus the funding for training? And where are these numbers coming from? Did did code enforcement tell us, well, we could train we could train everybody to do X, Y, and Z with an additional two hundred, and that'll get us to be able to do ten times as many code enforcement cases or are these just numbers that are – do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I see what the numbers are. I just don't know what that will yield as far as performance and where the numbers came from. That would have to be answered by the individual patrons. Okay. Mr. Addison. Thank you, uh, Council President. One of the things that I feel like is with staff questions like this um, is something that might want to be explored or looked at is are there current vacancy funding um, dollars available that we could request the allocation of for these specific positions 
in PDR or other functions that could maybe find a way to have that be addressed so that we're looking at true program costs of operations and what it takes to do this program. Because I know that it has been a priority of mine to look at the cross-support um, ability of addressing some of these properties that are problematic in our, in our city that are um, not providing any value to the community, tax revenue, or livable. And I think that's kind of one of the things we wanted to look at is making sure that we're doing this in the right manner. We've avoided, I think, a strong CAPS program for way too long, and we've seen the effects of that in many of our communities with some properties that have become eyesores and repeated defenders to code violations, et cetera. And this is a great way to address that. But one of the questions is, are there other, I guess, funding abilities we have besides just putting in the budget this way that could be explored as well? Did that make sense? Okay. There, there was a lot there, but um, we do know that the planning department did receive a large increase in vacancy funding uh, for this year. That their vacancy funding is at six hundred and forty-one thousand um, dollars, and we can go back and ask them to provide a breakdown of what those positions are. Um, the only. The reason why council staff right now is asking for clarification on these two items is because this coming week, members will be asked to rank the amendments that got consensus um, in their priority order. And so I wanted to make sure there's clarification on whether this is two separate amendments or should be combined at one and at what amount. Um, then I guess we'll any, move forward with leaving them as two separate. Is there a consensus on two separate? Well, I, I know that Mr. Jones had offered to combine them. I'm willing to combine them, so I don't know if it's okay. the majority of council that is saying to keep them separate. But. No, so I can combine them. I just didn't know if we're combining them at the full uh, 550. Did, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry, Mr. Addison. I just kind of wanted to see if there's any more information from the administration about what this plan proposal and how it would work based upon their operation. I think we're talking about a lot of key needs, but I think I want to understand a little bit more about what this would look like combined, what this rollout would look like to make sure that I know what we're okay. buying with this All right. Did funding. Does that request make sense? Anybody, if she can, seeing them indicate that they don't care to make a remark yeah. on it, would that be accurate? I'm sorry, I'm staring right at uh, one individual who I won't name. Okay. Uh, yes, Mr. Brown. Yes, sir, Mr. President. Um, I would say that, um, of course, these are city council's amendments, and if they are approved by the body, then the administration will... Um, make it work accordingly. Um, but again, we support the mayor's budget um, as presented to city council. All right, thank you. So the question before us is combined, individual, or, you know, those are kind of it here, I think, are with the reduction of it's 200, I'm sorry, it's 200, 350, or one at 550. Is that right? That's correct. correct. Okay. All right, so let's start out with combined. Do we have a consensus at 550? One, 
two, three, four. Mr. Agilasto, are you supportive? Okay, five. We got a consensus on five. Okay. Thank you. Yes, I'll combine that one. And there was uh, one other item. Um, if you go down to Okay. Let yes, me. there was a, an amendment for uh, $200,000 for um, to provide additional funding in the city auditor's uh, budget for two FTEs for the school audit function. Um, and I believe council received communications from the city auditor on an update with his discussion with the superintendent um, and the school board chair. And I believe they've indicated that they plan to... Um, I guess re-implement or reinstitute the audit function in schools and would not need the services of the city auditor. Um, and so I wanted to check with council to see if they still want to include that $200,000 amendment proposal. Okay. Did everybody hear that? Okay. All right. We've only got seven of us here. I'm uh, a little concerned about having discussions with not all of us here, but go ahead, Ms. Gray. I think the audio is back on in the back. I'm fine with drawing um, if the others are on the city auditor piece. I am still very concerned about oversight on school funds, and um, I'm growing more and more concerned as I hear what's happening on the school administration side and a lot of the knowledge base will be leaving or has left. Um, and there are folks who are brand new to Virginia and how financing and budgets go in Virginia. So um, even with the expertise, we, we saw lots of issues. So hopefully they will get their budget together. I don't see where... There's additional funding. I see the request for a lot of positions, but as it stands, they're only being allowed to keep one-time funding. So I don't understand how all these positions will be paid for that are being added back into the budget or created by the new administration. Okay, is there a consensus on this to drop it, to drop the 200? Yes, Ms. Larson, is that a yes, it's consensus? Ms. Gray, all right, yes. Okay. Okay, uh, we will remove that item. Um, the only other... Okay, let's see. Do we want to uh, take a break here? Uh, okay, if we can. Yes, Ms. Trammell. How do we come back? What time do we come back? Well, we can come back in 10 minutes, 15, or, you know, could we, is there any we, part of this agenda that we could push back until 4 o'clock? Yes, uh, Vice President, I just need five more minutes, and then we could be adjourned for the morning session, and then we could come back at four to begin capital improvement plan. Okay. Does that work? So we can 
skip the break, five minutes, five more minutes, and then we're done. Does that work? I think she was saying she wanted a break. Yes. Okay. I mean, we can have a break for five minutes and come back. Why don't, I mean, Ms. Trammell, I'm I mean, you said five minutes. I have a meeting at one o'clock, then I have four things I got to do in the district, and then I got to be back here at four o'clock. Okay. Thank you. So five minutes and we're done. Thank you. I will try and be less than five minutes. I just wanted to remind council members that um, this afternoon I will be sending out a listing of all the increases that were that received consensus. We'll be asking each member to rank them in their priority order, and those will be due back to us by Thursday. Additionally, uh, Thursday will be the last day to make any proposed reductions or any revenue increases, um, as well as uh, language for any text amendments or budget-related ordinances. So I'll send an email out to council with all that information, but I just wanted to remind everybody here today. Okay. Now I'm done. Okay, that was a lot less than five minutes. So uh, we are adjourned with this session. Okay, uh, Madam Clerk, if you would read the chamber evacuation announcement. Yes, sir. The council evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually in hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Also, adhering to council's rules of procedure, everyone in attendance should be seated at this time. Okay. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. I think uh, Ms. Larson and uh, Ms. Robertson, I have not seen her. Uh, but Okay. Uh, yes, Ms. Brown. Yes, the first item that we have, um, we need to go back to the general fund amendments. There was one amendment that we um, delayed taking action on, um, and we did not go back to this morning session, and that's item number 27, which is an amendment proposed by Councilman Jones to provide funding for the continuation of the grant for New Warwick Townhomes, LLC, in the amount of 45000 Mr. President, if we uh, yes, could, just uh, talking with... Let me, I'm sorry, before the clock starts... One minute for the patron, two minutes for the rest of us, and then we're going to try and get through this. That, that's ahead. fine. I'll get done in 30 seconds. Um, and, and speaking with uh, uh, Lee Downey, he's going to need more than a couple hours to get a response back. The gentleman who um, was working on all this is no longer employed by the city, and so they've got to do a little more uh, research just to get everything, all the information. What they're asking is that if we could just get consensus to move this forward, they'll bring back the information uh, the next time we convene. So okay. if we can get consensus on that, that'd be awesome. All right. Uh, Ms. Gray? So, And I'm sorry here. It was three minutes for the patron, two for everybody else, but we can reverse that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So the this patron is, didn't take all of his two minutes. Please go ahead. Oh, no. So I think it's important to keep this moving forward because there is an ordinance that says we – from 2014 that says we are obligated to do it. Um, If we find that we don't need to do it because certain performance measures have not been met, then we can take it back out. But it's in 
the, it should be it should have been in the budget by ordinance unless there's some information that we don't have yet that says they didn't meet the criteria to keep it. So. Okay, fair enough. Sounds like uh, you're going to support this. Okay, great. Any more discussion on this matter? Okay, do we have a consensus on uh, adding this? As Ms. Gray said, it's uh, in uh, previous ordinance, uh, unless there's a, uh, some deadline or whatnot that has been missed. So, got a consensus on it? Mr. Jones? Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, let's go, let's go ahead, Ms. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Absolutely. Ms. Brown, I think we're heading now to uh, uh, capital improvements. Yes, Council President. And from my understanding is that um, we were going to start. The administration has provided impact statements. Everybody should have a copy. Um, it looks something similar to this. Um, we are going to go in order of the reductions first based on the order that is in the administration's impact statements. And so we'll adjust those decreases um, before we move on to any increases. Okay. Is this? Um... Yes, that is the listing of the impact statements. Right. Thank you. And so the first item is a reduction um, proposed by Councilman Agilesto. And that is to reduce the four the R capital projects urban uh, project by uh, 599,268. Okay, Mr. Uh, Angelesto, would you care to make any remarks? Thank you, Council President. In fact, there were a number of urban projects, um, and these are federal um, grant programs uh, that go towards transportation. And when going through the CIP, uh, they were not necessarily clear on uh, location for projects. And in fact, it looked as if uh, much of the monies had been approved, appropriated, but not spent down. Uh, and so we were using these funds uh, to balance out other uh, sidewalk and uh, road repaving projects that we had entered into the CIP as increases since we had to balance our budget. So it's basically saying, if it says here it's an urban project for sidewalks, well, we just said, okay, well, it's going to go into citywide sidewalks. Okay. Everybody clear on that? Okay. Is there any discussion? Okay. The... Uh these comments are from the administration. Is that correct, uh, Ms. Brown? Yes, the comments are provided by the administration. Okay. So, I mean, everybody can read here. Uh, federal and state-funded projects, uh, which may be, have been, uh, which may have ineligible expenses or project may, may need additional funds to complete. So, I'm not not sure that that's so what what is being said here is that there's only 219 available and that they want to keep that because there could be other expenses uh, which may need to be completed is that am I reading that correctly I don't know Mr. Brown or 
whoever's representing the administration. Sakara, how are you? Yes, sir. Good afternoon. And I'm Kara from Department of Public Works. Uh, Mr. Ajilasto, you are correct. There are four R capital projects, and there are some other urban uh, projects. They are funded through the state funds, and they are only eligible to transfer to another eligible transportation project. I uh, just want to let you know that uh, first uh, on this 4R, there are only $219,000 available, not what it mentioned it here. So even that amount, uh, we'd like to keep it for the reason that uh, want to give you in our approved five-year program. As of this date, there are 57 active projects in the city of Richmond. If you add all these allocations, they add up to $148 million. So for those projects, they are federal or state funded. They are about 38 numbers. They add up to $138 million. We use this money if we, in any location, if the projects go up, um, over, so we don't have to stop the project in the middle or complete this, not complete the scope of work. So this 219000 and then 200 some $60,000 in other location, they are small amounts for us to piggyback and do continue with the remaining scope of work. Just for example, I... Yeah, just for your uh, information that some of these projects, like we have a deep water terminal road extension to Goods Creek. That's where... It's committed for that. So bridge safety, load ratings, they are committed for that. And uh, Fifth Street, we just finished that project uh, on Fifth Street replacement project, bridge replacement project. So repair, rehabilitation, reconstruction, and restoration, we call 4R. They are eligible activity for transportation. That's what we already have allocations for. So I would suggest not to remove this and transfer this money somewhere else. Okay. I'm sorry, Mr. Carr, as I understand it here, you're saying $138 million in total projects. Yes. That of which... 30. I'm sorry, of which... That's the total cost of the project, $138 million, uh, most of which is state and federal funds. Are we like a 10-to-1 match or a 90-10 match? Is that... Is that what we're required to do? The match is coming from a different account. We call federal um, grant for ma matching funds for federal grant. That's come from there. But these are more like a funds that when we go in a project and we need additional funds, they are over and above the grant amount. But we, in order to meet ADA requirement, in order to meet some safety requirement, our termini, we have to have what it was not part of the original grant. That's what we do it including part of uh, this kind of funds. Like, for example, on 4R, we have deep water terminal road extension. We need to extend to Goods Creek, uh, Goods Street. That's uh, $219,000. Some part we have allocated for those to complete that project. Uh, 
So we have certain other locations we are already obligated these amount. Okay. Yes, Mr. Agilasto. Thank you. So <clears throat> I guess the problem here is that it's not clear on the, the use of the funds that are uh, being appropriated here, yet there are other CIP projects that we're hearing tap into these funds. So why are, isn't this source of funds then identified as a source of funds for those other capital projects when you go through the CIP book? One of the reasons when we receive this uh, urban funds the, from state, they, we receive in quarterly payment, and they are already, we did not receive any new monies from last uh, eight or ten years. So these were allocated so on some of the eligible projects that we still have to complete, like deep water terminal road extension. But deep, and my question is, deep water terminal road extension is its own CIP project articulated in our budget. Yes. And it lists the funding sources. Uh-huh. But we're hearing that the 4R capital projects in the urban state allocation is also funding the deep water terminal project, even though it is a separate CIP budget item, and it's not listed in deep water terminal as a funding source. So how, how where's the transparency to coupling these projects together since they are appearing in two separate locations within the budget? For example, like uh, take for a deep water terminal road. That's a $4.4 million project. And we have uh, revenue sharing money. We have uh, CMAC money. But after receiving all this money, we still have a gap of about half million dollars, about dollars $500,000. So we are planning to use this money rather than we requested through our regular program. But if it's not funded through regular program, that money, the gap we have. So this is the place we still can proceed with the project and continue with the grant that already allocated to us. So I guess what I'm hearing is that you're, you would like to retain the flexibility to use these dollars to fund a budget gap that you're not quite certain exists for deep water terminal, but it could be used to fund project budget gaps for other city sidewalks or other city repaving projects. The gap does exist. The gap does exist. Yes. And it exists for other projects as well, right? Some other projects, uh, it, like uh, uh, 5th Street, 7th Street Bridge, we just completed uh, about a couple of years ago. We had gap in there. That's what we filled from this particular source when we are in construction. So we keep that kind of small margin from that account. Okay. And just to be clear, if I may, my colleagues, Deep water, deep water terminal road extension is getting appropriations in FY 2023, yet these urban funds have been allocated in for the last 10 years, and we haven't spent them, but we're going to hold them in reserve to fill a budget gap that is five years out in the future. Is that correct? Say it again, excuse me, please. This appropriation, these urban funds, we've been holding on a balance for a number of years. And what we're hearing is that they're going to fund a budget gap for the deep water terminal project that is now showing up in our fiscal year 2023 CIP, which is five years from now. So we're going to hold these funds back to then be applied in five years into the future, but they are available today to be spent. 
Councilman, that we already have quite a good amount in deep water terminal. We are trying to have TPO advance this money so we can proceed this project for Port of Richmond. So I think we will continue to do that uh, when next uh, cycle for the funding. Sure, and I serve on the TPO along with several of my colleagues, but the TPO just voted to appropriate the monies in fiscal year 2023. I didn't see anything that was going to put it in FY19 or FY20. So if you know something that I don't know, that's helpful information. Um, Good afternoon, Council. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. Um, Basically, Councilman, the funds that are allocated for the deep water terminal project will, in fact, be utilized for the deep water project. We have... uh, a lot of different avenues for resources, for funds, and we have to make sure that we have dollars in place in order to take care of the project because the, once those projects began, we, the city, have to be held accountable for making sure that they're taken care of. So these projects have already been um, planned out, been scoped out, been engineered out, and we're working on them. So we need those funds for that project line item. I understand that, but I don't understand holding the funds back for the last however many years and saying we're going to keep them in reserve to fill a budget gap that's five years out from now when, in fact, they could be appropriated today for similar sidewalk and road repaving. But uh, this has taken 11 minutes. You know, it's up to you all. I had to balance out my budget, uh, and and you all can determine whether or not this is an accurate depiction of and uh, and presentation. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. Agilasto. Ms. Trammell. I just want to say that there's been other projects that's been on the table for years and years, and we haven't and we haven't had this kind of discussion. Where you got upset about it? Seriously, we have. I'm sorry. Are you when you've said you've? Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. You're referring to Mr. Agilasto? Huh? Yes, I already said it to him. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not hearing. Uh, someone here. I'm trying to speak into my microphone this session. Um, Okay, is there any... Okay, do we have a consensus on this one at all? Right, to accept this cut. All right. Can I ask the patron if he is um, sticking with the 599 or... Going with the 219 that they said was available. Yeah, and and this is this is part of the problem with our budget process. If if we want to be blatant about it, the 599 is what was in the budget. That was the budget book presented to the city council. That is the information that we have. We have not gotten a third quarter report, so we can only go based on the information that we have received from the administration. They are reporting a different number today, effective uh, April the 11th. If that's the number that's available, then then I'm happy to amend it to reflect the accurate number. But we only know what has been given to us from the administration. Okay. Is there uh, any further questions? We get a consensus on this one. Okay. Be voting on four. I'm sorry, Ms. Trammell, here we're looking at number one here. Cutting on this chart right here to accept this cut of 599000 to this budget item. Okay. 
that we're doing all cuts right now. The ones in red with the parentheses around them. These are all cuts. I thought it was just explained to us by Bobby Vincent that why we needed this money, why I, we should not be cutting and it. And I heard that. I I'm mean, sorry. I, I wouldn't vote for it here. I'm sorry. If, if that's your conclusion, I wouldn't vote to cut I'm it. I'm not going to vote for it. I'm not going to vote okay. to have the money cut. All right. Looks like we've got four votes here for this. One, two, three, four. So it does not pass. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, Bank Street sidewalk widening. So, again, uh, this was one that I had introduced. Um, as you all know, Bank Street has basically been closed thanks to the General Assembly, and it's going to be closed for a number of years. Uh, it is almost like a perennial sidewalk uh, because of all the barriers and protection there um, and security. So uh, this capital project, um, frankly, was planned prior to all that action from the General Assembly, and I'm not so sure that it needs to advance if, in fact, the General Assembly is just going to seize the entire street. Right. Okay. Um, then we're looking at, all right, we've heard from the patron here, 40 seconds. Thank you, uh, Mr. Agilasto. Ms. Gray. I have a technical question. Sure. Can we, if it's for Deepwater Terminal, and that's, in fact, what it's expected to be utilized for, can we amend to say it's for Deepwater Terminal? I'm sorry. I thought we just, right, we're, we have to do these in the order in which we're taking them. We're discussing Bank Street now. Okay. I was asking about the 219. So we've moved on. Right. We, we have. All right. It didn't get a consensus. We got four votes, but not five. Um, well, if it, seems, if it didn't get a consensus for him to move it, it stays where it is. My question is, can we, can we say that specifically, if that's the agreement here that it's for deep water terminal and for those improvements, that we include that language in the budget? Okay, that's. Can Do you we know come what I'm saying? That? Yes. I, I don't need an answer right at this moment. I'm okay, just. Let's I'm just put saying. That as a placeholder. That's, it didn't. It didn't allude to that in any of the. Okay. Things the that discussion. I read. Okay. All right, Mr. Uh, Addison. I see a future list of the same kind of questions as Parker's questioning has come up, and I, I feel like there is a overall CIP budget project confusion about the structure of which these funds are understood as what process they are. Um, I ask that because there's one coming up or one that was discussed previously with Mr. Agilasto about a project in the first district that is in process and it's been in process for about five years and through design phase and everything else it is not complete. It's going to show up in there as a couple hundred thousand dollars of a CIP project that's just been waiting to be done right. and I know we're going to go through a, a, a lot of these in the next couple minutes, hopefully. And my question is, are we going to get the same answer about the funding for that? Because I know that there are state funding programs that just say, I want to see it in your CIP budget when we want to pull on it, when we're ready to close out our project from the state side. And this is our contribution local match or part of how we got that funded through the state's budget process. So for me, I'm wondering, as we go through all these, if we're going to have the same exact line of questioning, 
is there a way of making sure that we understand the status of all of these? Because I know that without the previous conversation that we had about the project in my district, that there probably are other ones that are either in process, 90% ready to go, in the contractor's list of projects to work on, and we're going to go through all of these and spend a lot of time discussing item by item, a lot of hard work done by Mr. Argelasto to find these and our council staff. I just want to make sure we do the best for our time right now to do what we can. I think we're, Is that I think we're going to hear the same thing, but we've got to take these one at a time. I, I hear what you're saying for efficiency's sake and process. Uh, here's... I'm sorry, is there another comment? Yes, Mr. President. Uh, Madam Vice President. Um, we have a document that would um, uh, really cluster these items under categories that really would preclude. I mean, we get clarity in terms of the items that we cannot uh, make modification to and or are in play. And so it seems if we go by these categories that are there that have the same justification, we, it would preclude some of them as Mr. Addison um, is indicating, would reduce the discussion. Because the state, federal funding, um, projects that are underway, I mean, there's, there's not much flexibility here as I see it. Okay. Uh, with the projects. And so. Right. Well, and I appreciate that. And maybe that answer is continuing on to this. This is five minutes here. But. I think we have we have to show the respect of these individual ones. If you don't want to vote for any of them, then I think that's where we need to be. Uh, but okay, well, I guess and every and I appreciate everybody's going global on this here, or at least that's the way I see it. I'm just saying that we need to take these individually. So um, let's see. Uh, Mr. Brown, are you looking to comment yes. on this? Yes, um, sir. Mr. President, thank you. Uh, if I may echo off of the comments from uh, Madam Vice President, we were able to categorize the implications for all of the amendments that were reductions for you. Um, we do have the project managers available um, who are here to answer any specific questions that you do have, but we were doing our best to respond to the amendments that were uh, provided to us last week. So we do have them in categories for you as best as we could working with the project managers. Um, thank you. Ms. Robertson, was that a, do you want to speak about this one? Following what we're doing, are we looking at, um, I'm sorry, I can't understand you. You can't hear me is the I, reason why you can't understand me, right? I think I can hear you now. Okay. But but right, maybe, right. <laughs> okay. All right, so we're talking about uh, the reduction for Bank Street? Yes. And according to the response that we got from the administration, this project is under development at the present time? The design work and all of that has been done? Is that correct? Is that what I'm understanding? Well... I think what we're saying is that this is uh, that the uh, it's out for procurement right now. The design phase is done. If we cancel this, we owe uh, the Commonwealth back forty-two thousand dollars. So yes. I'm, I'm interested in knowing the full budget. What's the sources of funding for the full job? Can you repeat? That, 
Does it include state, federal funds for this job on Bank Street, or is it? It was federal and city. 80% federal funds and 20% city match. Okay, so if we cut this, this cut, is this cut the 20% of the city funds? Seems like it's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. And we are ready to go, we are in procurement right now in this okay. project. All right, thank you. All right, this was, when this was approved by this budget, is this a budget ordinance, 2015? Yes. All right, we didn't individually fund this. Uh, you know, as Mr. Agilasto alluded, Bank Street might as well not be in the city anymore. The Commonwealth seems to control, I'm sorry, Bank Street is completely under the control of the Commonwealth. This, as as I see it, we could certainly rescind this part of the budget. Uh, I'm uh, I'm concerned about us having to fund something over which we have no control. So, yes, go ahead, Mr. President Bob Stidell, DCO of Operations. Yes, Bank Street will stand under the control of the state until the general new General Assembly building is done, and then Bank Street reverts back to the city of Richmond. The, the Bank Street project is part of the Capital Bike Trail extension from the Capital Bike Trail up to, up to the state capitol. It's, it's a project that, that connects our city with, with the existing bike trail system. But uh, Bank Street will revert back to the city. Right. When, when this work is done, of which we are funding 20% of it? Well, there will not be the dollars available if you don't, continue this, the state will take its dollars back and we won't have dollars to do Bank Street. Okay, so this is the capital trail, though. I mean, from what I understand, it, the state is funding most of, of that well, they, money. They, they have many needs. I'm sure they'd be happy to spend this money on a different part of their trail project. Okay. Thank you. So the question was earlier, this $334,000 cut is that all of our money, or is that are we cutting the state money and the federal money as well, Mr. Uh, excuse me, Ms. Larson? Okay, uh, just, I'm just trying to understand the timing of all this. So the 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 work by the state on Bank Street is going to be finished. What? How many years from now? The Commonwealth of Virginia wants to control Bank Street until the project is complete to finish a General Assembly building. That's roughly five years from now. Okay. So 2023. But we have this project out for procurement right now. Sure. Why wouldn't we build it now while the street's closed? We can work with the state while the street's closed to be able to do this construction and not impact our citizens. Okay. So we can do the project while it's under sure. the control of the state. That is the plan. And, in fact, the state has directed that we work cooperatively with them to put this project together. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Can I get one point of clarity? We need a... I'm sorry, we're almost on 11 minutes. But I understand, but I have, heard, point. I have heard conflicting standpoints on the sources of funds. And when you go to the budget book in the capital improvement program for this item, funding sources at the very bottom, it does not articulate the specific funding sources. I've heard that it is federal funds at 80% and city funds for 20%. I've also heard that the state is funding it. Well, if the city and the feds what, are splitting at 80 
uh, page eight under um, active projects. So it, it just helps to provide clarity in these documents, and these are the public documents. Um, and I, I can read <clears throat> where it says anticipated construction is in April. Well, we're April 16th, um, and so clearly things can slip. But again, it's just very helpful to keep the lines of communication uh, in, in motion on these types of things. But I will say it does not appear that there is any VDOT money. So if there is, I would appreciate knowing or is the city getting reimbursed for its share of the 20% here from VDOT, and is that expected? Linda Cheatham, budget manager. Yes. On page eight of the active projects, in the history of milestones, it describes the city match and describes this project as a transportation alternative project, which was approved by VDOT for $304,000. So there is state money in the project. Uh, and how much is that? State money is 400 and I'm sorry. The total project cost is $380,000, okay. of which the city matches $76,000, 20%, okay. 80% state funding. All right. Are we clear? Okay, we need, we need consensus on this. Or we're, we're at 13 minutes. We're going to be here a while. If we're not a little more expeditious than this. Uh, any consensus on this one? Uh, looks like we've got no hands here, so let's let's move on to the next one. I think what, and I hear what others are saying about, and we've got state revenue sharing, federal revenue sharing. Uh, is this, it looks like these are all related to that. Uh, is that... Would that be fair on the first two pages, pages 38, 39, 40, to, excuse me, 44, 45, 48, 51, 52, and 53? And it looks like that one should be labeled 54. But is that, are we all, Mr. Agilasto, I'm assuming these are, are these all yours? Uh, you can, uh, like I said earlier, there are a lot of urban ones that are in here, and what I'm hearing is that that's just a pool of money that is being used to augment other projects. We don't necessarily clearly know, so I was trying to use funds to support a uh, much more significant road repaving project throughout the city, as well as sidewalks uh, throughout the city. But uh, I will mention a couple specifically, um, <clears throat> if I may, uh, the East Riverfront Transportation, that project is supposed to be closed out uh, in a matter of months, uh, and yet it has a balance, uh, available balance of over $5 million in it. And if that is to be closed out here in just a matter of months, I would think that the administration could advise us how much might be remaining from that project uh, that could be reallocated. Uh, and then also... I will mention uh, if we go to the RMA Plaza project, um, 
there's a there's a project when you read about it it's much more about improving a public green space at the RMA Plaza and I will simply say the city has spent considerable investment in Kanawa Plaza upgrades recently and if we're talking about 1.6 million dollars for improving additional green space adjacent to the one that we have just spent I don't know 3 million or plus uh, in the same exact location, I personally could not justify a continued investment of that nature when we have other spaces and other needs for our capital budget since we have already made a significant investment in and Kanawa. I'm sorry. Here, can you tell me which number? Oh, I thought you wanted to go through the whole group. 48. Okay, so I just want to make sure I'm listening. East Riverfront is 44. Mm-hmm. Arme Plaza is 51. Okay. All right. Relative to Mr. Agilesto's question, can we have an answer as to, we're saying change orders and claims pending resolution. So we've got $5 million left in change orders uh, between now and June. I'm sorry, I guess... Uh, Mr. Brown, I don't know. Someone from the administration can answer that question. The East Riverfront Transportation Improvement Program. We are told here that this is going to be closed out as of the end of June. I'm going to give you till the end of June. And that uh, we've got change orders and claims pending resolution. So are we going to spend $5 million between now and the end of June? Or do we anticipate change orders being that high? Mr. President, we've already spent a lot of that $5 million in this fiscal year. So what, what you're coming to is the end of your project, the end of the capital project is, is on us. And the, the change orders come at the end of a project. You have punch lists. You have a lot of costs that you want to um, make sure that you're covering at the end. You may even have claims from your contractor. So this is the time of the project where you've spent 90% of your dollars, but now you're trying to figure out what you're going to need to close your project. Will there be some dollars left? We will not know probably for another six, eight weeks because it's going to close out in June, July. Okay, so of the nine, five has already been spent. Did I hear that? Most of those dollars have already been spent in this fiscal year. It's an active project. Okay, so why would it be in the budget the way it is, I guess? Is that, I mean, I think that's, Mr. Agilasto, am I... Am I correct here? And I mean, maybe I should let you speak to this item, but it's fine. The again, the budget page uh, says estimated completion date April 2018. Here we're at April 16th, and it said uh, prior year available, uh, which would imply the balance. Uh, and I understand it was an active project uh, at 5.8 million, uh, but the total project budget was 13 million. And I would assume that a project available balance would not include any encumbrances. So if you have a contract to complete the project from point A to the end, that's going to encumber all those dollars. And it's those, therefore, that would not be part of the available balance. So when you read available balance, one must assume that it truly is an available balance. I put in a $5 million reduction here, which left 840 into the project, assuming that they might need additional dollars. Yes, uh, Ms. Gray. So I have 
at this moment, but I want to withdraw all of my requests for reductions in other areas. I had requested to reduce a couple of other park projects, and I find this process to be rather futile, um, and I don't want to pit myself against my colleagues in competing for these funds, but what I am asking is that if there is additional funds that, that come available that the consideration be given for Abner Clay Park, which has been 12 years waiting and waiting to get renovations. We have enough to start getting some of those done. We don't have enough to do. I mean, we've scaled it back so far. It's sad compared to what other areas of the city are doing in their parks. And it's a central urban park. And um, with respect to Scott's addition, I would love to have some consideration if and when additional funds become available. But I will withdraw all of mine to save us a lot of this back and forth. And, and Right. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, we got, I think here, uh, as much as I wanted to take these individually, it does seem like that that other state or federal funding is involved. And I couldn't agree more than what Mr. Agilasto was saying in regards to this East Riverfront, that it seemed to me that this money was not spent at this point or it should have been encumbered and not be available in the budget. That's what is extremely frustrating. And here, I know I'm going to get in the paper over this, but uh, this is why people did not vote for this new form of government. Uh, the 20% that were, uh, uh, that voted against it uh, is because it's a, there's a lack of information relative to uh, the administration and council members. So let me just throw that out there and leave that alone. Uh, Linda Cheatham, budget manager. Yes, ma'am. Um, the statement on the page does not say available balance. It says prior year funding available. And at the time, it's the money that was previously appropriated that has not been spent. So if we need to do some wordsmithing of the page to make it clearer, you know, we can have a conversation about that. But it's just trying to let you know that of the appropriations that you made in the past, this money has not been spent. It, it doesn't address commitments. It doesn't address encumbrances. Okay. That, yes. All right. Well, I guess the wordsmithing here is, is a... Of a, of a concern, but it is what it is now. We want to look at, uh, it looks like here, wait a minute, I'm sorry, Mr. Agilasto, number 48. Uh, did you have, looks like we had state and federal funding that has not been. No, I'll, I'm going to move yet. off of that and um, I'll leave the rest through uh, through 53 for you all to, to do with what you needed to. As as I've said now, this is my third time saying it, our budget rules say that if council members are gonna introduce an increase, you have to offset it with a decrease. Yeah. And I did my due diligence in trying to evaluate what, what places could be cut based on the information available to us. 
So um, you all can do what, what you see fit. I will, I will just simply say, again, I don't see why we would need to make another $1.6 million investment in a green space downtown when we've just invested in the uh, Kanawa Plaza. The Route 5 relocation, I would just simply say, in prior years, I'd identified that as a source of funds, and we got the him and Hall from the administration, and we didn't touch it. And then what did we learn? The next thing, they just went and did a budget amendment and took the same monies that we thought weren't going to be spent. So um, we can see these as opportunities, or we can just see them as uh, we're stuck and we can't do anything differently. But I was trying to reprioritize and put uh, significant funding into school maintenance and also put significant funding, $7 million, into road repaving citywide. And I think it was, I forget the number, it might have been a million for sidewalks citywide. Okay. Seven fifty. So let's look at Thank here. you. I'm sorry. If you can hold it here just one second, Ms. Trammell and Ms. Larson. Do we have the... Do you all mind here if we go with consensus on this? You certainly can speak beforehand, but I'm trying to hold this under 10 minutes. But go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Ms. Trammell and then Ms. Larson. I appreciate your comments earlier about what you said about this form of government. That's why I voted against it. Um, I was not in support of it. But anyway, and still not in support of it. And what this budget does, it puts council members against one another all the time. Because you take, a council person will take from another council person, and that council person don't even know that it's happened until we get here. And then we find out that we didn't realize we had that money aside for maybe, or that other council person didn't know that that council person did not want to spend that money right now because it was for to finish a project that's in that district. But because it was not said in that person thinks that they can take that money and use it for them. And that's that's not fair. And it and it's been going on all the time. And and it's not just happened with one, but it's happened with several of us. And to me I don't think that's right. And I don't think I just think that that if the money is left over in a council person's district, he or she should be able to if somebody wants to take it, they Staff or somebody or the administration or whoever should come to that council person and say, hey, you had $200,000 or $400,000 left over, and we're going to divide it among other council members. That's not fair when that 400000 or whatever has to finish a project that you've been waiting for five or, or eight years. Like there's a project in my district that I've been waiting like maybe over 10 years to try to get the money so we could finish it. So, like I said, it's just, I mean, I, I agree with what Kim said. She was pretty upset. She's not happy the way this is. And I know Parker, and I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with this, with this budget process at all this year. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Ms. Uh, Larson. Um, this, this is definitely a tedious part of our budget, and I, I concur with Councilmember Agilesto's frustration because, you know, I'm having flashbacks from last year where we put forward these decreases. The administration comes up and says there's no money available. And, you know, we, we end up finding a million dollars or, some, you know, some sort of piddly amount to, for our priorities. Um, in looking at, at what 
my colleagues have funded, I did notice collectively it seemed in one one form or another, I mean, we've all um, put money in roads. And so I do think that's a common thread. I don't know if we can use that as a discussion point moving forward. I, I am committed to, you know, digging in deep and rolling up my sleeves and trying to find some of the CIP money. I mean, I think we, the mayor in his proposed budget only put a million or two into roads, and I, I drive all over the city. I know that it is not enough. It's nowhere near enough. Um, we all know our schools need the maintenance as well. So, you know, I, I agree. This process is brutal, and it does at times pit us against each other, and that is not where I want to be. But we also need to, to fill in some of the gaps in this existing budget that's in front of us. So, I mean, I'm hoping that if we can get around a couple of these decreases that give us some CIP dollars that we can all work with together and hope that the administration can bring forward some accurate balances for us, then we can just plow through this. Okay. All right. Can we look at items uh, 44 through items 54 or 53? Uh, can we look at those together? Being as they are all um, funded, or excuse me, um, tied to federal state money. I see a consensus on that, those items. You're asking for a consensus? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we've got, uh, we don't have a consensus on those, so let's move, let's move on to number six, East End District Transformation, page 21 of the budget. Oh, that's Ms. Gray's. Okay. Uh, Ms. Brown, can you identify all of Ms. Gray's amendments? I just want—I just want to confirm I'm that the last—the last, the last uh, consensus was for items 38, 39, 44, 45, 48, 51, 52, and 53. Is yes. for the whole block. Yes. Council, Council President. Yes. Um, question for the City Attorney. Okay. Given that the city council is responsible for approving a budget, and given that there's this really quirky component of the charter that says that when a closed-out project occurs, that the administration can move those monies without council's approval at another time in the next 364 days, can we put a text amendment within the budget that requires the authorization if let's say this project that is saying it's going to be closed out in June that still has an available balance of over $5 million, um, that they would need to come back to the council to reappropriate it to another capital project. Because we have the ability to approve the budget. I, 
I'm not sure that I understand the scenario that you're suggesting. Um, what the charter permits is for the mayor to move leftover money from completed projects to what the charter calls incompleted projects. It does not suggest the possibility that council can uh, restrict that authority. Um, and so just off the top of my head, I would say that at a minimum you could demand some sort of reporting, but whether you could do more than reporting, in other words, reporting of the movement of funds from completed to incomplete. So um, let me I, I'm ask. Not sure that, I'm not sure that you'd be able to do so, that and I can the understand, language of the charter. I can understand what, it, what is classified as an incomplete um, item, but is there a way to then budget the CIP projects that put a ceiling of do not exceed on a project so that it would require the administration to come back to the city council if it wanted to exceed that appropriation because they at some point might deem that they could expand the scope of a project that we approved and add monies to it? Two parts. Um, first part is an appropriation for a specific purpose is already a cap on spending. Um, what this charter provision we're discussing allows is when the cap turns out in the real world not to be enough money to finish a project. Um, the real second issue, the real uh, problem is the definition of projects. Um, what you have right now is a description in the CIP book that's prepared by the administration and that, while it is not part of your action, uh, that description is evidence of what you intended to appropriate for that project. And if that language is written loosely, then it can be applied loosely later. Um, but we've run into the problem where we approve a budget and then that CIP description gets changed or when we make a, 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 an appropriation here that might not be a CIP item already, it gets written in a way that nobody on council has approved, so it becomes a new project with not an, a, a description. But, but I'll, Council President, I'm going to give up this line of inquiry with the city attorney, but I do have a question on a legality of the CIP budget and these limits, because in the budget that we received, it shows that the administration is carrying negative balances on capital projects meaning that they have overspent what was appropriated for that capital project. And I give an example of the Boulevard Redevelopment Preparation Project in which they've overspent by nearly $2 million. How is that within the guise of the council approving a CIP budget where, it, where the administration cannot overexpend? As general rule, as I said earlier, the appropriated amount is a cap, except in the case of moving funds from completed to incompleted project projects, 
there should be no additional spending. But without looking at the specific example that you're referring to and understanding not only what happened in the real world, but also what has been written down and given to you, I can't give you a definitive answer. I'll be happy to try to figure it out, but I can't do much more than give you the general rules right now. That's fine. I, I just don't understand how we can be carrying a deficit in a capital project. Thank you. Okay. Let's see. We're at number, um, uh, let's see, at number six, which was Miss Gray's. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, items number six, seven, eight, nine, and ten were all Miss Gray's. Ten. Okay, uh, the uh, number 14. All right. Uh, let me begin this by saying that there was no money whatsoever allocated uh, to my district, none. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, several of uh, not several. My constituents uh, pretty disappointed by that. Uh, can ride around, folks, and show you plenty of potholes uh, all over various neighborhoods. So this particular um, security upgrades might have been identified by the Department of Homeland Security, but they weren't funded by them. This is a relatively new courthouse that uh, doesn't have nearly the issues that our other courthouses have. So uh, I'm asking that we look at this item uh, as a possible way to create some funds within our CIP budget that can be distributed to other issues. Okay, number 14. Okay, the, uh, I'm sorry, thank you. Um, so we, we had, I'm sorry, let me finish here. Uh, we had $6,000 in this project. I'm sorry, here, um, you can't hear me. The original plan CIP for FY19 had $6,000 for this project. The mayor proposed an increase of 266000 project has approximately $1 million prior year funds available that have not been spent. So I'm asking for uh, $250,000 of that money uh, that basically the increase that the mayor had proposed, uh, 266, I'm asking for 250 of that back. And remember that there was 6,000 in there a year ago. Okay. The clock's just started running, so I guess my two minutes here aren't really reflective of what I did. But uh, so I'll quit talking on this one. Uh, is there any other council member that has any uh, questions, comments about this one? Are you speaking to number 14 now? Yes, I am. This so, is my um, amendment, Mr. and I'm asking. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, 
I know that we all would like to find some money in the CIP budget. I certainly would. I mean, you're right. We got potholes all over the place, and streets need to be paved. But if we recall, just a couple of years ago, we had to move kids from this facility because of security measures. Um, the 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 juvenile detention center, um, and at that time. There was significant information that the lack of funding that had been actually put in the courts building um, was another major issue that we had. And so we are to the stage now that we can see, even with the funding that we have in the out years, that there still remains a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and I would hope that we could find somewhere else to consider cutting the budget um, uh, okay. to I find $250,000, Mr. President. Uh, I'm sorry, do we have a comment here relative to this cut? Good afternoon, Don Summers, Chief Capital Project Manager, members of council. One of the efforts that we have made as a department is to meet with each of the clerks at the courts and to uh, make sure we understand what their exact needs are going forward into each year. And uh, I'm going to introduce uh, my project manager who has started that initiative and has met with each of the courts. And uh, he'll outline for you exactly what the programs are for each court. And okay. that way we are all on like the same page with I'm, the court. I'm sorry. And I'd like for that to be, I appreciate, pardon me for interrupting. I'd like for us to address just this court building as we're, as we're discussing it. And I'd like to hear if there's indeed a million dollars sitting in a budget line item that has not been spent. Um, good afternoon. Uh, afternoon. Lacey Salamone, Capital Project Manager for DPW. Uh, when I checked last week in our Rapids financial system, I was only seeing for, all, for the Oliver Hill Courts building about $423,000 remaining in that budget. So it was not a million. Um, and then, like, like we were saying, this is to keep, keep the building going for the infrastructure. Uh, we have security concerns. We have a whole program for the building that that's what this, this project's trying to take care of. Okay. Uh, at the time the budget was done, have we spent $557,000 since I appreciate that, you know, we made things change. I'm just trying to figure out where we got this million dollars from. Well, I know where we got it from. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, well, yeah, is that money We just started a project in the building. Okay. Um, kind of what we're calling our phase two security improvements. So out of that project, I, I don't have the dollars in front of me. It was a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that would have been a recent encumbrance to, to start that would have taken that do, you know, those dollars down. Okay. Mr. Vincent, thank you. Did you have anything on this? No? Okay. Uh, this is the newest court building that we have, I believe, maybe – the Manchester court building is a little younger than this, but Lord knows we've got one across the street. Uh, the Marshall courts building that 
It's in a lot worse shape than this one, uh, according to George, excuse me, Judge Storm Beglin. Uh, so I would ask that, you know, we spread this around a little. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we all should wait until they get to that position, but uh, so do we have a consensus on this line item? All right, let's move on to the next one. Police headquarters. Uh, the original planned CIP budget for this project was 11000 and we have 450000 allocated in uh, fiscal year 22. The mayor included $250,000 in year 20 and 155 in 21. This project has currently $105 million in prior funding available. So have we Yes, Don Summers, Chief Capital yes, Project sir. Manager. Uh, one of the efforts that we have been making is to understand the difference between preventative maintenance versus emergency maintenance and have identified uh, in a program with each of these stakeholders um, items that we are seeing in life cycle starting to weigh on us and um, it's very similar to us taking our car and we realize, hey, we're due an oil change within the next 2,000 miles, and we choose to keep going for 10,000 miles before we change the oil. So it's important that we understand the difference between the preventative maintenance and follow that program so that in the end, we end up spending less dollars. If we continue to defer important items, in this case in the police, headquarters building, uh, some HVAC upgrades, along with some lighting upgrades. Uh, again, we're deferring, and before long, guess what? It becomes an emergency maintenance. So that's, I think, has been identified by facilities uh, for us, and that's what we have uh, in front of us today. So, Okay. <clears throat> All right, I don't want to belabor this one here, Mr. Agilasto. So, Mr. Summers, when you did this study for preventative maintenance and you're making recommendations in the city's CIP, how do you rank the city buildings and needs compared to the schools? Because right now the school budget for maintenance on 44 buildings is $1.5 million in next fiscal year. And you're saying we need this for prevention, but clearly we're into the emergency phase with some of these school buildings. So how do you then take what you look at from the city's capital budget and compare it to the schools? I would say the city is way behind the curve right now in terms of preventative maintenance. The industry standard would be roughly 80% of your um, maintenance ought to be preventative maintenance. 15 to 20 percent ought to be emergency. We are roughly at about 50 percent of emergency maintenance right now. And we're trying to deal with that, uh, identifying going forward life cycles that would be coming at us. And uh, we're doing the best we can with it. It was in the audit reports as well. And so that's what we're saying and putting in front of you is items that we're seeing as preventative maintenance now but if we keep putting it off, it, so it becomes emergency. If, if I may circle back to my question, how do you then compare 
if we're at 50% emergency, how do you compare that to the schools? Are the schools at 50 as well, or are the schools at 60? I mean, how do you then prioritize this project versus another project that is still something that is in the city's obligation to fund? Um, good afternoon, Council. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. Uh, with regards to schools, schools maintain their, their own locations, their own facilities, as you well know, um, and we have our facilities that we have to maintain. What we're trying to do is to make sure that our facilities and that our infrastructure is maintained in accordance to the way that it needs to be in order to house our employees. We've been preaching about infrastructure not only within the public right-of-way for quite some time, and so have all of you all, but also with regards to our buildings. And this, these dollars are utilized in order to make sure that we do that. Okay. Ms. Larson, we are 50 seconds away from trying to wrap this one up, but go ahead. Okay. So when I was on the school board, we had a, a list of maintenance priorities um, which it sounds like Mr. Summers is, is talking about that we have some sort of structure like that for the city. And if we do, can I see it? What we had when I was on the school board was a spreadsheet. And it, I mean, the top 10 things were like things that could break any second. Mm -hmm. um, if we have that, I'd really like to see it because. I don't get that sort of clarity looking at the budget book, and it would be helpful in, in doing this work. Right now, we are in the process of going through an engineering evaluation with facilities engineering and associates, and we're putting in together a master plan for all of our facilities uh, with regards to that um, the Department of Public Works maintains, and all of the equipment, the age, um, the condition of the building, everything was in the process of being assessed. We anticipate having that report by the end of this year. That way we would be able to prioritize better some of the issues that we have currently going on within our facilities. And that's all city facilities or just DPW? That's everything that we, the Department of Public Works, has to maintain, which includes everything dealing with general services for the city of Richmond. Okay. We have approximately 81 facilities that we maintain. Okay. That does not include school facilities. Does it include police, fire? Yes, ma'am. Does it include police, par fire. parks? Yes, ma'am, police and fire. It does, in fact, include. Park park structures? No, ma'am. Okay. Parks is taken care of by recreation and parks. Okay. Okay. We have consensus on this item. Three, four, five. Thank you. All right. Uh, Number two, number two, I'm sorry. What, number 14 on the main list uh, has been approved. Number um, 16 on the other list, this is me as well, street lighting LED conversion. Mayor's proposed budget included approximately $1.4 for this project. Project currently has 500000 in prior funding available, and it is proposed to reduce the mayor's funding of $1.4 million which would still leave a million dollars for this project, which is a significant amount of money. I'm asking for 400 of that 1.4 million. Uh, have any? Okay, so I introduce that, Mr. Uh, Addison. Got that done in 10 seconds. Go ahead. All right, I'll do it my quickest. I have needs for more streetlights and conversion of old ones that are ballasts that are out that do not technically work in my district. I have complaints about lack of streetlights, so for me, 
Um, it's going to be hard to support a reduction of a budget that I've been asking for more funding for and have had very, very, very minimal ability to get things done in terms of protecting um, the visibility at night for keeping my district safe because that was one of the key issues and complaints during the campaign and over the last year has been rising, you know, petty crime going on in my district with in regards to cars has been related to lack of streetlights. And even if we do a new camera aspect for security from home properties, if the streets aren't lit at night, you can't see anything to record anyway. So it's not going to do much good to help with evidence. So for me, I have a hard time supporting a reduction of a budget. That's a big priority for me. Thank you. Uh, one follow-up here, Mr. Addison. Do we know where these lights are going in? That if we were to spend all of this $1.4 million, how many of them would go in your district? Have you been told that information? I have inquired about certain projects in the pipeline that have been in the works for a while. So in specifics, no, in terms of exact locations, but I do know that they are in process with that, those funds and others well, throughout the... Well, maybe the administration can... can address that issue. Ms. Trammell. I think there needs to be more funding for street lighting because I know just Saturday night I was over there on Grant Lake, which is off of Dorset Road, and I took the pictures and I gave them to Mr. Scott. I sent them to him Saturday night, probably about 11 p.m., where they were telling that senior that she lives in Chesterfield. She does not live in Chesterfield. She lives in my district in the city. And then also in Belmont Woods, they have lights that are out. And it's like, I mean, it's like Andrea said, we need in some of these neighborhoods that are like with crime or whatever, and then some that are not with crime, you need you need more street lights so that I guess um, the criminals don't want to do crime if they see light, you know, the streets that are lit up. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you for always helping me, Mr. Scott. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Ms. Larson. Um, so I appreciate the input from my colleagues, but uh, my question is with this budget line item that we're talking about reducing even fund what they're looking for because I think they're talking about new streetlights and my understanding is this is for LED conversion so it takes an existing streetlight and converts it to LED and I think what you all are unless that's what you're trying to are you trying to add new streetlights you're Both. trying to I have existing ones that are just not working very, they're very infrequent. They go out a lot. Okay. So I, the old ballast ones that are trying to be converted to the new LED is okay. what I was explained. So it's not actually There's a light putting there already. up a new structure. There's a light already there. Okay. They're just and not, they don't they're work. ones that are maintained by the city and not Dominion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're on the street. The ones in the, usually in the alleys or back parts are Dominion, from what I understand, from what I've been explained. Okay. Thank you. Um, any further discussion on this? Uh, I will add that instead of tripling this budget from 500000 I'm asking that we only double it. Uh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Good Not afternoon. My name is Al Scott. I'm the deputy for Gas and Streetlights. And what we're doing right now, we're in the midst of completing our streetlight, um, LED light uh, program study, which we incorporate, think we have it done by the end of June. Once we finish that study, then we'll start spending those funds to take care of these lights. Once we sit down with the administration to determine what areas we're going to do uh, first. So that's what these funds are going to be done. So $500,000 the first year, 
is only going to get me so far, and then in FY20, we figured we'd be exhausting the rest of those funds. So if you take that, they're going to slow down this replacement program. So did I hear that we've only been studying this so that if we hadn't funded this at all last year, we'd kind of be where we are now? Well, uh, the reason we, we are behind the schedule because we're working with uh, Virginia Tech to help us with this uh, pilot program to study lights. We do have lights that we're doing surveys on to get the public opinion and the police department opinion what they think about the lights. We were just out about a month ago with the police department on uh, Jeff Davis looking at the lights, and they really like what these lights are going to bring to the public and how it's going to make the, uh, everything look more brighter at night. Okay, thank you. Ms. Larson. So with the, the 1.4 that you're proposed in the budget, um, what percentage of the streetlights in the city would you be able to convert with that amount of money? Well, well, once we uh, finish the program and we determine which fixtures we're going to utilize, then we can determine how many lights we'll be able to do uh, throughout the year. But do you know how much $1.4 million buys you in LED conversions? No, not right now. Like, if we we were going to convert the entire city, how much would that cost us? Well, uh, we won't know that, but also we're going to start with our substations first because with the inrush of the lights coming on at night, uh, it's going to put an undue justice uh, exposure on our substations. So right now we're doing one of the substations as we uh, start working on a program with VCU. So we're going to do substation first and then come back and do lights. Okay. Do you know how many lights you did with the half million? I know you're piloting it in, in two spots in my district. Yes. But I don't know how much those pilots cost. And I think maybe it was piloted in some other areas. Was it piloted in other areas of yes, the city was. as well? Okay. Yes. Uh, Southside, in your district, we did a couple of alleys, mm-hmm. and we did something off of uh, Brook Road. So, like, but how right many, now, th- how those, many funds, lights? those lights that we put out came out of, out of my O&M budget and not out of CIP. Okay. But I... I mean, don't you guys got to know like how much it costs for to convert one one? I can get you that information. <laughs> I, I can get that for you. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Okay, until we get that information, I'd like to supplace holder uh, if we could. You know, we can always take some of it back, but let's. We got to start somewhere. This is one million dollars that we're leaving in here which is double what we had last year. I got a line, I got a feeling we're not doubling other line items. I haven't gotten down to that level yet, but we're doubling it. I'm asking that we not increase it by 180% approximately. So, we have any consensus on this one? Two. Nope. Three. Going once. All right. Okay. I hope there's some LED lights out next year. (laughs) So, uh, all right. I believe I'm, am I finished here? All right. But you know what I mean. I'm done with, I'm done with my uh, reductions. Thank you very much, Ms. Brown.
number 24 vehicle replacement. Can someone own that one? Is that Ms. Larson? Okay. Do you want me to? Yes, please uh, go ahead and throw out your argument here. We've got written from My the administration. My argument is there's a lot of money in the balance and a significant amount of money being proposed. Um, last year with the, the, um, the trucks we bought for the new brush and bulk, we used some of the fund balance money to do that. Um, so I, I, I think we can reduce this by a half million dollars without it impacting the city in a significant way. I mean, we, when we got our budget book, there was a balance of, if I'm reading this right, $28 million? Is that correct? No. That's the total project. Um, but there's 4.3 proposed for this year, and I'm looking at taking a half million of that. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. When we submitted the balances to you uh, at the end of February with the budget, there was $3.1 million available in this program, and all of those dollars have been committed by um, orders on vehicles. This is a mistake um, in the budget document about prior available balances. There was 3.1 available on February the 28th. And we have confirmed with the department that all the vehicles are on order and those dollars will be spent. So today there's zero dollars available from prior year. Okay, thanks for that update. I'd still like to move forward with taking a half million out of the proposed fiscal year. All right, any questions, comments about that? like we don't have any. I uh, think we heard, did we not hear from the no. administration? No. Good afternoon. I'm Bobby Benson, Director of Public Works. Um, with regards to the impact of the removal of $500,000 from the procurement of vehicles, um, $500,000 uh, will certainly impact public safety. Uh, we're in the process of trying to procure a fire truck. It would also impact police where we need to purchase new vehicles. It would also impact um, solid waste um, in a very significant way with regards to trucks that need to be procured as well. So the $500,000, it would have a significant impact on the um, ability to, to procure fleet. Okay, thank you. Lenore Reed, DCAO for Finance and Administration. What I heard uh, Ms. Cheatham say is that the funds have been committed and or encumbered. If those funds are already encumbered, then that's a contract with the vendor, and we will not be able to. You can reduce the funds, but we will have to find another source to cover that because those funds are no longer available once they're encumbered. And so we would have to determine if those funds are encumbered, and then that means we have a legal contract with those vendors for those vehicles. Okay. Miss uh, Reed? But yes, ma'am. I'm talking about taking the, the half million from the pr proposed amount. 
Absolutely, and if that's available, I just heard Ms. Cheatham say that all of those funds were, and I just wanted to make it clear for council, if the funds are not encumbered, then they are needed but are but available. We can't encumber on a budget that hasn't been approved yet, right? I just wanted to make a comment based on what I heard to make for clarification. But absolutely, that should not be the case. But what I heard Ms. Cheatham say, that those funds were encumbered. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you, Ms. Reed. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Robertson, do you have a question? I want to follow up on that because whereas I support any funds being encumbered in the current year where the appropriation has been made in previous budgets, but it, we do need to be certain that we are not encumbering funds in a from, for the next year's proposed budget. So I understand that the budget, current year's budget may be completely exhausted by incumbents, but not for the proposed budget yeah. as before us. If I may, Jay Brown, um, you are correct. Um, if I may provide a, or try to attempt to bring a little bit more clarity, um, the statement that was made was more about the prior balances in terms of that not being available because those have already been committed. But you are correct. The funding that's in the proposed budget that has not been adopted yet is not committed yet. But you've heard the impact statements from um, the Director of Public Works and how that would have implications to public public safety as well as to um, operations, as well as to our employees as well. So yes, you are correct. Councilwoman Robertson and Larson, yes. Yes, uh, yes, Ms. Larson. Okay, I'd just like to make one more point to my colleagues. So if we're looking at um, what we adopted last year, it was 2.3, and we're looking at what is proposed this year, it's 1.1 more than that, that's a significant increase. Um, so I, I think what we've looked at so far in terms of CIP funds we can access, there haven't, there, there's a lot that is tied up in, in local matches and this isn't. So I'm not talking about wiping out a budget, I'm talking about taking half of um, a million dollar increase on a what was the base of 2.3 million. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Do we have uh, consensus on this one? Okay, one, two, three, four. Um, okay, looks like that one fell fell short. Miss um, Gray. <laughs> coming back here, do we know? Okay. All right. Uh, number 25, Streetlight Special for uh, the Fan District. Is that, is that Ms. Gray? Ms. President. I'm sorry, number 25. No, that is Councilwoman Larson. Okay. You ready? Oh, please go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So um, 
the thing that caught my eye about this project was the large balance. Um, I have nothing against special street lighting. I think it's lovely. But there's a $3.4 million balance that we're carrying. Um, and so I thought we should spend down that balance before we allocate more money to this project. Okay. And Councilor President here want to. Oh, yeah, um, before Ms. Gray left, she did ask that I speak up on this okay. item um, because last year was the first year in the budget that they consolidated all of the different neighborhood special lighting projects into one. And so it appears that there's a large balance. Um, I think that they've been tracking each of the neighborhoods separately. And she was very concerned uh, that eliminating the 300,000 would essentially eliminate um, the appropriation that has been going into the fan lighting program specifically, uh, and that that project has been underway since Tim Kaine was mayor <laughs> and is very slow. And it's the trickle effect, and they just plead not to cut them anymore. Um, and I believe that they're supposed to be working to install the next phase uh, fairly soon. I know there's been a lot of back and forth um, on that project, but I, I voiced that since Ms. Gray asked me to um, when she left. Okay. So Thank you. Can, I, can yes. I ask a question? Uh, Ms. Larson. Oh, Council, Councilwoman Robertson wants me to ask if it's going to be converted to LED. <laughs> 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 Some of it will. Uh, Alpha Scott, uh, Deputy Director for Street Lights and Gas. And uh, what part of the issue we had was uh, trying to get the street light poles uh, because I don't have a contract. So we're going back to the contractor who's going to do this project to get him to order the poles and start this next phase of this project during that time period. Okay. So this is moving forward. Yes. It's just, I mean, we are we gonna, we're going to spend this $3 million? Yes, ma'am. We're okay. going to spend the money. And like I say, we didn't have a contract to buy the poles, so we're going back to the contract to get him to do the, order the poles and store the poles and then install the next phase. Okay. All right. I'll withdraw this reduction. Thank you. Okay. Number 36, Jocko Revitalization Strategy Plan Implementation, page 38 in the budget. Uh, Ms. Larson's this one. Okay, yours as this well. is my last one. No, I, I'm sorry. Uh, item number 36. The next one is Councilman Ad, uh, Agilestos. I'm sorry. This was okay. Did this was this both? Uh, no, it's Mr. Agilasto. Yeah, this is just Councilman Agilastos. Okay, Mr. Agilasto. I believe it was sorry, documented that this was yours on the boulevard. No, this is uh, the Main Street Station. Uh, okay, I thought the there was Shaco another revitalization strategy plan. I'm sorry, the administration. I thought we had a $1.2 million reduction that had not been discussed yet that was associated with the boulevard, and it was labeled as Ms. Larson's. Is that not the one that we're doing? We're going in the order of the... Um, the impact statements, and so Ms. Larson's next one isn't for a couple more pages, okay. so this one is Councilman Angelus. That's fine. Thank you. So we're on to the Main Street Station one? Well, it's Shaco Revitalization is what it's referred to. Oh, okay. 
Thank That's you. Number thirty-six. So the the sh this was um, appeared in the budget as a new um, allocation. If you will give me one second, um, if I can get to the page. Okay, this was for an additional three hundred thousand um, dollars, and for everything that I can assess, much of the work down here has already kind of been budgeted. What I see specifically is that the 300000 is going to fund a new phase, which is converting the seaboard airline building into essentially a police station of sorts. Um, and what I don't understand is why we need a $300,000 line item specifically to accomplish that uh, when there has been, and this is a new line item, mind you, uh, when there has been already so much additional work in the area, and if you've just spent 90-some million dollars on Main Street Station, why couldn't there have been uh, a police presence contemplated within this huge investment, and now we're coming back to do another phase that, you know, if there's a master plan, I, I would appreciate seeing it. I know that this has been put into the strategy plan, but again, it was not in the budget um, in any year that I've been on city council. So all of a sudden it has appeared, and it's now appeared as a major priority to be put in for the FY19. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Uh, Will Smith, Chief of Staff, Police. Uh, Mr. Agilesto, this is an additional uh, addendum to the initial uh, budget proposal, and it is put in in support of what we see is going on in the bottom. We know that uh, Main Street Station is developing into a larger area that's going to have festivals and a lot more activities that occur within the bottom. We certainly see the activities within the bottom as it currently sits as a significant impact on police resources in terms of both visitation, residential, and commercial properties that exist there now, as well as the things that we see in the future. So that is the purpose of this substation, is to enhance the visibility and enhance our support and activities within this commercial and residential neighborhood. And it is, I know the next question is, there's no, there's no matching state, there's no matching federal, it's, it is 100% city funds. It's 100% city you. funds, and it's being used to renovate a building when we have just spent $90 million to renovate the adjacent building, and we have the 17th Street market that we've spent however much, and this just seems to be a new concept that is being thrust rather than being part of that larger vision and that plan. And if, from my knowledge, there's plenty of vacant space in Main Street Station, could the police not have a presence within that building? Part of this uh, is to ensure that we have the correct technology coming in to the, into the facility. So when we look at this facility, we look at it in terms of being able to access a lot of the camera systems that we envision that are currently being planned to be put in place in the bottom. Um, so there are some technological components that are unique uh, to this request. Uh, also, Jeannie. I will ask Jeannie Welliver. I'm not going to put her on a hot spot, but um, would you care to comment on the differentiation between 
the existing space and what we plan, or, or maybe not. No, 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 no. Um, the the existing um, building, the Seaboard Building. This is a portion of the Seaboard Building that actually has an area that is separate and restricted from any other um, operation but the police. It also sits on the Virginia Capitol Trail. It ha- is right along the breezeway through the bottom, so it has a police presence next to our Amtrak station and to support all of the other um, activity in the bottom. So I, we think it's a, it's a light investment to achieve a police substation presence because it's rehabbing an existing structure. Thank you. All right. Any other questions, comments? We have a consensus on this item. Looks like we've got uh, no consensus on this one. Let's move on to the next item. Next item uh, is a reduction. There, this was an increase to um, improvements to the Richmond Ambulance Authority. Um, and if you give me a second, I will try to pull it up again. Essentially, the the main concern being again that we are making new investments in buildings um, and continue to. Uh, not provide for the needs of other older facilities. Um, And again, this is a brand new uh, budget uh, proposal for FY19. It had not been previously in the budget, and all of a sudden it's an emergency that it be put into next year's budget and not in a five-year plan. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto. Any comments about this one? Okay. Mr. Decker, how are you? Always good to see you. Good evening. Chip Decker, CEO of Richmond Amherst Authority. Um, This is one of the steps to finish this building that was uh, built in 1998. And uh, it was originally drawn, and if you visualize the building... There's a, they call it a ready shed, I call it a carport, that all the ambulances sit under. It was originally drawn in, uh, to be built in 98 uh, in three sections. Due to a budget cut then, it was uh, only two sections of it were built. And uh, I've been trying for the last eight years uh, <laughs> to get this, and it has been coming along uh, through the budget for the last uh, eight years. This is the last part of what it would take to do the parking lot and the other, uh, basically, (laughs) finish building the building as it was supposed to be in 98. Um, And so what it would do for us is I've got uh, a couple million dollars of assets that are sitting out in the weather, namely ambulances. And so this would just allow us to, uh, you know, get the ambulances out of the the weather, more opportunities to plug them in because that uh, uh, you know would would protect a, a, an already existing city investment. So, so yeah, a 98 building. We're just going to try and finish building it a couple of years later. 
So it's a, all of a sudden it's a new CIP item for next year, $385,000, and I hear you saying it, it's to build a carport. We, That's what I hear, and frankly, when I hear about mold and when I hear about problems in our schools that are affecting the actual health of human beings, I cannot imagine that we would prioritize the limited CIP dollars that we have to build a carport. And I understand you, you say we've got the assets, and I, I don't disagree with you, but if I had to prioritize, again, a carport would be a very low priority if we only have so much dollars to spend. Don Summers, Chief Capital Project Manager. Um, the project was bid out last year as a two-part. Uh, first phase was the item identified by DEQ, which is site work uh, improvements to the rear of the property for prop, uh, parking. Uh, and that was accomplished, uh, but when the bids came in, uh, the canopies, which was the second part of the project, came in over budget. And so what we did, we evaluated uh, the canopy bids and elected to go through a VE process just on the canopies. We know we've got enough money currently available to do two of the canopies, and what we requested in this particular appropriation request is for the other two canopies. And looking at a value to scale uh, of bidding out all four at one time is what we were analyzing. And so the 385 would be the balance to go with what is available, which is, I think, 485 roughly, plus or minus. But uh, the 385 with that would allow us to do all four canopies based on the current estimate we have from the designers. So, so that's the uh, request. So, yeah, I've got um, a cost of one ambulance is, is the, the cost of finishing this project. It, it's, been, it's been kind of piecemealed over the years as, as cost overrun. So, yeah, I, I, there is an investment in these emergency vehicles, and they, they need to be ready to go at a, a moment's notice. They need to be plugged in. And they, you know, I know I can't afford to put everything inside, but we should at least try and keep them out of the weather. That's, that's what we're asking for. Thank you, Mr. Decker. Is there uh, any consensus on this issue? One, two, three, four. Going once, going twice. Okay. Looks like there's no consensus to that. I, I appreciate Mr. Uh, Decker, that we did um, cut your funding one year, uh, and so I appreciate your efforts uh, on that. Uh, number 40, City Hall Emergency Generator, Electrical Upgrades. Uh, this one, when, when going through the budget book, it appeared that the significant work uh, for this item had been uh, completed. Okay, is anybody um, here to address this? Budget page is under active projects, page 18. Prior year funding, prior year available. Looks like the project should technically be closed out, and it 
has no additional dollars coming into it for the next five years, and this is $50,000 of residual cash from an earlier appropriation of $2.2 million. Yep. Uh, Lacey Salmon, Capital Project Manager for DPW. Uh, this project was a two-part project. Uh, we've already installed the redundant generator on this portion. Um, the second part of this project is to install redundant electric um, electric capability for data center here at City Hall. Uh, currently, we're about 60% through with that portion of the project. Um, so we still have a little ways to go. So we are asking to keep the money intact so we can finish the project. And so can you explain to me exactly how the cash is being used? This is electrical wiring? We're, we're rewiring the data center to have redundant power for the data center. Okay. I can understand that. I guess one question is why are we borrowing? I mean, is rewiring not a standard operational expenditure? At this point, I mean, you, you make your big investment in a new generator, and now you're actually just trying to connect existing infrastructure. Does that have to be a capital project that takes out 20-year bonds? Yeah, yes. Yes, it, the, the project is we're rewiring. Uh, I, hopefully I'm making myself clear. We're rewiring the data center, so we're completely, all the data racks are essentially getting the two power sources um, for a true redundancy in the data center. Okay. Have uh, consensus on this item? Okay. Just, just real quick, Mr. President, I'm yes, sorry. Sir. So you're saying we need the 50000 or the project stops? The, uh, I'm, I'm just sorry. trying to follow. I'm sorry. And I, I, just a great yes or no. The, well, we're still in the middle of the project, so we don't know what we're going to run into. We're only about 60% through so, with the project. So 50000 is going to stop or keep it going? Just yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. We do need the money, yes, to keep it going. Okay. Can I just ask one question about the progress of this? So according to the CIP budget, it says through FY 2011, which was seven years ago, 50% of all the electrical power had been replaced. Now, seven years later, we're at 60%. And the remaining $50,000 out of a $2.2 million budget is going to get us the extra 40%? Yeah, so when, when we went through the major infrastructure project that you're referring to, one of the things that was identified is that there was no redundancy on the uh, generator system to back up the batteries for DIT. And so uh, that's the purpose of the generator project. But then also what was identified by DIT was the wiring infrastructure within DIT for redundancy to the servers. Clearly it's an important capital project. I'm not trying to kill the capital project. What I guess I'm concerned about is when I read a CIP project that has dates of 2008 and 2011, and we are talking about the FY 2019 budget, and there is literally 4% of what was previously allocated left, it doesn't make any sense that this project has dragged on this long at this stage. And if it, if it is taking that long, is it, is it because we haven't given it more money? 
or is it because it's just a manpower issue? And it p- appears to me that this is wiring and it's about electricians and manpower, but I'm going to drop it. It's $50,000. It's not worth the time talking about anymore for this conversation. I just asked my colleagues to, and, and we can move on. Thank you, Mr. Agilesto. Uh Let's see. I'm sorry, we already went through that, but we can go through it again. Okay. If we could, I was still trying to ask a question. Okay, I thought present, we had so four I votes apologize, here. Parker. I'm sorry. Consensus on this one. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we've got some consensus on that one. Okay, $50,000. We're on our way. <laughs> got to give some levity to this here. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. Number 41, Coliseum Restoration. All right, I guess I, I get to speak the most today because I put in all these things just to find monies for schools and for roads and sidewalks. Um, this is the Coliseum. I think it's no surprise that there's an RFP with a response to replace the Coliseum. Um, we still have some debt outstanding on the Coliseum. This essentially would be an appropriation to do more work on a Coliseum and issue more debt on a coliseum that we're potentially going to replace. And one thing I know for sure is why would we issue debt on something that we're about to get rid of? Maybe, you, maybe we're not. I don't know. All right. Any questions from members, administration? Okay. Yes. Okay. We're, we'll have a... Don Summers, Chief Capital Project Manager. That's a question we can't answer. But what we are faced with is moving forward with a building that we're not sure what the timeline is. And we've identified, as we said before, some preventative maintenance issues. And in this case, the uh, tunnel uh, exhaust fans are at a life cycle issue. And so that's what these funds are for, for rework of those exhaust fans. Okay. Thank you. Do we have con- any questions so, on this one? Do I hear a consensus? It's the exhaust fans that serve the tunnel Sorry. for carbon monoxide. Okay. Thank you. Consensus to cut this one? One, two, three, four. Going once. Going twice. Okay. One, two, three, four. You know... I'm sorry, I have to comment on this. We're getting ready to get rid of this building. Uh, or maybe not, but what are we really doing here? Uh, you know, we cannot spend this money with our schools in disarray. Okay? or so I don't know how many systems we could replace because we're going to put money into an obsolete building. We had a vote on it. Let's move on to the next one. Mr. President... Yes. We could go down the line and use every one of these for the schools and not pass, just do away with everything. Because right now we know how many millions and millions and millions of dollars that the schools need. So to stop all this, you know, what we're doing, maybe we should just wipe it all clean and just say, hey, nobody gets nothing. And that includes all of us, too, and just give it all to the schools, especially since they won't even tell us how they're spending the money. I, I appreciate that, Ms. Trammell, and that was the low-hanging fruit to which I referred about the schools. We've got plenty of projects in our districts that could use 660 
$1,000. And I, I think that your point is absolutely right, and you voted for this reduction. And so I, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I did just, like, yank at the schools, but... But there, I'm sure there are $660,000 that you could use in your district. Yes. And I can't believe that we're putting money into a building. I understand that. I'm just the, the vote has been made. If we can oh, keep right, going, this, there's no sense in I, wasting okay, everybody's Parker, time. You, you know, you, it's all right for you to say what you want to say. But every time today, every time I say something, you jump me now. I don't I'm not trying to jump, Let's, but the vote has been. It's, 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 I know, and it's water under the bridge. So if we could keep moving. Um, Ms. Trammell, I do not want you to feel like you are shut down. Please, if you want to say something, please say something. That's all right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We can move on to the next item, uh, Grove Avenue. I'm sorry, Madam Vice President. Uh, I, I can appreciate that we are looking, uh, and I know we've consensed on this item, and I can appreciate that we're looking for funds for a variety of things, but this is about uh, people's lives. Because this is, we're not going to decision, I don't think we have a date specific on this RFP, which has a, a huge number of moving parts. In the meantime, we have people in this building who would be subjected to carbon monoxide and other kinds of fumes. And I think that is something in this interim period that we have to be vigilant about is the health and well-being of uh, our staff, of uh, visitors, citizens, et cetera. So, I know, yes, it's a big dollar amount, but at the same time, we don't have a date when this will be done. And our employees and uh, citizens must be safe during that period. Thank you. Grove Avenue, Libby Avenue. Yes, Mr. And, and Jones I here, and I, I don't want to beat this to death, but and please I'm, go. I'm not going to beat it to death. Yes, sir. Uh, my concern is, and I think I said the same thing last year, um, that any decrease we suggest, there is going to be a there's going to be a reason why given on every last one of these. It would be great if. There was some more vetting on some of these that we lift up. Here are our proposed reductions, and there's some discussion with administration in advance before we get to this point to see which ones make sense, which ones just don't. Um, in an effort to keep the city moving forward in an effort to make sure that projects are going to happen and take place because there is information that we're not getting or that we're not privy to. And it is a supreme waste of our time as a council. And my colleague has gone through a tremendous amount of work and I appreciate what you've done, Parker. No one else may say that I appreciate it, but to have us go through this process and just watch his, his time spent just, summarily dismissed, some with reason, some with not, or arguably. But again, I said this last year, if we're not going to be willing to, to make some tough decisions, then we have to ask ourselves, why are we going through this process? Because again, any decrease that we suggest, there is going to be a valid reason that it should not be decreased. And what I would like from my staff is kind of what I've received 
which ones are low hanging fruit? Which ones can we come in and pretty much make a strong case to walk away with? Uh, but I just, I just feel there, there needs to be some type of collaboration with, uh, with the administration, between staff, administration, and council, so we can go through this process a lot smoother. Because all I'm seeing is, is the work of my colleagues just dismissed, 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 dismissed by us, by each other, on the recommendation of the administration and the feedback of the administration, but it seems as if if there was some way we could have gotten the information and then made a decision about whether or not I wanted to, you know, advance this amendment, this budget amendment for CIP or whatever it is, it, it, it would seem to be more uh, uh, just a better use of our time. Because, again, came to me, asked me, I would come up with 15 excuses why I should keep the 50000 the 600000 and so on. Now with the vent, yes, that, that is a health concern. And that would have been great to understand up front that this is why we should not touch that. Um, and so, and, and I'm just saying this even before we get to ours, or to mine, rather. How do we work together with administration and council and council staff to get some of these handled? Because as it is right now, we're going to get very few of these handled in light of the amount of time that we expended in going through this. And that's my heartburn for my colleagues. When I, when I know the work that, you know, Councilwoman Larson, Agilesto have put into going, they didn't just haphazardly just say, let's go, let's take this, let's take this. And I don't want them to be viewed as, uh, 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 you know, adversarial towards administration. They're just doing their jobs as council members. And so, again, I appreciate the work that y'all put in uh, to looking at this. And so that, that, that's my two cents. I'm done. I've used my minute for about five different uh, <laughs> discussions. So thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Uh, Grove Council Avenue, Libby Avenue, Patterson. Council President, I think there was another one between the Coliseum and that. Um, we missed that one. Uh, yeah, I think it was the Commonwealth Gateway. Okay. Am I at line item 42? Am I on the wrong? Yes, but we're going in the order of the impact statements, so the next one is the Grove Avenue. Okay, thank you. The order that is here makes sense because it's in order of the budget book, so you can go from page to page to page. I don't know how the responses were given to us. So it's unfortunately, it's taking me a little bit longer to get to uh, these areas. I did speak to Andreas Addison about this um, because, frankly, it looked like it had been in the budget for a while with almost almost no progress having been made. And when you see these things linger in the budget, you do have to ask that question. Uh, I'm happy to withdraw this one. Thank you. Uh, number 47. Thanks. Let's see, who's the patron of this one? Tragilasto, are you the... Again, this one. Yeah, thank you. Again, this is one of those projects that has been lingering for quite a long time. Um, no monies have, um, well, I guess maybe 100000 has been spent. 
not exactly clear on what has been funded with this, but what I do know is I think there are, in fact, two or three capital projects that all deal with the same stretch of road. Hall Street between, frankly, Mayo Bridge and Commerce Road. And this is one of those three projects, and it appeared to be, frankly, a redundant one. Okay, any questions, comments on this one? Okay, yes, looks like uh, someone would like to hear from the administration. Good afternoon, Mr. President, Madam Vice President, members of Council, Mark Olinger, Director of Planning and Development Review. Um, this project is an older project that kind of landed on our doorstep a couple years ago when the budget manager at that time said, oh, this isn't an ECD project, this is PDR. We looked at what caused, what would be a good project for this stretch of Hull Street. Uh, we have heard a lot over the years about uh, public safety and darkness of the street lighting, so we decided to proceed with a street lighting project. Uh, there are other funds that will be coming for additional elements of the streetscape, but this would be an early start project because some of those other fundings for Whole Street don't happen for a couple years. Um, we have done the design. It's been fully vetted and, and approved by both Planning Commission Urban Design Committee. We've ordered a test light that will be shipped to us at the end of the eight of April for installation. Our hope is as soon as that test light goes in and we make sure it works, we go to um, implementing the rest of the project. These are about four-month lead times. And so my hope would be the end of 18, early part of 19, for us to begin to finish the rest of the lighting along this stretch of the road. So. There are other capital projects. This is one that will get started sooner rather than sooner than the others because the funding is available now and not in an out year. Thank you. Uh, more comments? Do we have any consensus on this one, Ms. Uh, Robertson? Yes. Um, uh, this, as uh, Mr. Olander has said, you know, this is something that we've been working on. This stretch, and there's been significant investment made by private developers in this area, um, and there have been lots of efforts to try to increase pedestrian traffic safety, including speeding uh, in that area. There have been requests for traffic signal to be added in, which is not in this budget, it appears, uh, but certainly... Um, as there are really are safety issues uh, in the stretch from uh, the Mayo Bridge up to Commerce. And so, and I do know that uh, not only has it the design work and the community have been engaged in the process of the lamps and, and the light, additional lightings and where, and it has gone through that full process and are just waiting to move to the next phase. Yes. Uh Mr. Agilasto. So I greatly appreciate that and, and why I first said that this was, in my view, redundant. There is a, another CIP item called Hall Street Streetscape, Mayo Bridge to 9th Street, that has a $4 million budget 
that is fully funded from smart scale funding, and that will be in FY 2022 to 2023. This $200,000 is 100% general obligation bonds. It's 100% city funded, whereas in just a matter of a few years, $4 million of smart scale money is going to fund the exact same work with the lighting and everything else. The designs can be approved. It's just a matter of when and how we pay for it. And I'm just asking my colleagues to recognize that we have received grant monies, and it's better to use grant monies when we can use them and free up our general obligation bonds for things that we cannot receive such funding for. Thank you. Any other comments? Do we have a consensus on this one? So, Mr. President. I'm sorry. Um, yes. We're, go ahead. This, this project has been, according to Mr. Algelesto, referred to a different project that he claims is double funding. Um, I need to know whether or not that's true. Does anyone want to address that one? Uh, In the absence of an answer, we have to assume that it is that it is double funding. Or uh, speaking for myself, Councilmember Agilisto, what page is that other project on? The the one that is smart scale funded is page sixty eight of transportation, and the older active project is on page. 44 of active projects. So the project on page 68 on the transportation Hall Street, Streetscape Mayo Bridge to 9th Street, is the one that you're making reference to that is double funding. Uh, it appears to be funding exactly the same initiatives. The, the old project is strictly for street lighting and why it didn't get lumped in with the fan and the carver and all the others in that street lighting that we were going to cut funding from. I don't know, but it does appear that street lighting is very much a part of the, the project uh, on page 69. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. Um, we'd like to look into that and get back with you um, about the specific streaks that the two projects encompass. Okay. I think this, they do say the same streak, but I don't think they cover... The, specific, the same blocks. Okay. You want to? Um, I'd like to get a consensus on this, and we can revisit it once we get back to this item. Or if we Why don't have a consensus on it, then we won't come Daniel back to Bridge it. Or work that they're going to do for that. Uh, do we have another session here to where we could look at this? Uh, at a later date. Okay, let's come back to this one then. Uh, so the question is, right, is is there uh, funding overlap in these two items uh, referred to? Uh, and I think we can get the answer on that. Stone Bistro, legal contractual agreements. Stone Bistro, let's see, that's number 54. Mr. Agilasto. 
Thank you, Council President. Again, we had to budget and balance our increases with our decreases. Uh, this clearly was a source of significant funding for my increases. And um, as I can articulate, because I don't think we've yet had a public hearing on the amendment to the Stone Brewing Project um, Performance Agreement, um, but it has been presented that they wish to turn uh, demolish the intermediate terminal building and build a, a facility that is half the square footage, which um, neither of those conditions were set in the original approval of the performance agreement with Stone Brewery. Um, I frankly don't believe that we need to subsidize uh, their new construction uh, if they want to change the terms of the performance agreement. Therefore, I've put in a reduction of that amount. To fund also schools, to fund also repaving and sidewalk repairs. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let me, the uh, Stone, uh, as I understand it here, has asked for an amendment to the agreement. Uh, would we, Mr. Jackson, would they, um, by requesting that change, you know, we're uh, it would be up to us to approve it or not. Um, if we say you've got to work with the building that you said you were going to work with, um, what? How does that work? As far as I mean, they're they're asking us for an exception where uh, you know they entered into this obligation. I would assume with clear mind. Uh, Mr. President, that raises uh, questions uh, about the consequences of um, of those of those actions that I think perhaps better would be discussed in a closed session involving legal advice. Okay. Fair enough. Yes. Well, we can. Uh, I guess we have to advertise for that, but let's look into that because, um, you know, I appreciate that Stone has has created the jobs, as I understand it, that were uh, that were promised with the with the brewery. Um, we couldn't limit those to City of Richmond residents, or at least uh, we could have, but I'm not sure that the that the original agreement would have been signed, uh, but. This is a, a change to the agreement, and so let's talk about this in the closed session. Ms. Uh, Vice President yeah. Newbill. Thank you, Mr. President. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to discuss it fully in closed session. Um, as you can imagine, with any older building and engineering study, while you might have at the onset some idea, a more comprehensive study will uh, suggests what you're really working with. And so once that uh, was concluded, there uh, was need for a request for uh, an amendment. And so look forward to the discussion in closed session. I think Mr. Um, Downey uh, is here as well who Absolutely. can speak. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Downey. I mean, we do want to have a closed session about this. Uh, matter upon the advice of the city attorney, but anything that you'd like to say which you feel like could be said in an open meeting, please yes. feel one, free to do so. 
One thing I'd like to state, and I um, brought this up last year in our budget session, it, the comment about creating reductions with increases, this $8 million does not go against the debt capacity. This $8 million is funded by Stone's lease payment. So this is not $8 million that you take away. Stone's not Stone is providing the payback of this. So it's not $8 million that comes out and goes to a different project. So okay. you take this out, you're taking the revenue out if the project doesn't happen. This is not $8 million you take out and put in schools. Okay. That's not the way, that's not the way that this, this will work. Right. So if you take this out, Fair it does enough. not have that right. net effect. These are revenue bonds, right, which are not counted against the city's debt obligation. So, uh, right. Uh, Council President. Yes. So uh, I, I understand, I, I do understand Mr. Downey's point. However, uh, nowhere on the CIP page does it actually say that these will be revenue bonds. And I know that that's uh, currently what we expect with Stone, but sh should, uh, should Stone five years from now have a, a troubled market uh, and they terminate their agreement, the city is still on the hook to pay back all that debt. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I articulate that in some ways uh, the bond uh, agencies do continue to look at these things, and uh, I just simply will leave it to the closed session to figure out how you all want to handle this. Great. Thank you. Uh, numbers 69 and 71, Customer Relationship Manager Program. Yes, this item is... Um, Councilman Jones, as well as CCOS staff, um, both recommended a portion of this funding. The project in the CIP book had approximately 949000 in prior year funds available. Um, and during the administration's presentation, this project was neither listed as a new existing or an active project. Um, furthermore, Council in September 2017 adopted an ordinance um, which accepted a gift from Avage Point, and that gift encompasses configuration, implementation, training, subscription licensing, and hosting for a new customer service uh, interaction system. And at the current time in the last quarterly um, CIP report, it basically indicated that at the current time, the majority of what's being charged to this account is to support a project manager. It also indicated that average point, uh, or once average point is launched, any fees associated with the original CRM system or project shall cease shortly after. And as the last time we received an update is that average point is expected to go live in July or August. And so we would be recommending using some of this funding um, to support council's projects. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Jones, you want to add anything? All right, great. Uh, council members, questions about this? I guess I'm concerned that we need, that we're funding a project manager out of CIP, uh, but please uh, go ahead, uh, Mr. Steidel. Yes, sir, Mr. President, uh, Bob Steidel, DCO for Operations. We think we can get here for you, Mr. Jones. Uh, we'd be happy to work with Council to, to further develop this over the next few days, and we think we can get there. It'll be very, very close. Um, I apologize. This should have been an active project for FY19. It will not finish to FY19 because we started the AF Point project. It'll actually bridge into 
the first quarter of the next fiscal year. So it should have shown as an active project. But um, if, if, if council needs to find some monies, we'll, we'll try to find a way to work with this very, very hard. Okay. Okay. So we're. I think what I heard you say was we could go uh, uh, with this cut, but that you would get back with us if you. If if if, if you. If you need this cut, please go ahead and, and do your consensus and let us just really get that really fine for you coming back to you, okay? Okay, great. Do we want to do a consensus on this one? I think we got... Can I we just got, get a point of yes. clarification? What is the correct amount? The um, combined amendment is 949582 so it's item 69 and 71. Combined, okay, thank you. All right. Uh, consensus on this one? Okay, there we go. Just, just, just uh, to be clear, it was the three hundred thousand dollars that the, the councilman asked for. No, this is. No, this is the whole nine forty-nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was working off his list. No, that most, most three hundred thousand is about what will be left over when the project is complete. Okay, so. All right. I, I, I think. I, I, I think take should, it that we're going to hear something about the other 649. Yes, I think, uh, I think you ought to go ahead and, and plan for the $300,000. I, I, I do have the numbers here to support the rest of it, so we'll be happy to share that with staff. Well, why don't we have a discussion here? Since we voted on a consensus, let's have a discussion about the whole amount when we come back together. Yeah, sorry, that wasn't we, we can put We can put this number, we, we can put this table together for you fairly quickly. I'm sorry? We can put this table together for you fairly quickly. If you would. Thank you. Yep. All right. Number five. So, Mr. President, are we saying that we're not going to take the 300 that's on the table? No, we're taking the whole 949, <laughs> and if we hear different, then we might reduce that cut. All right. Wonderful. Number five, planning and pre-development listed as completed project. Uh, that is Ms. Gray, so I take it that, that we're going to... Um, this was Councilman Addison. Um, oh, I believe during the administration's presentations, this was listed as a completed project, and this was uh, this balance was listed as the remaining funds, um, and there was no comment at that time that the funds were used for anything else. Okay, I'm sorry. The, the thing that we're looking at says number five. Okay. Yes, I understand we had a, just a typo, but it should okay, be for number that three. that should be number three. All right, so this project is complete. No funding uh, remaining. So, uh, Mr. Addison, is that why you put this one in? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, any discussion amongst members? Ma'am, please go ahead. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. The funding, the project was determined complete, and the funding has been transferred to another active project. Can you tell us which project? It was that the is? fire um, fire buildings project to deal with some of the issues in the fire stations. Okay. Did we have a? I know there was a potential reduction on that, and I can't remember call here which number it is but we did an impact statement on that but I understand the councilwoman gray with, withdrew her projects but we did give you an impact statement on the impact of taking the money away from the fire station buildings that was also. not allocated for that purpose 
in the beginning. I wouldn't have voted for this. I wouldn't have voted to take money away from the fire reconstruction, but then or fire station reconstruction, rehabilitation, how, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, that wasn't what this is. The budget as presented to us was that this was supposed to be planning and planning and pre-development. This, I'm sorry. So sorry. I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. So the money's not there. Correct. Well, it's of yeah. my mind that to go find it somewhere. So, so I'm going to vote for this reduction. Even if it has been reallocated, it needs to be found somewhere, is my opinion on that. I, I, would ret- I will draw my project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And you can reduce, we can remove the positive that goes with it. Right. So I guess we're out of balance now, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. Number 26, Boulevard Redevelopment. Thank you. Um, This project was also on the completed. What's that? It's Councilwoman Larson. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Sorry, Kristen. (laughs) It seems like something you could get behind, right? Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I mean, the sheet we had said that there was remaining funds. Okay. At the tune of one point two million. Right. Okay. Don Summers, Chief Capital Project Manager. If you recall, last year we, uh, at the time, stated that we were in a process of a phase one, phase two. Um, I think you were looking at phase two as a completed project, but phase one is still ongoing, and we're in the process of reconciling phase one and phase two currently right now because two months ago we made our last few payments to the contractor and we also had to go through a one-year cycle uh, as it related to the lead credit process and the lead credit was for the DPW uh, administration building and uh, that turned out to be a silver certified building but uh, we had to go through that one whole year before we could actually close uh, all the final phases. And in the reconciliation that we're seeing right now within the last few months is that the reconciling between phase one and phase two will show that they're pretty much balanced out uh, between phase one and phase two. And there's no funds available going forward in uh, what's being recognized as $1.2 million. Okay. Ms. Larson? And that, that was in our uh, response. Okay. Um, can I ask a point of clarity? Yes. The source of this document, the completed projects, that was our staff, right? No, that was part of the administration's presentation. Oh, okay, wonderful. So the administration said that these were completed projects with these remaining balances? Yes, sir. Okay. But now that we're trying to reappropriate these dollars, the, the same administration is telling us that they're not available. And what's the timing difference between when we received this as a response as part of their presentation and today? The listing that you are holding up is the listing of projects that they gave us uh, during the second quarter report, but also included in their presentation, I believe, on March the 19th. 
March the 19th. So within a month, we're getting a completely different story once we're trying to appropriate funds that we were told are completed projects. And, and frankly, I'm just going to go on a, a, a brief tangent here, but I think that that's totally inappropriate. I think it's unprofessional, and I can be called unprofessional, but I think that it's very poor form to report to the governing body completed projects with an amount authorized to, to then reallocate. And this is our opportunity to reallocate these dollars. And I, I applaud my colleagues for doing it based on information that we were provided. To then turn around and say, no, the information we provided you is wrong and we're going to reauthorize it ourselves is just undermining the authority of the city council. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Agilasto. And, you know, to the extent we can plug that loophole about reallocating these funds without this body opining on it, uh, I think we need to look into that. Uh, looks like there's no consensus to be had on number 26. So uh, Did we, let me say this here. Do we have any Was other there a call for consensus, that, President? I'm sorry. I didn't I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and do that, but I guess... What I'm saying is, do we have other projects where monies was, were transferred to the other one? Keep that in mind as we go forward. A consensus on number 26. Okay, we got four. Looks like we don't have five. Okay. Uh, President yes. Hilbert, can I just say yes. something to um, yes, Larson, please. add ahead. on to what Councilmember Agilesto was saying? So it is extremely frustrating that 30 days, I mean, this is not a lot of money that is listed here. And I had taken a significant amount of time to go through the budget and find dollars. And that's where I think we all need to dig deep. And every, every cut we're going to make the administration is going to ask us not to make it because it is their budget that they're putting forward and okay. they're 100% behind it, and I get it. And this is that time of year where we have to be adversarial. And going back to what I said earlier, we need to pave our roads. We need to fix our schools. We have a lot of priorities, and we're not being courageous to fund any of it. I don't... I mean, where are we on the running tally? Do we have a tally of what we've cut so far? Yeah. It's not high. So we've been here for two and a half hours, and we've, we've barely made a dent. Um, and I know everybody wants to do something. I mean, that's why we're here. So I think we discussed some things today that did not move forward that we need to go back and revisit. Not right now in this moment, but I, I'm hopeful that people are going to realize that we've got to make some big decisions on some of these things. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have a, let's see, a, we voted on the consensus for this one. That did not pass. Uh, number 42, Commonwealth Gateway Landscaping. Page 25 of the active projects. 
This is like this money. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mr. Agilis. <laughs> for for the sake of um, probably having a redundant conversation uh, in the capital improvement program budget, it states project was completed in August of 2015. Project closeout is pending. This project is almost two and a half years closed since it was completed, and there's a remaining balance of $68,000. My assumption is that this project is done, it's been paid for, let's take the remaining funds and move on. Okay. Looks like, as you can see, that uh, number 42, number 49, and 57 uh, were all complete and the money's transferred to another project. So, uh, you know, so I'm sorry, Ms. Cheatham, go ahead. Linda Cheatham, budget manager, we were made aware recently that these projects were complete and the dollars were transferred to the fire station buildings. All this money? The Commonwealth, Richmond Henrico Turnpike, right. and Miscellaneous Urban Aid. Yes, sir. Okay, and then the Burn Tower Stabilization Kel and Repair. Burn Tower, yes, sir. So that's all complete, and there were no, it says funds transferred. Council President. I'm sorry. Yes, let me, let me finish this question here, and then Mr. Agilasto. So we... You see what my question is? Number 57, that one was complete and funds were transferred to another project. Did we transfer that one as well to the fire station repair? Yes, sir. All, all of the projects were transferred to the fire station buildings to make needed repairs okay. in our fire station. All right, Mr. Agilasta. Council President, so I'm, I'm having some significant heartburn over this provision. The mayor has introduced his budget. His budget says there's a capital improvement program, and these are funds being assigned to these projects. Sometime between the date that the mayor has presented his budget and the council now is in the role of reviewing and amending that budget proposal, the administration is telling us that they are taking liberties at re- allocating funds that the mayor has basically already certified to us are in his proposed budget. They're essentially making budget amendments, bypassing the city council's process and ability to make proposed changes to the mayor's budget, and not advising this council, not being transparent in the process of what they are undertaking. And I frankly find that to be very, very troublesome I think, and I'll ask the city attorney, the mayor has proposed his budget. Can they take funds from the mayor's proposed budget and reallocate them to other projects without informing the governing body as we, for now three months, have been undertaking our due diligence process to evaluate his proposed budget, and we're hitting dead ends because they've changed his proposed budget. Yes, Mr. Jackson. 
I think the more important question that hasn't been answered yet or hasn't been asked or answered is whether the funds that have been reallocated as is described here and as is permissible under the Charter. I'm not defending what the Charter says. I'm just simply saying that's what it says. The more important question is whether the funds have either been expended or encumbered. If they've not been expended or encumbered, they're still available. But if they've... So the council can, in fact, move these monies, even though the administration has advised us that they've transferred them to another project, but even though that project might not have begun. If they are not expended or encumbered, council is free to... And if in the documentation that they... The administration, in the documentation that they have provided in our formal process, this is on the record, documents that are provided to the city council, the governing body responsible for the oversight and the budget of the city of Richmond, if in the documentation from the administration that is presented to us, we must rely on that information to be 100% accurate. And at the time that we make our governing decisions, we're relying on 100% accurate information, then they cannot rescind the information that they have provided to us, i.e. completed projects, i.e budget proposals for capital projects. Am I incorrect in that assessment? Uh, Mr. Angelasto, what you seem to be raising is questions of credibility, not questions of law. The governing body has the ability to subpoena and hold people in contempt if they do not provide answers to the questions that we ask of them. Is that not a provision of the city charter? You have power to compel records. You have the power to compel testimony. Uh, you do not have power to hold someone in contempt. And if the records that we request are provided in inaccurate format or if the responses change and we are not given updated responses to the information that we have been previously provided, is that not misleading and misguiding to the governing body? And you all, I'm sorry, but, but this form of government and the, these processes that we somehow live through? Mr. Hilbert already went through this today. It doesn't work. Mr. Agilasso, I'm not the one who wrote the charter. So I'm not, no. and I'm not about to defend some of the problems that the charter presents, and this is one of them. And I, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. And Mr. Jackson can only opine on the legality of something. I've got to say here, this is my 13th budget. I cannot remember when this has happened before of projects complete. We've reallocated this money since a budget was presented. Now, somebody might refresh my memory. I'm, I'm not great at memory. My long-term memory is pretty good. Short-term, not as much as it used to be. But this appears to be unprecedented for and I came in with the new form of government right from the beginning uh, so this is very concerning to me I try to give people the benefit of the doubt but it is it's very troubling and you know if the monies have not been spent or not allocated then I think the or encumbered I think council is perfectly within its rights to want to 
reallocate that money, to reappropriate it. So, you know, we can go back and look at that, and I appreciate you have the ability to do that as a, uh, per the city code, per the charter, uh, but it's, it's difficult to, to operate under that scenario. And I'm going to ask a question offline uh, that's also related to the charter, and uh, we'll come back to that depending upon the answers that, that I get. Uh, Belmont Road Roundabout, I'm sorry, did we, did we get a consensus on these other ones, or did we? I, okay, let me ask you this. If this money has not been encumbered as we sit here today, not talking about it being done at 645, I'm talking about 644. If this money has not been encumbered or has not been uh, spent, then this council, or this vote that I'm asking for, would we want to reappropriate this money? Okay. All of these items. Got a consensus on that, Ms. Ms. Robertson? Is there a tally on this? What was the total amount of those? What was the total of the items that were the monies were spent? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. The, the five projects that I believe the administration said were reallocated was item number, what's listed here, five, which was the planning and pre-development Item 42, the Commonwealth Gateway Landscaping, 49, Miscellaneous Urban Aid, 57, Richmond Fire Burn Tower Stabilization Repair, and Item 72, Richmond Henrico Turnpike, and those five um, projects total $473,092. I'm sorry, total again? $473,092. Yeah, she just asked. Four hundred and seventy-six thousand. Seventy-three. Seventy-three. And ninety-two dollars. Okay. Mr. President. Yes. Question. Mr. Just one second. Okay. Did you get your answer, Ms. Yes, Robertson? Okay. Thank you. And uh, Ms. Trammell uh, has the floor here for a moment. If anybody wants to follow up on that, please let me know. Did you? Well, yes, we are, or we can, uh, yes, Ms. Trammell. The money, um, I'm sorry to ask her to repeat it. Can you, can you repeat it again? Because I don't, because I know that I've been fighting for years for 21, for Station 21, um, to have some money to either redo that station or either give them another station. And I don't really see it on the list. And I know there's other fire stations because I heard this weekend and I seen myself that some of them are in, they definitely need some repairs too. But I know that um, 21, like I said, I've been fighting for that for over 14 years. So I'm sorry, Ms. Ms. Trammell, is your question um, is 21? Councilwoman Trammell, the five projects that they were just talking about are old projects that had some remaining funds and got reallocated to the fire station building project. Right now in the mayor's proposed budget, there's a completely separate project for the replacement of fire stations 5, 6, 12, and 21, and that project is not being recommended to be reduced. It's not being recommended to be reduced. 
So the funding is staying in that one as far as right now. And you said station five, six? Five, six, 12, and 21. All right. I'll, I'd like to... I'll get some more information on this because some... All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. All right. So um, I guess if we can get an answer on this, but... Um, so, I mean, we can look at each one of these individually. We can take them as a group. Number 4249 57. I have a question if yes. we're going to take uh, Yes. So, um, in terms That's of 57, um, the Richmond Fire Burn Tower Stabilization and Repair, what is the state of that uh, facility? If those funds have already been, and I. Well, I think they've transferred. Been, is that right? That's what a it, right project is complete, and the funds were transferred. And I believe, um, but it they were uh, transferred to other. Uh, right, I have that part. But my uh, okay. the sense of what I also heard was that it was also again being transferred to fire-related um, projects. Yes, repair of fire stations in particular. Okay. That was for all three of these. Council President. Yes, sir. Um, Mr. Agilasto. You've asked if we take these as a group. I believe is 49 here. I believe, believe Ms. Cheatham, you said that those monies had also been moved? Yes, sir. When, the, when I'm speaking of taking them as a and group, And those I'm monies had been moved to the fire station? Is that what she responded? I believe that's what was told. So this is urban transportation dollars that I do not believe can be transferred to the fire station. And so my question of, with the response that I received from the city uh, attorney, some of the responses I'm just not comprehending. You're saying you've taken urban aid that is earmarked for transportation and you put it into a fire station. Maybe there I are some legitimate questions that I have about the process and why the information that we have, there is no written response to any of this to show what they are discussing on the record here today. And it is contradicting a lot of the information that we have been provided in writing in previous reports. Linda Cheatham, Thank budget you. manager. Yes. Those dollars that were transferred in the miscellaneous urban aid project that we're speaking of were city funds. They were not part of the federal or state allocation. Okay. All right. Chief, you're about ready to say something. Oh, if there's a question for me. Okay. A question for the chief. I guess my first question is, do we want to take these as a uh, a consent, excuse me, a, uh, a block, or do we want to vote on them individually? So taking them as a block, items 42, 49, and 57. So um, we're going to take them as a block. One, two, um, three, four, President, five. President okay. Hilbert. I'm sorry. I believe there was a total of five projects that they said. Um, it was project number five, 42, 49, 57, and 72. So it'd be five projects. Okay, I'm sorry, 42, 49, 57. 72, and then the top one, number five. Okay. All right, well, we already, Mr. Addison withdrew number 
5. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Mitch. That was item 3. Where is item 5? Well, item 5 slash lease. So if Councilman Addison withdrew that, then I guess we're only going to discuss the four, which would be 42, 49, 57, and 72. Okay. All right. Yes, Vice President Newbill. I'd just like to, I hear the concern. So notwithstanding that, I'd still like to get some idea of what these funds were. They were transferred for fire related uh, projects, just some sense of what? What is it that we were needing additional funding for? What will this allow us to do? How will this allow us to better serve? Chief, so, can you answer that? Chief uh, Carter, please. Council President, ahead. Madam Vice President, the funds, particularly as it relates to the burn tower, were transferred into the, not the general fund, but fire station buildings uh, for a total fund of nearly 480 some thousand dollars. That fund will be used to make needed, much needed repairs to uh, the remaining fire stations to address some of the issues such as uh, the restrooms, gender specific restrooms that don't yet occur in those stations. Nor have they since they were built. All right, thank you. So, okay, you, say, you stated that the money was put back into the general fund? No, sir, I misspoke. No. The okay. money was transferred into that Fire Station Buildings Fund All from right. the Burn Building Tower. Okay. Just from, I'm sorry, just from the tower. So that's 180. And then sure. the miscellaneous urban aid, that's 61. And also the Commonwealth Gateway Landscaping. I mean, I'm sorry. I guess what I'm, you said 480. 473,000. 472. And so just to be clear, the 470-whatever-thousand that's been transferred is on top of what is currently in the budget book of 461000 for FY19. So we're appropriating nearly 900000 oh, no, almost 950000 dollars for fire station buildings in FY19. Well, not exactly. On top of the available funds of 436,000? Right. Combined, right. Okay. I'm sorry, Ms. Gina. There, Linda Cheatham, budget manager, in the FY19 proposed budget, there was $461,000 proposed for fire station buildings. In addition, we propose to transfer $361,000 worth of completed projects to that project okay. to deal with some of the issues. Uh, roof replacement, right. the gender-specific issues. Um, when the Fire Bureau submitted their budget, they submitted a lot of repairs that needed to be made, and we were not able to accommodate them at that time. And so we're trying to use some of these dollars to deal with the issues since... Um, they need okay. repair. So the number is 361. $361,533. Okay. And plus the 473 that's uh, in the budget for this year. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. 
I have crossed the threshold of three fire stations uh, in the past several months, and I can assure you that they need this. That is not the question in my mind. The question is, you know, how we go about this. This is about process. To a certain, you know, extent, we just can't blow that by of this is a good this is a good use of this money and you know we're rolling with it. I mean I think that that uh, that the administration will find, and speaking for myself, that we are all behind this. Uh, I'll speak for myself, but we need a process whereby these monies are, you know, just a memo, something to say this money per our prerogative is going into this. You know, if it's being spent on something else, then people would have a bigger problem. I don't have a problem with the use of it. I have a problem with the process. And maybe, you know, per the code, they don't have to inform this body, but I would ask for uh, a level of collaboration and cooperation that would, would feel like that people would go the extra mile and do that. Uh, so we're taking these as a body, excuse me, as a, as a whole. I'm sorry, did anybody have a question? So, you know, we can, we can say yes, this, well, so we're doing this, as I understand it, if the monies are not encumbered and if they have not yet been spent, that we want to reallocate these funds. Okay, that's the question before us. So... If they've already been spent or they've already been encumbered, then the money's gone. Uh, so there's nothing necessarily to reallocate. Uh, Ms. Robertson, do you have a question? I, my question is, have the funds been moved? Have the funds been obligated? Or are, have the funds been spent? Um, are, are they funds that are being incumbent that would be expenditures in the FY17 budget. I mean, if we haven't obligated those funds. Hmm? 18. If we haven't obligated those funds out of the current budget. Right. Fiscal year 18. But for this year, yes, yes the current year. Okay. And I'm not sure that I'm clear as to whether or not they are no, I don't. Or whether they're being incumbent, but expenditures are not occurring until the new budget that we adopt July 1st. Thank you. Mr. Brown. Yes, Councilwoman Robinson, the answer to your questions are yes, no, and no. Yes, is what? The answers to your questions are yes, no, and no. Um, yes, the funding has been transferred. No, the funding has not been obligated. And no, the, fu the funding has not been spent. What was the yes answer? That the fund that the funds have been transferred. Transferred. Transferred, transferred from these projects to to the capital project titled fire station. But buildings. not obligated to any expenditure. We haven't made any con contractual obligation or spent in, spent those funds. Uh, in terms of being spent, no. But I know that the needs for the fire stations are extraordinary. No, we're not talking about need. We're talking mm -hmm. about spending money. No, they have not been spent because they were just very recently. Very okay. recently transferred. As of since we received the budget? I believe, yes. yes. Very recently. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. 
Okay, so we have our answer. Monies have not been spent. Uh, they were transferred legally, uh, but they haven't been. But they can be reappropriated by us. Not in order. Way I understand it. If we choose to do so. If, yes, sir, Mr. Addison. In light of this um, conversation of legality of once funds are approved by council, where they go from there and how they can be moved around as needed beyond that, you know, my challenge is that I, we have a lot of needs, and you've addressed some of those. Our fire stations have been, I mean, Parker has one of the worst ones in his district right there on Cary Street. That's way, and I know that one's on the, the pipeline to be fixed. My, what my concern is that if these funds are being moved, where, where does that put us in delaying other projects, the projects that are being used for, if they're part of existing supported projects that are in the pipeline or covering overages or needing to help get things started and organized. I do would like first to have more information to know what that timeline is, what that process looks like for these funds as they're being moved. But legally, we don't. And I'm concerned that if we pull this money right now, we're going to be, I don't know that the web we're going to be untangling of potentially halting, stopping other projects that they've been moved. So I think for me, I'd like to know more information before I have to make a vote on pulling all these from this this budget to know what the impact's going to be because these are needs that maybe we've already identified as projects that need to be funded and we're going to stop them because this process is opaque and unclear and not transparent. And I think we all agree that that's a problem. But right now, I don't know if addressing this right now is the best approach to solving for the future of our city, what we need to do. I think we need to fix the problem for sure. I think this is an issue that I think is surprisingly rampant on these projects that money has been moved since we received the budget. I think Parker's, Mr. Argelasso's point on that is very clear and well, well received. Money, if in a budget that's been moved since we've gotten the budget, shouldn't happen. Now, here we are. What do we do? Do we stop all these projects and force them to reshuffle the deck of cards with whatever resources they do or do not have because we've, we've taken away planning dollars, project money dollars, things that have been allocated for construction work. I just have a hard time approving a moving of, moving of funds just for the sake of the fact that there's other projects that are underway with those funds right now. And so that's, that's my problem is what are we stopping? Okay. All right. Yes, uh, Vice President Newbill. It- I would agree with my colleagues, actually, both the process, uh, as Ms. Agilesto has articulated, um, uh, bears some work for all of us. Um, however, uh, I know that we have fire stations that if the fire trucks barreled out of the station right now, there are no safety lights to say halt citizens, halt anybody. Um, the trucks would get hit, citizens, and so I know that there are uh, legitimate needs that are not uh, or have not been addressed thus far, and I'm hopeful that uh, these uh, recommendations uh, for um, expenditure, I get it. Um, they've transferred, transferred per city code, I get it. Um, should there be a process where there is greater discussion with, uh, between administration and council? Yes. Between council and council? Yes. Uh, but that's n- not where we are in this moment, and I'm not, uh, I'm unwilling to just simply say because the process was not what we would like in this instance that I'm willing to 
really jeopardize our public safety professionals, uh, in this case with fire. So. Uh, Ms. Larson? Or, did we already take consensus? Or? No. Okay. No, Can we do that? A, we've taken a consensus to consider these as a whole, which we are I'm, going I'm to ready. do. I'm ready. I'm sorry? Let's, let's, let's rock let's it. Let's okay. do it. Great. Uh, do we have consensus on this matter? Uh, these items to take our prerogative to reallocate these dollars? One, two, three, four. Okay. I see a, somebody's wavering over there, waiting for their vote. Okay. Twice, three times. Okay. Um, I'm going to, so there we go. Uh, members like to take a five-minute break? Ten? Can I ask oh, well, what the plan is? It's up is? to you to return or not. Are, are we going to wrap up at 8? I'm sorry? Are we going to wrap up at 8? Well, we are. That is my intent. Uh, Ms. Brown, are we anywhere near that? Or I mean, we can just take this up at the next meeting as far as I'm concerned. Right. But, we, can, we can continue um, at Monday's meeting if we okay. need to. But we're, we've still got an hour here that we could work with, or I'm, no? Is this a good stopping point? I'm fine just to, personally, I'm fine just to plow through if there's work. Okay, to, I agree. Till eight. I mean, right. that's Sounds 55 like there's a consensus minutes to plow ahead. Yes, there's seven more reductions, so if we okay. wanted to get at least through the reductions. Right. If we have seven reductions and they all take 31 minutes, then no, which the last one did. Uh, Okay, but well, that was multiple, so we can count that multiple times. Uh, okay, none of those reductions went through. Uh, we're at number uh, 66, 68, and 70. Is that correct? No, 58 and 65. Oh, and I'm sorry. Two members um, proposed this amendment. It's to reduce the Belmont Road roundabout. In the second last quarterly report, it was noted that this project was complete and the project closeout was underway. The total expenditures of this project had not changed in over a year um, from the fiscal year 17 second quarter report. And so the proposal was to use the remaining funds for other projects. Okay, However, the administration's um, impact statement indicates that the project is complete and no funding remains to be reallocated. Okay, so there hasn't been a decision as to where to reallocate these funds. Did I hear you correctly? It does not indicate where the funds were reallocated or that there is no funds to be reallocated. Okay. Mr. Mr. President, yes. can I ask a clarifying question before we proceed? Absolutely. And then so several problems. of these consensus have been failing for, but we're missing a member. So really they're tying. They're not... Well, it's unfortunate that we don't have a that we don't have all the members here. Unfortunately, it takes five votes to move something. If there's only five of us here, it would take a unanimous vote. If we want to, if we want to stop this meeting now and wait till we have nine people here, comes on our way. That's a that's a motion that can be made and voted on. Mr. President. Yes. Kim is on her way. She just texted me. She's on her way. Okay. From VCU. 
She's, oh. she's coming back. Great. Okay, we can suspend the meeting or take a recess until Miss uh, Gray returns if you want to do that. But again, keeping in mind, I want to leave by 8 and carry everything forward. That has not been addressed. Okay. So, so I got a yes, Miss Robertson, and then uh, did you? Okay, uh, Vice President Noob. I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. Did you have a? I'd, okay. I'd like to know if we can yes. reconsider some of them. Um, per, when, when our missing okay. member comes back. Per Roberts' rules of order, if you can get six people that were not on the prevailing side, and I'm not sure here, someone that wasn't here would be on the prevailing side. My, my thought on that would be no. So you'd but have it, to get six members to reconsider something, to bring up something again for a revote. But it wasn't a formal vote. It's, well, it was the I think we're trying. To, it wasn't a formal vote, but I think the process by which we are doing this by consensus, I just think it would be violating the spirit of of Roberts that we need a um, we need a supermajority to bring something back to the table. Okay. Well I'm just trying to find some CIP dollars and I'm uh, wondering if our missing member might support some of these things that have been failing right. four to four or tying four to four. Right. I mean that's all that's my end game. I I, I just want some dollars because I know we're going to get through these last seven items, and then we're going to start on the increases, and it's going to be, going to be a disaster. No money there to increase, um, or very little money. I mean, we can go revisit these if we come back to our increases and say, I mean, I'm not suggesting that, but uh, but that's. I'm sorry. Okay, why don't we do this here? Yes, after Vice President Newell. Yeah, I, I, I have real concern about changing the process at this point. Okay. We have opined through every single one of this and adhered to the same process. And now we're suggesting we will go back and revisit each of these items. That was not what we articulated as a process that all nine members had to be present to consent. And so is that so we're changing the process? No, I'm, well, I'm not changing the process. I'm saying that anybody could bring something up again if they're not on the prevailing side, but they get two more people to go along with them to bring something back up. That is the process. But again, if you don't have six people on your side to bring something back up, then you're done. Ms. President, I'm fine yes. with that piece. I'm... There will never be an end to it then. There will never be an end if we can continue to just revisit. And I respect the fact that anyone who can and can't be here, there are things that I'm going to miss. Um, but I would appreciate if we would follow it, follow Robert's rules as, as much as possible. If we're getting consensus, <clears throat> great. If we need all nine here to move forward, that's fine. But... I think it's unfair if we just move down the road only to have to circle back and go around. Right. Um, and again, the, the, I, I'm sure I'm going to have amendments that are going to, you know, simply not have the funding. 
Um, but again, I, I, I would just, I would just be concerned if we just went back to do it. And if we can, you know, that, that, that's fine. But I will still restate my, my original, um, statement that anything we lift up, there is going to be a valid reason why it should not be handled. Right. It would be great if, um, we, there, there was some type of, of process by which we sat down with the administration to say, here are funds that we can go after council, council, uh, councils, I hate to say wish list, but council projects that yes. are priorities within our districts. That would be great if we had a process to do that. Um, and for me, it's as simple as $75,000 for lights at Albert Hill Middle School. Um, and not to say that you minimize any other project in this whole worksheet that we're looking at. Right. But, but again, and, and this is not for this year, Mr. President, but moving forward, it would be great if we could build that in, that if there are priorities for council, that if there is a way in which we can work with the administration to identify dollars to to to, to move forward uh, okay. in this and not be where we are again. Because if we go through the same process for FY20, we, we haven't improved the process internally. Well, I appreciate that here. I have what we have done in the past and what I did suggest last year, and apparently we're going through with that, and I'm, let me end my snarkiness here by saying that if you do the increases first, then that is your priority. And then you can go back to the administration and say, find this money somewhere because we're voting for these. But when you start out with the cuts and you don't produce the cuts, then there's not a lot left over. So if we really want the things that we've said we've increased and then we're going to go Maybe we won't do it, but we'll go ask, you know, somebody to trail back and say, you know, these are our priorities. We are the governing body. We hear what you're saying, but, you know, these are our priorities and we want them funded. So that provides some compromise. I mean, I would, I can say that we can go through these last seven or we can just like, you know, head for the increases. I don't want to mess up the process, but what, but the process is if there's four people that are adamantly that we're not going to address any of these other ones and we're not going to revisit anything because you've got, you've got to have six people to say, let's go back and look at that again. I appreciate that that's not the perfect world, but then that's, that's the spirit of reconsidering something in a meeting when you have additional information that you may not have had when you voted on something. So I've had somebody do that for me once. I had four votes for something my first year on council. We got other information. I got two people to join with me. We had a vote, we had six, and so we brought it back up again. Uh, so this is a work session, but I'm, I'm trying to follow the spirit of that. So do we want to... Uh, so what do we want to do now here? I, I mean, we can plow forward with these, or we can call a recess until Miss Gray returns. Whatever is the consensus of the body. 
We have a consensus of doing that? Recessing? I'm not. Okay. We need a we need the five minute recess here and that some of us are a little older. So we need a recess. Uh, I'm just speaking for myself here. We can have a no no cracks there on any council members that happen to be older than I am. Uh, so uh, as the oldest man on council, I need a break. How about that? Uh, so we're going to take a five-minute break, and, uh, and in five minutes we're going to hit the gavel that we're going to be back in session.
going to confirm the seventh one. Just back there, back at the back, far back.
It appears we have a quorum of members in the chamber. So, uh, in the next minute, we're going to gavel to order and go over these last seven items. Uh, Ms. Brown, where are we starting? 73. I believe we're on item 58 and 65. 50 and 55. Okay. 58 and 65. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, 58 and 65. I'm sorry. I thought that was included in. No, that wasn't included in the, um, the reallocation of funds, but this project has been listed for over a year to have funding uh, available in the quarterly report and just recently we received this impact statement that says no funds are available. Okay. Um, but I'm it does... sorry here I don't want you to have to repeat that once we come back into order. I was just trying to find out where oh. we are. Gotcha. We are back in order. Uh, <laughs> we are at item 58 and 65 on this piece of paper the Belmont Road Roundabout. Okay, just so everybody knows where we are. Is uh, <laughs> Yes, don't get me started on these roundabouts. Uh, but let's see, is Mr. Jones available? Because we might be back where we were. Uh, Belmont Road? I don't know. Is this... Is, is this... Uh, Okay, these are combined, 58 and 65. Uh, So these have two different patrons? Yes, this has two patrons. Two patrons have recommended um, this reduction, uh, Councilwoman Robertson and Councilwoman Trammell. Um, At review of the last quarterly report, um, this project uh, was indicated as being complete and project closeout underway. Uh, for over a year, it's had about $200,000 in remaining funds available per the quarterly report. However, it wasn't until we got the impact statement um, paper that says that there's no funding available. And um, so, do we know? Do we know what happened with that $200,000? No, we do not. Is anybody from the administration ready to let us know what happened to uh, $200,000? Good evening. My name is Mike Sawyer, City Transportation Engineer. The funding uh, was spent on the project. It was completed December 2016. So there's no funds left. I guess. Why would that still be here in the budget? It's not in the budget, but listed in the CIP. And I guess that's not your purview. Uh, Mr. President? Yes. That's my district, and that was the money from the roundabout, and that... Like I said, that $200,000 was left over. As I was talking about it earlier, it's a shame that council members, if it's their money or if it's their project that's been finished and there's money left over, somebody, administration or our staff, should come to us and tell us that we had that money so another council person doesn't take it from another council person, especially somebody that has a lot of needs in their district like I do. Well, that's my money, and I want my money back. Okay. What I heard 
just said was that the 200,000 while in the in the budget or in the CIP budget but saying that it was complete uh, didn't say they didn't say they'd reallocated the money because apparently they had spent it but why that was in this year's CIP budget when it was completed in 16 is perplexing but they're saying that there's no money there because it was all spent. Mr. President, there was a million dollars allowed for that, that roundabout. There was a million dollars. I didn't find it until the previous mayor was meeting with my opponent that ran against me about this roundabout. Those people, had I known it, they, had, they said they had petitions and all that. I found out that most of the people didn't even know about a petition going around. Those people wanted a traffic light, not a roundabout. And you should see all the accidents. A guy on a motorcycle got hit the other day, and I was going to ask the chief if he could give me an update on how many accidents has been at that roundabout, because I'm hearing from – and they didn't take in consideration. They were, like, mad at a – at two, it's five. It's called upper. It's called the upper reservoir now. They changed it. Got themselves incorporated for some reason. It's Adams Park, Brookbury, um, Belmont Woods, Merchants Hill, and like a little part of the reservoir. That when you first go there, it's the city. Then when you go further back, it becomes in the Chesterfield. But all that's been incorporated. When you come out of that roundabout, which I can't believe that Mr. Ex Mayor didn't realize, because damn it, he lived over there. He lived in um, Brookbury. He should have known that those people over there in Merchants Hill and over there in Belmont Woods, they only had one way out, and that is it. Brookbury, Adams Park, they have two ways out. They can go straight on out to Route 10. These people can't. And when they were putting that roundabout, it was so many calls because they couldn't even get to work. They couldn't come out of their neighborhoods because the streets were blocked. Now they got this beautiful roundabout, which it is. It's beautiful, $800,000 worth. But we could have probably put two traffic lights somewhere. That's what those people would have much rather had. And now they're asking to remove that roundabout, get rid of it completely, and put a traffic light up there. But there was a million dollars that was given for that roundabout. There was $200,000 left, and that money should stay in the 8th District. Okay. What I'm hearing, I'm not sure what the original allocation was, but what I've heard is that whatever was there was spent on this roundabout, but it remained in the budget. Not sure why that happened. Remained as an item in the CIP budget for an item that was completed in 2016. So just no one has any idea why that happened. Yes, Ms. Gray. So I know I missed a lot of the prior conversations, but what I'm hearing right now is different than saying we moved money that was shown to be there and remaining. Right. Um, I'm very concerned if this isn't being reconciled to the tune of at least 200,000, but how many other things are out there that are not reported accurately? It's like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, and these are numbers. They should add up and balance, and if they're not, what happened to that money, and how was it spent without the budget side knowing it and taking it out of the CIP budget book as remaining funds that we just got. I mean, if that money had been spent months ago, it should have been reconciled. So I think this is a bigger issue than just 
who's going to grab money and when. It's why don't certain departments know that money is no longer there and other departments say they spent it. Right. It's a big problem. Okay. We just, Council President, I will just yes. articulate just that to... the closing out of capital projects and how they are accounted for has been a major material audit finding for four years. And I think we just see that it's going to continue to be a bit of a problem. And again, it becomes... How reliable is the information that this council, as the governing body, receives from the administration? And what are we doing? What are we, the governing body, doing to ensure that we are doing our job? And I'm a little, I'm just, I'm beyond frustrated because I've been on this council for five years and I have seen some improvements, but in this arena, with the capital programs where the auditors continue to say you've got shortcomings, I'm not, con I'm not convinced that we have fixed the problems. And frankly, we identify funds that we want to transfer and we send it over to the administration just to get an impact statement, just to get, thank you for notifying us of these available funds. We've redeposited them into a separate account. What's the point of us doing our work? Thank you, uh, Mr. Agilasto. Okay, so we're we're nowhere on this one. Would that be accurate to say? I mean, we're. I think if it's in the budget as two hundred thousand dollars that they have reported to us is a, is unspent in this account, I don't understand why we should not be able to appropriate it. We have a verbal report to us that is saying that the monies are no longer available, but there's no accounting for that. If you can pro provide an accounting of a debit and a credit of where the monies have gone, then so be it. But until such time, the only option that we have is to rely on information provided to us consistently over the last few years. Or this council can, can take action and ask for a forensic audit for once and for all of some of these projects that where did the money go? Thank you, Mr. Agilasto. Ms. Trammell. Mr. President, I've been on council 16 years, and I will say this. Every year, this budget gets worse and worse, every single year. And it's, it's not right that we're the council members. We, you know, we represent the citizens in this city. And our really, I have 26,000 in my district. And when they hear about this, like, as they heard about that roundabout four years ago, well, 2016, it was out there saying that there was a million dollars for the roundabout and that Mr. Ex-Mayor had got, I mean, I don't think it came before council until after it started and then we voted on it because it already had went through the process and all that. So why can't we find the paperwork? I'm quite sure, Alan, we can get the paperwork or whatever when the cost of that roundabout, how much money was put in there and how much money was spent. And then because it's been like two years said that there was $200,000 left with that roundabout, because they were talking about even putting a park over there with that money that was left over. I'll, I'll do what I can, but I, I have limited resources uh, 
mostly old budget books that I can I can consult. I'll do the best I can. All right, thank you. Okay, we'd like that uh, information that the administration can supply to us for from public uh, works on this particular project. That's a formal request from me, Ms. Uh, Ms. Gray. So um, I would, if there's a logical explanation for this, I don't know what it can be at this stage because it's so far after the fact and they were still showing $200,000 on the book. And I know relative to the budget, that doesn't seem like a whole lot of money, but relative to the average citizen, that's several times the median income in our city. It is, it is worthy of us to make sure that we are being good stewards and following this money to figure out what's happening. And I, I have serious concerns if we got presented with something very recently that said this money is there, and then tonight we're hearing that it was spent quite a while ago. So I'm really wondering how that never, if it had, you know, if it was a, a week ago, I would understand, or even a month or two. But I cannot get my mind around how these things weren't reconciled and balanced out. I would think that if you if you can't reconcile within $200,000, you go back and find out where your mistakes are and figure it out. But this is very serious, and I'm not far from thinking that a forensic audit may be in order for those capital projects. Um, you know, there may be a simple explanation for it. I would love to hear it. Um, I think folks are here from the administration. I would love to have someone come up and explain why this money is showing as available, but it was spent a long time ago. That would be very helpful. Is anyone prepared to do that this evening? I mean, I've made a request that we break down this particular project from what was allocated and how it was spent. Uh, but right, I'm. I can't answer that question. Looks like there's a huddle going on, so we might get an answer. Um, Okay. Mr. Good afternoon, everyone. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. Um, at this time, what I can indicate is that we would take a closer look in the future at the quarterly reports. The funding for Belmont Roundabout is not there. It's been spent. Okay. So you will let us know why it was in the budget book, I guess. Yes, sir. That's my question here. I'm sorry. Ms. Brown? Yes, it, it was. This was a project that council staff noticed because it wasn't listed as a um, project existing, new, or active. And when we went back through the quarterly report to identify projects that hadn't been listed as new, existing, active, and or completed, that's when we looked at the comments from the second quarter. And for this particular project, when we looked at the last second quarter and looked at almost a whole year ago, those 
that budget as well as that expenditure amount was exactly the same. Um, so knowing that there was no activity from almost a year ago, that's why it was recommended and proposed that this funding be used. Okay. All right, so if we can get an accounting of why that happened or the the omission of, of saying that that project was complete and taking it off the list in the second quarter report. Sure. Well, not taking it off the list, but leaving it there. Yes, and we're leaving that there were $200,000 still there to be yes. spent. Yes, sir. Mr. President, we're going to work even more closely with the agencies to make sure um, when they respond to the quarterly reports that we get the most up-to-date information. Um, and that's um, reiterating the statement that Mr. Vincent just mentioned. So we are working more closely with them. Yes, Ms. Gray and then Mr. Agilasto. So... In order, I know in state government and in schools, and I assume in the city, in order to spend $200,000, you have to sign a contract, be invoiced, and that money is encumbered, and then checks are issued, and everything's verified, hopefully, and it's reduced by whatever that amount is. And it's never the exact amount on a contract. It's usually somewhere in there. But how is it that this money either was spent on that project or got moved to another project, spent, and nobody, nobody balanced it and saw that hey, there's 200000 missing here, where did it go, and let's reconcile this. I, don't, I, don't, I can't get my mind around how that happened. If the accounting systems that we presume to have in place here are working, how does that happen? Even if it's, I mean, it showed up on multiple, it showed up on a year's worth of quarterly reports at least. So at some point in a 12-month period, there were at least that many opportunities to figure out that there was an error and reconcile it. So why didn't that happen? And how can we rely upon the information that we're getting if it's not happening? I'm, I don't understand the process here. I appreciate that we need an answer to this question, absolutely, okay? And I have asked for it formally for this project, and and maybe we need to break this down for every project and get it on a, you know, on a, I mean, I hate to say a monthly basis, but, you know, this has brought some real serious concerns. Uh, so I hear that. I really do hear that, Ms. Gray, and I'm very concerned about this as well. I've made the formal request for this particular project, and we've determined that this money isn't, it's already been spent, uh, and that it wasn't reallocated because it was all spent, but that it lagged out there as far as I could tell uh, in that being reported. So could we move on to the next item? Okay. Thank you. Ms. Brown, number yes, 66, the, 68, and 70. 
Yes, that's correct. Um, this was one project that was split between three patrons, um, uh, Councilwoman Trammell, Councilman Jones, as well as the remaining um, was proposed by council staff. Um, this project was on the completed projects list um, that the administration provided as part of their presentation. Uh, it said remaining funds of over 700000 um, and out of that they indicated 144000 was used to balance the budget, which remained a total balance of 652589 uh, but also within their comments, they indicated that they wanted to allocate 495000 of that 652 for the police uh, training academy. We went back and looked at the second quarter reports as well as in the budget book. In the budget book, once again, there's no project page for the police academy training project, um, but we all did look at the last quarterly report and we did not see these funds as currently being transferred. So based on that review, we decided to take the full 652 instead of um, the reduction of 157. Okay, so this was originally appropriated for streets, sidewalks, bikeways, trails, and ramps. But, it, but we were not... But they, not, said the, okay. they said the project was complete. The completed project page indicated there was a little over $700,000 in it. Of that amount, they used 144 to balance the fiscal year 19 budget. Okay. Furthermore, they indicated that they wanted to use 495000 to use for the Police Training Academy project. Per our review of the second quarter report, as well as what we could tell from the budget book, because that project isn't even given a project page in the budget book, we have at least determined from the second quarter report that those funds hadn't yet been transferred to the police academy training project. And so, therefore, we're recommending using the full 692000 um, that remains in that project. Okay. All right, so we are, does uh, anybody, let's see, these funds were utilized to address issues at the training academy. So is that, that telling me that they were not only transferred, but they were spent? Is that, I'm sorry, Ms. Ms. Cheatham. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. The dollars were transferred from the completed project, and we notified the council um, in March as well as we used um, dollars from the project to support the financing of the fiscal 19 CIP. Okay. I don't, I mean, does anybody recall being informed of that? I mean, I'm, I'm not, but then, yes, Ms. It, it was Brown. listed in the administration's um, presentation on the, their completed project page. Um, but like I said, from what we could tell from the information we had was that the funds hadn't been transferred yet, and therefore that's why we recommended using the full amount. If council wished to not use the full amount, um, there's still 157000 that would still be available based on what they've said they've either spent or used to balance the budget. Okay, so what I'm hearing, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to clarify. Uh, did I hear that? I heard that the monies were transferred to the police training academy, but I'm not hearing 
it says funds were utilized. So was it spent for that or was it just reallocated for that and no work has gone on at the training academy as of yet? Or were those funds transferred and encumbered? I'm just, I'm not clear on that. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. We know that the funds were needed to repair several joints. We have a letter from the engineering about the need for that, and that's why the transfer was made. Okay. I do not that's, I don't know whether the monies have been spent yet. Correct. You don't know that. I do not know that, but I know okay. the dollars have been transferred into the account. Okay. All right. Mr. Agilesto, did you have a question? I'm sorry here. You're you know conference. Let me, does anyone else have a question? Yes, Ms. Trammell. Uh, you want 66 right? That's mine. Do you want, do you want number 66 right? We're on, uh, yes, yeah, 66, okay, 68, I got, and 70. All right, They're I combined. Got, I'm sorry, what? It's, it looks like my money is gone again. I got all. Well, we don't know whether it has been spent yet, but there was money left over that was transferred to the police training academy. We don't know if that has been spent yet. And then the other monies, the one, there's 157 left, and then there's uh, to balance the uh, 19 to 23 CIP, 144 was allocated for that. Am I? Is that correct here? Did I say that correctly? Correct. Okay. So I'm not sure Ms. Trammell heard any of that. Okay. I think that's an excellent point. Uh, Ms. Uh, Vice President Newbill, can we, can we just look at this somewhat incrementally and just to, could we get a consensus on the 157 that's left that we can, that we want that money? That's left. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. okay. Done. So 157 is 589. Okay. Now we need to discuss the rest of it. Okay. Mr. President. Yes. Can we vote on the remainder or consensus? We can. And, we can. And, and if it can. hasn't been encumbered, then right. it's ours. Then they need to right. Administration will come back and let us know that. Okay, do we want to, we have a consensus on that until we know uh, that the monies were even, were spent or encumbered that we want that uh, back in our budget, back in the budget. Okay, we've got one, two, three, four, five. Okay, we've got that one. So Point six. of clarification, that was for the 495,000 that was transfer that was for the whole that vote was for the whole 652 which we're saying included is transferred okay but we don't know if it's been spent or it's been encumbered we just will wanted get a to report make sure it. i understood what the vote was for okay I, mr yes. president yes okay so the fact that it is in oh, it was transferred i'm understand miss cheatham were the funds expended i think are these funds unexpended I think she'd indicated she didn't know. I do, I, okay. I do not know whether they've been expended or not. I'll have to get back with you on that. 
Okay. Okay. Ms. Gray. Uh, so um, there's a $500,000 issue, $495,000 issue at the police training academy that needs to be addressed? Yes. That's it, right. The money yeah, was but what is the issue? to this Do we project. Know? We, right. It was transferred because this money was left over from this other project. There was a need for that, we, and it was legally transferred to this other uh, use, but we don't know if it was encumbered, It has, n and we don't know if it's been spent yet. So we're saying that if that money is still available, that we want to reappropriate it. I'm just asking which of the issues are critical. Like, is there an itemization of what this is supposed to address? Because, you know, if there's a structural issue and it's $100,000, yeah, we want to make sure we address it. If it's a cosmetic or some other issue that they're trying to address, then maybe we don't want to do that. But... Without all of the information, it's hard to, to know. Do they keep all of the money? It's, I don't think it should be all or nothing. I think we should have more information to make that well, decision. I, I think what we're saying is until we hear different, we're taking the 652. Okay. okay. I mean, we could get I'm, – I'm trying to get through all of these items. We can come back to them. And so. I, I understand that, but if – I mean, if there is a legitimate – issue that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. We'll give the money back. Okay. Okay. But you, All right. I saw that you voted for this, so. Yeah. Okay. I did. All yes. right. Thanks. Madam Vice President. Okay. So it appears, and if I heard correctly from Ms. Cheatham, there were legitimate issues that these funds were going towards. That if I understood correctly, structural issues that we have some confirmation on from some entity who's area of expertise it is to ascertain such things. Yes, ma'am. The existing foundation wall system beams are rusted and corroded past their useful life expectancy, and their replacement is needed to maintain the structural integrity of the Police Training Academy Foundation and prevent a possible collapse in the building by prolonging the useful life. And we have the engineer's letter could that we all that. thank you, Ms. Gray? Just one second. Could we all agree that that would be pertinent information to which we were not privy? To I, I'm kind of flabbergasted, but um, you know, nobody's saying that you couldn't transfer the money. But could somebody not have told us that you know this money's hanging out here in the budget? Yes, we reapplied it to this. But I'm sorry, I don't recall being informed that this was such a dire need, which it obviously is. is Mr. Brown. Yes, sir. Mr. President, um, when we were made aware of it, we realized the critical nature of the issues at the Police Training Academy, and the recommendation was made at that time with a completed project to do the transfer immediately to, to ensure that the funding was there to address that critical safety issue at the Police Training Academy. So it was spent. No, I'm not saying it was spent, but the transfer. Okay. All right. Do you? It would just be helpful to know those things. Thank you, uh, Ms. Trammell. Did you have a question, or Ms. Gray? I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, about the. So, uh, just my question is: that's not that 
old of a building and if it's having these serious engineering issues, is there has there been some warranty or a legal thing that's been engaged? Because to me, if a right, we could do that. I just we could I'm certainly just, look into that. How old is that building? Yes. Don Summers, Chief Capital Project Manager. Uh, facilities was in the middle of a project where they had a roof leak over top of one section of the police academy. And in that process, the engineer that was reviewing that, uh, they went down underneath the basement, started looking around investigating, and that's when they began to see the structural integrity of a couple of the I-beams were called into question. And that was a letter that um, uh, was read by uh, Ms. Cheatham. And that's why that process went forward, because of the urgency of the letter from the engineer to deal with the structural issue. So okay. this, I'm sorry, to, and I'm not picking on you, but this is so reminiscent of the <clears throat> structural issue that we got a report on in the last budget that was imminent and the the roof collapse that still hasn't gotten done. So I, I'm not. I have a hard time with the because, and as we discussed, um, you said another engineer came back on the roof thing and said it wasn't as critical. But we had pictures and reports and all of these things during the budget that said we need this million plus or however much it was and it's critical and imminent that this thing could collapse and now this sounds so familiar and I'm just wondering why we hadn't been I we have a public safety committee why this stuff doesn't get reported and why aren't we notified if this is happening? And did it happen because someone neglected to fix a leak for an extended period of time? I mean, it takes a lot to rust out an I-beam. Those are, I mean. Right. This was just brought to my attention at the 1st of March, which is when the letter is. And that's why we move forward pretty quickly on it. Because it is a structural issue that is identified. And when an engineer identifies that for you, uh, you don't put that type of thing Aside Unless you find another engineer who says it's not as critical. I mean, right? I mean, that's what happened with the roof. So I'm just, honestly, I'm having a real hard time with the whole, and I'm not trying to pick on you. You've re you're always very forthcoming and helpful. It's just, when we're in this room, everything seems so dire and critical, and then... You flash forward, it wasn't as, as serious. You know, the, the sky was not falling, as people said, but perhaps in this case it is. I'm just going to question it because. Understood. All right. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Uh, Ms. Larson. So, was the building closed? Excuse me, everyone. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. I believe the original question was when was that building constructed? Um, 1998. Okay. Is the building... This, I'm sorry, Ms. Uh, open Larson's or closed? closed? Yes, the Police Training Academy is open. 
So it's open while there's this structural issue and people are inside using it? Um, currently, the police training academy is open. If, so okay. why, why are we using the building if there's a structural emergency issue? Um, I d didn't want to get down into the logistics of um, metals or anything of that nature, but this is a project that we're currently working on in order to make the, um, the building new again in that particular area. So right now, the building is in need of this particular type of maintenance. So that's kind of where we stand with it. Yes. Okay. So we've done the engineering study. We have the project ready to go. And have we began the project? That's correct. And we have began the work. Okay. The engineers are in the process of drawing up the plans now in order to perform the work. So it's safe to be in the building? To do the repairs? To do the repairs. I'm not going to say that the police training academy is not safe. I'm going to say that we found some issues that we need to address, and that's what we're doing. Okay. All right. So... I guess here uh, we don't have a I have a full accounting here of about the 495. We do hear that it's urgent. We did hear something last year was urgent, and uh, so you know I I think I speak for the body when I say that we're frustrated. Um, so we did vote separately on the 157, so that's done. So we want to come back on the 495 and get a full accounting of where that is. And I appreciate Ms. Larson's question of, you know, how emergent is this if we're you know, working on the building? I Let's get it done, but let's inform this body of what's going on. Uh, Okay, so we're leaving this as one fifty-seven. We're we want that that money from what was left available. We already voted on that. Then we took the other one and said the six fifty-two. We were taking all of that. Now we can leave it there, pending a uh, a response on the police academy, or we can give the police academy the money back. And evidently, the one forty-four was used to balance the budget. So we're at least good to the 157. But do we want to take this money until we hear something back on the structure of the police academy? Was that? Okay, so that's a question before us. Or do we want to I, just let I would like to leave it as is. And maybe if, if this was something the administration's known about, then they can find the money. Okay. All right. So we've already voted on this. Does somebody want to take that? Well, we voted on it. We're waiting to hear from the administration. Okay, so the 652 cut remains. Number, President, yes. Yeah. I, I, um, I, was that a consensus? Because it was. While, no, sir, I heard one person. And the 495, I get it. The process hasn't been what we would all like to see. But there's been clear mm -hmm. indication that we have some challenges with this building. 
some structural issues. I, I get it. I get it. But I'm not sure what we're doing now when we, what, to come back to get, what are you saying? I'm not clear. I'm saying that we had a vote here. I think it was unanimous on this side. I voted for it. I think there were two, possibly three votes over here. We don't want to open up the can of worms again because that's just going to start people saying, well, what about my project? What I'm saying is, and there's, I think the work is not started. It's being bid upon right now. We want to see something from the administration that says that that's fine, you know, or that it's not fine, but that it needs to be done. And we're leaving that, and we'll put that one four ninety five back there as soon as possible. I mean, nothing's complete until May the thirty first, but this is what we're trying to do. Well, we'll get it done before May the thirty first. But yes, sir, Mr. Jones and, and Ms. President, I just want to be clear. We're talking about monies that would be appropriated for um, repairs to the police academy, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Like I said, if we, if we want to leave that back off the table, then, you know, somebody can make a motion to do that. Until that time. To make a motion to take the 495 off the table. Okay. That's a motion yes. from from uh, yes. the yes. vice president. Is there a second? Based second. on what has been shared. Okay. Second. second, Mr. Jones. Okay. Do we have a consensus to take that 495 back out of the cuts? Do not cut the 495. I I think I'm happy to do that when we get an accounting of what and an estimate of what this thing. I'm sure it's going to come in at 496, but I would like to see what needs to be done and what the cost will be because we send it back and it costs 200000 then it just gets transferred to another, the remaining. So, you know. Okay. So that's I'd a like to no on, on. Uh, I thought we had a process that we. We did. And I asked if somebody wanted, if they could reconsider it, that they wanted to take a motion. It would take six votes in order to reconsider it. I don't think we've got six votes to reconsider it, so we're leaving it at the, on the table just like you indicated. Okay. Okay, we're looking for a consensus here. I saw Mr. Jones. I saw the vice president. Did I miss somebody? Okay, so we're leaving the 495 in until we get an accounting. In the cuts. All right? Okay, it is five minutes after eight. We can plow through. Uh, or we can, that was 23 minutes on that one item. So, you know, you do the math on six more items. Uh, or we can call it a day and come back. We're dealing with Right, just, we're coming back anyway. This is so. just the cuts. I'm sorry? This is just the cuts. Oh, yeah, we're we're not even to the increases yet, but then, you know. Not going to have a lot to increase the rate we're going. How many of the cuts? There's five left. I mean, can we get a commitment to finish by 8:30? Well, I hear we want to end now. Is this okay? Okay, let me let me do this. Is there a consensus to end now? 
One, two, three. All right. Is there a consensus to end at 8.30? Okay. All right. We're going to end at 8.30. And as far as we get, and I mean 8.30, we've got 20 minutes. I'm going to go by that clock over there. And when it is 8.30, we're in the middle of a discussion item. We are adjourning and picking that up at the next meeting. Ms. Brown. Yes, the next item is item number 73, um, and I hope to make this one maybe easy, but uh, we recommended, our council staff recommended this reduction of $16,850 because it was on the completed project page from the administration, um, but per their impact statement, they are indicating that there are no funds available. Okay, was this money transferred or was it, Mr. Brown, do you know if this money was transferred? I mean, I'm trying to make this easy. This is $16,000, and we're at 29 seconds. Do we just want to move on? Okay. Uh, yes, Ms. Cheatham, go ahead. Linda Cheatham, budget manager. These dollars were also transferred as a part of the um, fire building. Okay, for the fire proposal. buildings. Yes. But okay. I've, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If we can get, you know, just... If we can get a full number on what was uh, transferred to the police, excuse me, the fire uh, buildings, that would be appreciated. Police headquarters, number 15. We actually did that one already, President Robert. Right. And that failed, is that correct? I'm sorry, I don't know why we're going back to this one. Ms. Larson. Can we take consensus on that one like we have with the others where – it's, no, we can't. it's not sure if the money has been encumbered because I'd like to do it. Rather, okay. take the consensus, and okay, then if that. it's not been spent, then... Okay. Okay. Okay, consensus to keep this cut in the budget, and I didn't do that on item number 73. The monies were transferred to repairs to... Uh, fire stations around the city. So do we want to keep that in there? We don't know if the money's been spent yet. Don't know if it's been spent yet, but it's been reallocated. Do we, do we know if the money's been spent? We're on 73. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. So we're taking that cut until we hear otherwise. Okay. Number... Fifteen. I'm sorry. You said, Miss, uh, that we'd gone over that one already. Or I thought that was for fifteen. Yes. Nineteen. We'd gone through that. No, this we've is done for twenty. We've done fifteen, so we're on number thirty-five. Oh, okay. Moving ahead. Here we are. Government road slope repair. This is number thirty-five. This is um, my amendment. Um, <clears throat> This became a new project, and it's using very old funds that were made available um, that were to help um, do repairs from Hurricane Gaston. And from reading this description, it did not appear that Government Road was in any major threat of further degradation. And we have been evaluating a a pretty bad problem uh, ever since Gaston where... um, a retaining wall at Hollywood Cemetery collapsed. And 
this protects Oregon Hill from that lower level, and we have a city uh, playground uh, right there, the Holly Street playground, and that retaining wall has been very undermined ever since Gaston, and we have been trying to work to find a way to do the repairs, and when we learned about the Gaston monies that were identified, discovered, and, and put into this budget, um, I put it in there because it, it does seem to me to be a much higher priority of need for those dollars than the government road uh, project. Okay, and this is, to be clear, this is for fiscal 23. That's correct. Right, okay. Is there a, I mean, if we've got an emergency between now and then, I'm sure we can put this money back between now and 2023. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Yes, um, I, I would really uh, like to hear from Parks and Rec. It is my impression that this has been sitting as a disaster waiting to happen, that this isn't, um, and already it's out to 2023 uh, to address. Uh, right, I'm not, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also hear you know, it's a, if it's a disaster waiting to happen, why are we waiting to put it in the 2023 budget? That's uh, Mr. President, we're still looking for dollars. I mean, so, I mean, as much as we can, Right. I'd rather have it sooner. And notwithstanding the fact that Mr. Agilesto seems to have a challenge as well, so I'm not saying that that's not something that needs to be addressed because it sounds as if it should. Um, so... If I can get a gauge from Parks and Rec, if this is something they believe can be pushed out, um, that would be helpful for me. I have been understanding that this is something that needed to be addressed sooner than later, but we just didn't have the dollars at this oh. point. Okay. Um, okay, this is out of the 2023 budget. Right. It's not coming out of the current budget. Chris Frelke. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Councillor Hilbert, Councillor Newbill. Um, we need to look into that. I know this has just come to our attention in the last uh, few weeks by Councillor Agalesco and some citizens, and we went out there last week to review this particular situation. And so I'd have to get back to you guys on the exact the severity of it, but we can get that pretty soon to you guys. Okay, great. I look, Thank you. I look forward to receiving it, but I can take it out of the 2023 budget for sure. This is where I'm looking at it. Mr. I'm, President? Yes. Um, Dr. I, I would really appreciate the prioritization if that is more of an um, um, emergency, if okay. it's more imminent, mm -hmm. then I don't want our children and families in danger uh, any place. So I really would like to rely on their prioritization based on their assessment as the subject experts, uh, okay. period. All right. It's... And, if I may add, yes, um, the, the appropriation for the government road slope repair in 2023 is 650,000. This is taking 350, leaving a balance for 300. And according to the budget book, there's still an available balance of $443,000 already in the government road slope um, repair project. So that would bring you up to $750,000 roughly. Okay. So we want to cut this out in 2023. Sir, I'm sorry, Ms. Gray. So, and just process-wise, if this is a road project, is it eligible for some matching grant funds or from the um, 
TPO, has anyone approached the state to help if, if it's an issue? And, and the second part to my question is the rainy day fund. There's no better appropriate use for the rainy day fund than a gas dome issue. That was a very rainy day. And if something <laughs> collapsed as a result, why? I mean, we are well in excess of what is required by our rules and our rainy day fund. So why do we never contemplate? Um, I mean, we're pitting two important things against each other when, you know, I think that's a huge liability for us. It's something that needs to be a retaining wall that is collapsing into a community with the playground right there is something that I think warrants Right. A conversation around, you know. So, I agree here with what you're saying, Miss Gray, but it seems like to me, if it was an urgent issue, that it would be in this year's, excuse me, in next year's budget. Right. It's not. It's, but who's it's four who's, years from now? Who's determining that? The administration. That was their opinion that this could be addressed in four years. Now, if you want to say they need... Oh, you mean the government out. road? Yes. Um, is there any any um, consideration, and I don't know where that is, but the retaining wall at the cemetery that's collapsing, or is that not considered public right of way? I mean, why wouldn't that be cemetery. put in the budget by the administration if it's... Well... Is that Parks and Rec? Is that Public Works? Is it? Why don't we? Since this is 2023, I'm right. perfectly happy. I'm fine with that. It. I'm just. But we can ask for you know some accounting on it. So. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Um, Newbill and Mr. I think Jones. I'm going. Well, I'm not. I believe Miss Gray and I are going the same way, and that's why I was asking for the Director of Parks and Rec to weigh in because if this is as critical. As Mr. Agilesto describes, not only should it not be in 2023, it should be if we could get it into this year, but certainly in 19. So that's why I was trying to get a sense of prior, if that had a greater urgency and uh, public, then we need to figure that out and move this differently and then queue up. I, I understand together. that. Here's my problem. I think we've come up with $1.4 million worth of cuts. Now, we wouldn't even be talking about this had Mr. Agilesto not brought it up. So we are taking $350,000 potentially, which the administration has said that this is not a priority, and we are moving it to this year's budget. We're going to be less than a million dollars. I mean, that is just, I don't get it, Mr. Jones. I understand this may or may not be urgent, but the administration said it's not. If we're going to make it urgent and we want to put it in our budget, it's but it's it's concerning to me. It's a cut. I appreciate that. But what I'm hearing from members is that they want to add it, not only don't do the cut, but push it forward. And maybe I misunderstood you completely, Mr. Jones. Well, And I guess that that's part of my concern. Just, I mean, we're in the... FY23, um, and just trying to understand the whys of that. And then if it is a priority, you know, do we move it forward or or just what? And kind of the rationale for it being 
you know, a dire or I, again, I don't know the the, the I guess the, how right. we would rate it as being dire or where it is, but you know, the rationale. I'm just trying to understand the rationale for it being in 2023 versus 1920. 21, 22, and we're all the right. way out in 23. So, and, and that, that was, again, that's just me trying to understand the budgeting process. Right. And maybe we should have taken a budget cut four years in advance in the, as the last item. But I, can we just get an accounting of this from, because like it's, I'm hearing this is dire and it's in four years later. So to me, that isn't dire. Uh, but we would have never heard about this, respectfully. We would have never heard about this had Mr. Agilesto not put in this cut. So obviously this wasn't a priority for the administration. Or there'd be something in this year's budget, which I don't believe there is. Is that, would that be correct? Am I saying that correctly? I, I'm thinking um, that the government road since that's being funded in 2023, it's, I guess, coming across that it's not as a dire need. But the project that Councilman Agilesto brought up is a separate project than the government roads. So I believe he's recommending that we take the money from government road in 2023 and use it in fiscal year 19 for the cemetery project, which seems to now be um, a very dire project. And I believe did the director. Get, okay, did we get ahead of ourselves with an increase in the middle of discussing decreases? Yes. Okay, I, that is wrong. Okay, we will discuss this increase at some other time. Do we have a consensus to do this decrease in 2023? 2023. Now, we can vote. What, what do you we're mean? doing the decreases first. Mr. Agilasto has got a proposal in, which we are going to talk about later, to increase this year's budget. Right. He's taking it from 2023 until now because he's okay. saying that it's urgent. Okay. Oh, but it's... But it's not in the cuts, it's in the increases, which we are not going to talk about yet. Okay. Okay? Question. So, yes, Dr. Newbill. Again, I, um, I am uh, more than fine with prioritizing our needs, but having them prioritized as opposed to going down this road uh, is something I would ask of us and having Chris has looked at it, if it is um, as dire, then bring that back and let's try to get that taken care of. That will be brought back so. under Mr. Agilasto's amendment, but because we were doing the cuts first, which is extremely unfortunate, I have to say that again, then, uh, excuse me, then, but we're not doing those now. So, we got to do the cuts first. Okay, that was a process we all agreed to. Let's please keep this in mind for next year. The decreases come last. Okay? Let's really think long and hard about that. I thought we had lived through this once, but and we did, but we're going through it twice. Uh, pick your priorities, and then we can go from there. So... Who is in favor of reducing the 2023 budget? Doesn't mean you're voting for it in 2019, but are you willing to cut 2023? That is the question on the board. 
Okay, we can't take both of them at once. I refuse. You're going to have to overrule me. I refuse to take up the increases right now. Yes, 2023 reduction. One, two, one, two, three. Mr. Agilesto, you're not voting for your even one. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we're cutting 2023. $350,000. We're almost there. We've got five minutes. We've got three items. East End vacant blighted property. This was mine. Again, this seemed to be redundant on a couple of other capital improvement program items that were uh, focused on doing um, blight abatement in the East End. Uh, you all might recall uh, when we voted um, to do uh, funding for um, some of the RRHA uh, Creighton Court, we authorized um, additional 100 properties per year um, to fund that. Uh, and through the city attorney and others, we're taking a much more aggressive uh, standpoint on um, trying to clean up blighted properties. This money has been in the budget for a couple of years, and it hasn't um, it hasn't been spent. And, it, and as I said, it appeared to be redundant to some other funds. And um, and I thought with the other efforts that uh, that we could free up this capital money uh, and reappropriate it for other uh, significant projects where we don't have the budget, i.e. school maintenance, i.e. road repaving and sidewalk repairs. Okay, thank you. Any, uh, Dr. Newbill? Yes. We're down to two minutes. Please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not clear on where the redundancy is, the um, opportunity to use the uh, delinquent properties were put into a fund that allowed us to uh, provide resources, and we're going to have the administration speak to that. Um, this, the two pieces here, certainly um, the $250,000, we have had prior discussion relative to the Wickham Court public housing community and uh, future redevelopment there. Uh, the school has come down, communities have community certainly has an expectation that we will get underway with some planning there. The other $200,000 uh, was to be used in tandem with the rest of the quarter. So I'm not clear, Mr. Adelester, where the duplication is, uh, but I'd be interested in hearing from the administration if there is such, because I don't recall any of that. Mr. President, Ms. Gray. Okay. All right, we're down to one minute, so we may end up tabling this. Go ahead, Ms. Gray. So the, at least the 250000 I know we had um, that in the FY18 budget for that study because I question how it could be given as a grant and not a competitive bid and how that would all work out. And then it got taken off in our finance committee, and it never got brought. So I questioned where the money went, and I was told it got transferred to RRHA so that they could go through the process to get the study done. So. Okay. My understanding is that uh, it remains here, but um, I stand to be corrected. Okay. Right. There, uh, there was some concern, as we talked about earlier, about the grant. And the idea is to um, 
to go at it from a, a, a I guess what we, we need to develop a scribble work and then put it out. I think some of the concern was it was going to a grant, it was going in one place, and the idea was to revise the scribble work and then to put it out perhaps more competitively or through RHA. So those funds are still there to do that. We've had several meetings on the scope. We just have not moved forward with that project yet. So, so for the two fifty, and, and the two hundred is separate. That's blighted spot. Um, that is just to fill there. You know, as you know, in East End, there are many vacancies, many um, empty lots, many blighted properties. So it's not a, a duplicate effort of anything. That's just a East End initiative to try to clear up some of that blighted and vacant property. Excuse me. Do we want to complete this one? It is eight thirty. We can come back to it at the next meeting. Mr. President, you said eight thirty. Both I clocks did. at eight thirty. You said eight thirty. So it didn't matter I'm, if we're in the middle of a discussion, or whatever. We're, we call it quits. Okay. I agree you all with raised that. your hand. Y'all supposed to be backing me up. So let's leave. It's eight thirty. Thank you, Ms. Framel. We will pick can, this item up at the next can I, meeting. Can I just ask a question that can get answered? That they may have to research. Can you answer? Please I'll ask, ask, it I'll at the ask next our staff. Session or okay. offline, if you would. I will. Okay. Thank you. We are adjourned. Hey, Megan. So why am I doing this?